Production. Recorded live. So we have made it past the pro day to end all pro days. Of course, for those of us who've been around this thing for a while, at one point pro days, well, before the combine got to be an event uh, the way it is now, the pro day was when you often were first introduced to someone's 40 times, their verticals, their short shuttles, or whatever, because nothing was reported from the combine. So there was a time, you know, the mid-1980s, early 1980s, late 1970s, when I heard a guy was blazing fast, when I got a critic thinking ran 427 at his pro day. Who knew what it did at the combine? So Johnny Lamb Jones ran 431 at his pro day. You know, you hear about this stuff would trickle out. What do you mean in the newspaper? You know, it had to just trickle out. It would be rumors and superstitions and, you know, unsubstantiated reports. Sea monsters, as I think Jim Cooper likes to put it. Yeah, books, and, newspapers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had to, I mean, when I was going to do historical data, I kind of gave up, but not really, because you could find some stuff, but then again, you'd find conflicting stuff, and then you'd have to, like, call the reporter, and they're either reporter's dead or they're 20 years older. So. Yes, they are. Right. These guys are in their 70s and their 80s and things like that, yes. So, yeah, the, the, the landscape of football has changed largely because of data. Guys like you, Jeff. There's much more data available, and plus people care more about it. Not really. Nobody likes me because my data is mean, you know, some people think I'm crazy, just watch the tape, you know, stuff like that. Well, tape I don't know. Really it it, though, it feels like it's that. Oh, of course it's very important. Tape is always going to factor into stuff no matter what, period. Right. It right. just has to because, I mean, if it doesn't, then that's why stuff happens. But, you know, why mistakes are made. But um, it's. It's just that, you know, sure, there's teams that are data-driven. There's other teams that aren't. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It, it, well, when you add data to stuff, it, it what it really does is it it just makes things more complicated is all I can really say. Because you get people who are really excited about players. And then right. I'm just kind of like, oh, gosh, okay. All right. Well, it should validate. <laughs> it should validate or invalidate, I guess. Okay, but it should validate things you thought you knew, and maybe occasionally invalidate things that you thought you knew. But more often than not, and you can tell me, I guess you'd be the person to ask. More often than than not, does the data confirm what you thought you knew, or does it contradict what you thought you knew? Um, it confirms it. Some what. and contradicts it. Somewhat. But it just depends on the situation. What what people have to realize, and this is the number one, I don't know if this is like the scouting tip or whatever, is when you are watching college tape, you have to realize that you are watching college football players. Yes, correct. Now, some of them might be NFL players. It might be right, good NFL the players. The NFL does not have a formal, former, former, formal, thank you, minor league. It has a informal minor league, and we're just we're right. describing it. <laughs> College football. And right. when a guy dominates people on tape at a lower-level division, like, say, some guy from, like, the MAC or, or uh, I don't know, like Tyson Umbrella, right, played in uh, Mount West Conference, right, um, and he dominates on tape. 
or, you know, didn't really dominate. I mean, I've not seen a ton of offensive linemen that really dominated people other than, like, Lyle Collins and a few other guys. But um, when I think about, you know, dominating a guy on tape and he's in a lower-level division, you can get super excited about the tape. But then that's when I had to say, all right, slow down. You know, slow down a minute here. Like, you have to be able to see, okay, is he going to be able to compete with other athletes who dominated people as well when they were playing? So, like, that's sort of the aspect that gets kind of, I don't know, it's, people don't think about that stuff. I'm not trying to, like, be like, oh, well, it was the tape was in Mount West, so it doesn't matter. It does matter. It's just, it doesn't matter as much. I don't know if that makes sense. But it's just, you know, you want to, you like, it's kind of a, you know, you're we talking about easy buttons the last time. A lot of easy buttons for people is, oh, I really love this defensive end, and he did well against that defensive end, so obviously he's my number one tackle. When how do you know that that defensive end is really the top defensive end from this class? You know, other than your own opinion, you know, I don't know. Like, there's stuff that can go wrong when you take that mindset. It's like Randy Gregory. You know, Randy Gregory went up against Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers had a decent day against Randy Gregory. And Eric Flowers is largely being talked about in the first round, second round because of that back. But then again, I, but I'm the opposite guy saying, how how hard is it for Eric Flowers to take out a 235-pound Randy Gregory on tape? You know, like, how is that such a challenge? I don't know. It, 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 I mean, it confirms things for you. It can contradict things, and it contradicts things. You need to go back and watch the tape, as they say. Uh, but at the same time, you need same to watch you need the tape. Watch. But you need to watch the tape with that in mind uh, of what you're looking for. So if if the guy looks stiff on tape, if the guy didn't look powerful on tape, if the guy, you know, if if he wasn't fast or if he wasn't or if he was stiff or whatever stuff like that, go back to the tape and then check to make sure. Okay, was it where's something I'm not seeing, you know, that I didn't see before. So, I don't well, like that. You just brought up easy buttons, but. Is it comparison? Are comparisons to a certain extent easy buttons? If so and so did this against such and such, and such and such is this good, then Ergo Proctor Hawk, you know, by extension, this guy is good, right? Well, not necessarily, because I don't like to do that anyway. But because normally you never get a, I mean, you never get a situation often where the best pass rusher goes up against the best offensive tackle. That rarely ever happens. Didn't happen in this draft class, at least. Right. I mean, we got to see a little bit of Collins on Dupree action, I believe. But you're right. I mean, yeah, was... but it was like 50-50. And they were like swapping places. And I, I don't know. The tape was right. very disappointing is yeah. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. right. I know what you're saying. I, my, I'm not saying it's valid. I'm saying it's an easy button. And I think one of the things that we were pointing out when we talked about easy buttons was that easy buttons are kind of a trap um, or can be potentially uh, kind of a trap. So, I mean, that, that's why I think one of the we discussed about easy buttons. Oh, and before I go too far, it is officially a party. And I think we know why, don't we? Because ain't no party like a Montel Hottie party because a Montel Hottie party don't stop. Additionally, <laughs> <laughs> I think we've been joined by the California kid himself by way of Georgia, Mr. Donovan James. Hey, how's it going, guys? 
Hey guys, you know, pleasure to be here. Oh yeah. So, so first of all, Mariota supporters, how did you guys weather the storm? Because I know that there were people who decided that Marcus Mariota was no longer a, you know, a, a first round pick anymore, right? After that, not <laughs> even pro day, which after all wipes out forty one starts. Um, I guess yeah. Go ahead, Donovan. Oh yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, he 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 was solid. I gave him a B minus. Um, he, he you know it wasn't Kevin O'Connell does a really good job. Uh, he's one of the best quarterback coaches. Um, private now he's you know with Cleveland Browns. Um, I could see where you know he hasn't been working with Kevin as much because he took the Browns job for the past two weeks. Kind of been doing it solo. <laughs> um, I could see that, and I can see you know we we saw Mark Mariota. You know he hasn't taken. Um. Snaps under center until now, until this summer, um, or excuse me, this uh, fall, rather, and spring now. Um, so yeah, he was a little bit off, a little bit, and like he said when he talked to Lindsey Soto or, or Rhodes now, Lindsey Rhodes and uh, Mike Mayock, he was, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, he he was a little um, tentative at first, but once he got into the groove with the guys, um, he got in it and he was good. Um, he threw sixty-five passes, he missed eight, um, so. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he did his thing, though. He, sorry about that. He did, uh, his footwork was a little choppy, um, at, you know, and like I said, early on, he missed on a few deep balls. I think three of them, notably, he missed on. Um, didn't have the zip on one out route to the to the key and low, I believe. Um, but other than that, and I'm nitpicking. I mean, I, you know, I mean, of course, I've watched every snap of this guy, and I watched Pro Day twice, watched it this morning again, just to see. And, yeah, I mean, it didn't look – Perfect. It was better than Teddy's. I know people are kind of concerned. It was better. It was better <laughs> well, that's, than his. <laughs> that's the that's the scale we use now. So now the pro days go from this, um, like you actually Johnny didn't show up. Right, so, so right, right here it is. So so the scale is didn't show up at all. Like you weren't there at the pro day. Then the next notch up from that is Teddy, and then I guess the next <laughs> notch up from that. Yeah, is, I mean, uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't Garrett Gilbert's pro day. That was insanely phenomenal last year. Again, good job by those guys, June Jones, right. conducting that right. pro day. Gilbert had but, a very uh, good pro day. Yeah. And yeah, him and him and Johnny, both the Texas guys, had a good. And Blake, right. Blake Bortles, and Blake Bortles was done by Kevin or Jordan Palmer. Um, not Kevin Connell. Kevin Connell was done by Johnny. So, and Johnny didn't, you know, take a lot of center and snaps. It was a little different. Uh, with Marcus, like I said, it's a little bit more of, I believe, a little bit more of a learning curve for him. Um, of course it is. Yeah, a little, I think just a little bit more. A little of a learning curve. Yeah, but like I said, I mean, had a solid day at the office. I mean, it wasn't spectacular, but uh, it's just a pro day. You know, it's okay. <laughs> pro days are great. I feel like pro, the pro days are more important for guys like his teammate Dior Masters that ran a four two nine. That's probably going to be in a camp at least now because he ran four two nine twice. Well, remember, so. of, I, I, I wrote about him as one of the. We about the whole freak thing. I said he should be. He's a, a little huge defensive back who seemingly had trouble, you know, really finding his place there. But he's always he's a legitimate track guy. He's on the track team at Oregon. I mean, he's just yeah. not new. He's no, legitimately yeah. bad. Yeah, you just don't get on the track team in Oregon. I mean, that's just. No, yeah, him and him and Devin Allen are both, you know, running together and stuff like that. But no, I mean, yeah, like I said, he already did a good job. But regardless, um, 
Marietta, you know, he just had a solid day at the office. It wasn't spectacular. I think people's expectations were a little higher, but like I said, he started off bad. But good, and I like watching the interviews. That's what I wanted to see more because you didn't get to see Marcus talk too much. Um, he wasn't a talker anyway. Yeah. And plus, you know, Oregon, Oregon, you know, Oregon doesn't – they don't do doesn't that. doesn't like really. to talk to people. Yeah. You know, like shit to talk to people. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean that's just how they were. That's how they're all. They all are, though. I mean, Chip. Yeah. That's the way. That's culturally like, speaking. Yeah. It's a culture. Culturally speaking, I would agree. It's, it's a, a culture. culture. It's a culture. It's not like thing. the culture and, at USC where the guys are all very media friendly. No, I mean Steve Sarkeesian has them taking media classes. You know, they all have to yep. take communications. You know, I mean that's just a part of it. Um, but no, yeah, Mark Hofer is just like not. You know, he doesn't care about the media or anything like that. Um, he's not as <laughs> No, brace of a chip, but I mean, he's just a quiet guy. No, so, you know, no, he's not. Yeah, I mean, he's just a really quiet guy. And he's, him and Marcus are, they kind of sound the same, actually, if you listen, just listen to him. But, uh, it's cult- yeah, it was it's cultural. It's a cultural yeah, it's thing. Cultural. They have it's a laid-back, oh, you want to talk to me? I guess we can talk. All right, what do you want to talk about? Kind of right, yeah. But it was yeah. good seeing him talk. That's what I like. That's what I take away from Pro Days, because obviously we're not able to be at all these Pro Days. So seeing a guy, you know, in an interview for 10 minutes, um, and a guy that I haven't seen talk for maybe 10 minutes. And, you know, obviously this year with the Heisman ceremony and everything. But before that, that's probably the most I've seen him talk. So it was good to see that stuff. And I think he was, you know, he did a good job answering all the questions and everything like that. And I know he'll do a good job in front of the team with the private workouts. And that's what matters the most is those private workouts. When he gets to Tennessee, I believe, Monday um, and has that private workout, it's going to be huge. So, yeah, I mean, overall, solid. I gave him a B-. minus, But, I mean, there's, there's definitely work to be done. And it just it is a it's a, it's a monkey wrench that uh, Kevin O'Connell happy is tech for him that he got the job he deserves it but um, yep. it's a monkey wrench thrown in there but he'll be okay you know he's got he's going with the right people I believe um, going for it so and before I move on to Miss Lamont Hardy I believe we're joined by a very special guest is that you Chuck yes sir I don't know about special but I'm I'm here <laughs> oh no I you are most definitely special. Uh, We're rolling, obviously, through the pro days, and we've talked about their importance or, in some cases, lack thereof, quite frankly. I I was personally in attendance at Jeff George's pro day. I was a graduate assistant at Illinois, and I saw veteran scouts, hard-bitten guys, 28 years in the road, practically tear up at the beauty of Jeff George's pro day. Now, Jeff George had many faults, many faults, but... If you were just watching him in person throw a football, it's one of the things you just don't forget. It's one of the things that stays with you the rest of your life. He has a pro day for the ages. Of course, he had a career not so much for the ages. But uh, what are the things, first of all, in your evaluation process, where does the pro day reside? Where do you put it in your evaluation process, Chuck? Well, it's it's kind of like the combine, like in, in workouts, like what what a – it's the same thing everybody else says. What what you see at the workout is what I want to see on tape. I I like to say Jordan Matthews to me is a good example. He ran a four four last year at the combine, and I was like, wait a minute, there's no way he ran a four four. So I had to go back. He he probably plays at maybe a a, a low four five, like may, almost four six. Because I mean, you've seen during the season, he, he has a little trouble getting separation towards the end of the season. I think. But, like, uh, Jordan Matthews is a good example. You see a guy work out really, really hard. He puts up these awesome numbers. you got to go back to the tape and see if everything matches. So, I mean, it's it's almost like, okay, let me just go back and check. Let me make sure I didn't miss anything. It's it's not a big part of it for me. I I guess I'm old school. I like to rely on tape a lot. 
So it's it's not a big part for me, but I, I like to watch tape. That's my thing. Yeah. Well, I think we all agree that if you if you have a good solid foundation in tape, then you will end up, you know, taking the cheese, as they say. You will end up you'll end up being led to a fool's paradise. Um, exactly. One more thing before we, we uh, move on to, to bring Montel in as well. Have you had, well, I'll just say, have you had, have you been in a pro day? Have you had a chance to actually see sort of what goes on there and how it compares to, say, a combine experience? Um, I can't say that I have. All I know is um, the only one I participated in was um, was our combine that we did at the Dream Bowl. And that was, oh, I mean, that was an absolute pleasure to work with. I, mean, I actually yeah. got to work with the guys hands-on uh, with their 40-yard dash, measuring everything out. Um, I got to work with uh, Ross Landy. It was a complete, yeah. complete utter pleasure to work with. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's, it was such a – I can't even put it in words. It was such an experience. It was so exciting. And people was like, well, the combine is boring. Not for me. That's, that's a deal breaker. If, if someone says to me, oh, the combine is boring, we're done. Don't talk to me. We're done. We can't we're, be we're friends. We can't be lovers. <laughs> we are nothing to each other. <laughs> Cut off. <laughs> But uh, I, I can't. I've never been to a pro day, um, but uh, I'm trying to get somebody to uh, let me tag along. But it's it's kind of hard. I mean, I do football from the time I get home, the time I go to sleep because I work full time during the day. Right. So I do yep. football from 6 p.m. to 1 in the morning. And I get back up at 7 in the morning, then I'm back to work and do the cycle, the vicious cycle all over again. Yeah. Yep. That's the joy. Um, well, let, let me say this. You, what you said sort of contextualized, sort of puts in place what we all look for. We all look for, one, as you said, the, the, the check mark. This guy looks like such and such. I mean, sometimes even just height and weight. You know, I mean, I remember getting into a fight with people about Johnny Benzel. People swore up and down. All oh, these amazing six feet tall. I was like, dude, I've been scouting for a long time. And if he's six feet tall or over, I'll eat my hat. I mean, I, I bet a few people about his height. No, they're paid up. It's not a big deal. Um, you, you should find those people go. now and ask them how they feel about him possibly not playing football this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I'm not trying to gloat, but I warned people about Johnny. I did. I, I'm not trying to rub any salt in anybody's wounds, but I did. I did everything possible to warn people. And when I heard the Russell Wilson comparisons, I'm not going to say I sneered or laughed, but I said no. I mean, like you're the only thing you have in yeah, work, working that you could sort of draw comparisons is the ability to move around and height, and that's the end. But, I mean, they play the same position, and that's it. There's no other – from that point on, there's nothing else. They, he has more in common with Andrew Luck. <laughs> you know, I mean, he yeah, just say it doesn't hold up in court. That's all you have to say. Yeah, right, that will not hold up in court, right. Uh, I'll move <laughs> on to Montel, and we'll, we'll bring you back in in a second. So, Montel, first of all, what are your takeaways from the various pro days to this point? Uh, highlights, lowlights? whatever life that you've encountered thus far. Well, you know, when I take a look at, you know, the way some of these pro days went, I'm, you know, I'm also thinking that Marcus Mariota's pro day, I think it's just a little overblown how maybe uh, not, I don't think it was that bad. You know, I think it was pretty good. I think a lot of people wanted to see, you know, a massive can and they wanted him to put on this massive show. Uh, truth is, you know, he's a work in progress, but he's got some transferable skills. You know, you look at the tape, you got to be able to scout traits, right? So he can do little things. You know, we've seen him climb the pocket, maneuver the pocket. We've seen him uh, maybe he has a flash potential, has some very good pocket presence. He's got 
I, I'd say maybe adequate arm strength, you know, so he, he can do some things. But it's a work in progress, going under center, three-step, five-step, seven-step drop. All that can't just happen overnight. Uh, and I think that's very important to, to think about, you know. Um, and uh, I was I was a big fan of his, uh, you know, his demeanor and how he carried himself in a product combine. I looked at those interviews and that type of thing, but I wouldn't compare it to Teddy's at all. And uh, it, it was a good thing for Mario to not like be bad during his pro day. I thought it was like just good, just good. But if it was bad, it'd be difficult because you know after the pro day you go back to the tape, and then you look at his tape and you think, okay, well, you know, what can we take from this and that? So he's got pretty good tape, but sometimes it's hard to you know think around and say, okay, you can be this kind of guy. But uh, I'm 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 fine with him. I'm at peace with him. I mean, I've still got Jameis like that ranked ahead of him, but. Whoever gets Mariota, you can win with them. It's just going to take time. You've got to be patient. And I think uh, more than anything, I think you just got to believe him. So it might take a couple years of playing video the ball. You know, and, you know, like I said, I go back to the model. They say it takes five years to do the quarterback. Draft Mariota, I think you're not doing just if you don't get him four to five years to, to develop and to, to be something. So uh, I think I think it'll be all right, though. Um, as far as all these other guys' pro day, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to Shane Rays, but obviously he's going to kill his pro day the same way everyone else does. But I just want to know how much he's going to do, you know, how much he's going to kill it. Uh, another pro day to watch out for is, you know, we had uh, uh, Arthur Ray right on the show, uh, the, the guard out of Fort Lewis. He was at Northwestern's pro day. Yeah, yeah, his, his numbers are very good. Like, he tested um, – I, I went through about half the numbers, and there's a couple where he's just under – just under the average, and he was maybe maybe about right there in terms of uh, five-year starter average combine testing. He was about right there. You know, look at his, his, his vertical, his broad jump. He's very good. That young man maybe is going to get a chance. And he'll get, he'll get uh, you know, uh, a chance to scouts in the future. Um, but uh, as far as some other ones, I think Shaq Lewis had a very good pro day. Uh, surprised me there. And so, uh, you know, those are the ones. You know, that was the low-key one. I didn't get any numbers back from there at the Vice Pro Day, but I was really hoping, you know, I was, I was pulling for the kid. I thought like he'd do it and, and be really good at it. I got a chance to interview him. I uh, came out with a story this past week about him. Uh, his journey is tremendous. And uh, the Tavais really are a football family. You know, he's got a brother, Ben, who played defensively. He's got a brother named Jelani, who's a, a freshman over at Hawaii. So, you know, how about that, you know? But that that's my take on Pro Day. I haven't seen all the ones I need to see yet. But uh, once I have seen, I mean, it can't make too much uh, difference about it, but it just seems like they reaffirmed the tape. Gotcha. Okay. Ben, I want to throw in there, uh, Shaq Lewis is a really good kid. We had him down at the uh, at the Dream Bowl. He's an awesome kid. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Got a chance to know him a little bit as well. And oh. since we're updating, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, Bill, uh, what do you think of the Pro Day Out West at, at the school? I'm kind of interested in it. Just a tad bit um, in L.A. <laughs> yeah, there were some, some things of interest. First of all, um, well, you know what? Here's what I will say. I was expecting good things, and I think there were – I don't think anybody disappointed. I'll put it that way. I don't think anybody disappointed. I think that most of the guys who, who showed up uh, showed out, as they say, uh, I don't think anybody hurt themselves. And, and first of all, I don't think it's impossible to hurt yourself, but it's, I think rarely do people hurt themselves. Um, Teddy, of course, being one sort of rare exception where people lost their minds a little bit. 
and uh, <laughs> a little bit, at least. I think people uh, get that. No, I was going to say, I mean, Gerald Bowman literally hurt himself from the hamstring. But, <laughs> that, I mean, that is that. the way you can hurt yourself, yes. You can hurt <laughs> yeah. yourself if you, if you hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. that, would be, right, right. that would be a really good example <laughs> of, yes, a time when you can. If you hurt yourself, then, yeah, you definitely uh, can hurt yourself. That's a good way to put it. But other than sort of actually injuring yourself or having, like I said, you're, like if you're hitting people in the stands, if you're with the ball, if you're, you know, just wildly inaccurate, or if you look incredibly sluggish, or um, you just wear out. Like, you look, you wear it out, you get just super tired, which occasionally happens. I mean, I can name a couple of guys where it's like, the the scouts called the quits on one guy with like, oh, you know, you couldn't even make it through all the drills. That's not good. You know? I've, no, that's, I've seen, that's horrible. That happened to yeah. Tom Henderson last year. Yep, that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was throwing up and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, he said he, he lost sick, his but <laughs> I don't know. He said he had food poisoning, but I don't know about that. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But, hey. I, I, I can't trust him showing this in there. I'm sorry. Maybe now, but <laughs> not, not back then. <laughs> but, oh, since we're updating, since we're updating, I wanted to, uh, we had Daniel uh, Holland Jr. on the show a few weeks ago, and at his pro day, he jumped 35 inches. He weighed in at six one and no, sorry, six feet and a half inch, 240 pounds. He ran a four seven three. He did 14 reps on the bench. He had a nine ten broad jump, a seven one three cone, a long shuttle, which you don't often see linebackers run, but he uh, did a long shuttle, a 60 yard shuttle of 11 eight, and uh, it, his 10 yard split when he ran the 40 was one six, which is quite nice. So that's a guy that, uh, you know, probably will, once again, be on that sort of seventh-round undrafted bubble, but he's been tremendously productive, and he's an athlete. You know, if you watch him, once again, what James said, obviously you sort of take into account he's probably seen only a handful of guys that are, you know, pro-type guys, but he's been absolutely dominant. You know, when he when he shows up, he shows up. You you miss it. You, you don't. I don't have to tell you his number. You'll find him if you put on tape. Down there. Yeah. This back around. Yeah, no, I was gonna say yeah. I mean, he, he, I heard his numbers were good. You just confirmed that, so that's good to hear. Yeah. I was just gonna say before you, you jump on. I mean, as far as I see, guys, I kept. I mean, obviously the you know main guys winning all those guys. I could say hey. The main guys, right? Yeah. Like he, he, I mean, he was there just to be yeah. greet mostly, and most of them drilled. Yeah, really. I've heard. I, I mean, the good things I heard from 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 my buddies out there were just uh, Josh Shaw interviewed well. Yep. Um, again, <laughs> like the third time. Yeah, well, senior bowl. Josh Shaw yeah. always wouldn't need to interview well. I mean, that's the yeah. whole shoot <laughs> match for him. <laughs> exactly that, and then obviously, <laughs> uh, my boy George Tomar kind of lit it up. <laughs> he did exactly what he needed to do. Um, right. I, I'm happy for him because I know he came out really early and he kind of explained finally like exactly why and he just, I mean, he had a phenomenal day. I think he was the best player there besides Leonard. Um, well, best day there, you know, not best player, but... Right, I mean, best, got, best day, yes. I agree. Yeah, I mean, he, gosh, I mean, 19 reps for the guys, you know, receiver is great at 225, you know, 19 reps, and, uh, 38 in vertical and, you know, 4-3 flat. Um, yep, four three. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean, it can ask for really anything anymore. But I mean, obviously, he's, you know, he's, he's going to be an awesome gunner. 
Yeah, he and he said he talked about special teams a lot, which is, you know, which great. Which is what he needed to do. Yes, he needed yeah. to do that. Yeah, he did. And he, and like I said, he explained himself on some things um, with, with the family and, and on, you know, just Sarkeesian, no hard feeling. You know, he, he gave him the buddy, you know, knucklehead shoulder thing going on on the set. <laughs> the, the noogie, or whatever you want to call it. I was just happy to see yeah. George because, I mean, a lot of people are bashing him. Um, around LA for <laughs> coming out. I'm just happy he had a good day. I mean, these kids have a life, you know. Some people are yeah, going to make did. it. Yeah. And he's yeah, on the so borderline of, of yeah. yeah, he had a great day. I don't know about but him he, moving up too a, far. But. It just worries, <laughs> but it just is, it's all the, I don't know, like I said, his family situation. I don't know what was motivating him, but everything such with Aguilar obviously moving on, everything that seemed to be aligning for another big year next year, and he would have been probably gone to the first three rounds. And now he's fighting to get drafted or be a priority undrafted free agent. So that was the only question mark that I had. It's probably the same question mark most people had. Right. And Nelson was great, too. Uh, I, I cannot mention him enough. I mean, he was, the route running is just, you know, night and day between him and George. But the physical stuff, yep. George, obviously, every day is going to win that um, versus Nelson. You know, he's already bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, jumps higher, all that stuff. But route running is just, like I said, night and day, you know, for Nelson. But, yeah, I mean, with George, uh, you can never really answer that question fully. So, I guess you're right. You know, why did you come out? I mean, he said why, you know, pretty much. I mean, but still, like, the reasons weren't well, really I mean, anything he gave too it generic. <laughs> he gave a generic, I, I feel I'm ready, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, clearly you really aren't ready. I mean, anyone who's ever seen you play football gets thinking about really ready to be identified wide receiver. But you're a tremendous athlete, and you can help us on special teams right away and hopefully develop into a receiver. But it just, it's just perplexing, you know. And like I said, unless I, unless I hear something different, I, I either have to assume he just got some really bad intel, you know, regarding what, what the NFL thinks of him, or he just doesn't want to be in school anymore. I mean, some guys just don't like college and they just want to be out of college as soon as they can. Right. Well, hey, he has got a sociology degree coming up. He's still in school, so that was a good thing to hear. Um, and and uh, they asked him about only catching 25 passes in his three years, man, which he kind of stumbled on. I mean, it's hard to answer that question, you know. <laughs> so I think he'd probably be – this might be the least amount of receptions ever if he got drafted. I mean, I'd have to look that up, but I've never heard of a guy having uh, – I've heard him less, but he's definitely pretty low. It's pretty low. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with George, it's just, you know, uh, there's there's a a financial issue with his family, you know. Um, So that's, you know, he's being a man. That's cool. I I get it. So, and he's still getting his degree. So, hats off to him, you know. That's all I have to say. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, he said he was physically, he said he was physically ready. He actually said he was. And he is. Ready because obviously he's. Hasn't played enough, but no, so, that is the healthiest. Well. He hasn't played much nor well. <laughs> right, right. He says that he's not going to be playing a lot in the NFL either. I mean, unless he, you know, if you don't play a lot in college, most of the time you don't play a lot in the NFL. That's the problem. Most so, of the time, you're, you're right. He does go to you're school. Physically that. gifted. Doesn't, I mean, yeah. Coral Patterson is physically gifted. You know. Right. And, uh, hey, yeah. So you're right. right he goes to a school that beats those odds somewhat with Jordan Cameron and Matt Castle and I can name a few others, but yeah, it's gonna be tough. I mean, it's gonna be tough. Though. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. 
you know, he tested really well, and we'll just see what he does with it. If he gets, he got uh, three. Uh, I think he's going to Titans, uh, Raiders actually, and uh, the Rams. Well, yes, of course. So, I would expect yeah. that. Uh, those are three teams that would make sense. The Rams obviously need Jeff Fisher, yeah. I mean, right, and they right Jeff Fisher, the USC guy, and they need speed. I mean, they don't have. Kendall Wright's very, very quick. They need wide receivers is what they need. You they know? need wide receivers, right, exactly. Like they can catch the football and run routes. Right. You know, and, and maybe he and, you know, yeah, they need stuff there. Um, and then obviously, obviously we, you know, the Rams still are sort of searching for game, big, big, big play guys at wide receiver. And, uh, you know, the Raiders are a nice natural fit. You don't have to go very far. And, Though it's no longer, you know, Al Davis no longer rules the roost. They still do like to get... Nobody wants guys. our money, Bill. It's like, yeah. like, well. free, like our money smells funny. I don't know. It's real money. <laughs> Nobody wants it. Yeah, it's like you're, you're saying there's not special, like, Raider dollars. Like, it doesn't have the, doesn't have the pirate guy. It's not, all yeah, the it's not Disney itself. dollars. It's not like you can only redeem this at Disneyland or SeaWorld or something. You know? It's real... Money. But nobody wants it. That is no, an interesting thing. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, they just save it for Khalil Mack and David, or Derek Carr. They're going to need it. That's pretty much what <laughs> they're doing. I mean, in all honesty, they're not signing anybody because they really don't. I mean, I can understand why they don't want to play there. But, you know, I just, it's like that's pretty much all you're doing is saving all your money to give Carr and Mack a big contract three years from now. So, and that's and the, okay. And the, that's Murray okay too. The running back, he's good too. He'll probably get a contract. Yeah, we'll see. Now I'm, I'm curious with who will be down the line. Yeah, we'll see. I'm cu- I'm curious with the situation to be on him. Yeah, well, there's a lot that's going to happen in the next few days, and that's a lot of this stuff's going to impact obviously the draft. I mean, I'm going to swing it back around to uh, to our very special guest, Chuck. So. Obviously, we also have free agency going on at the same time as this is, you know, as, it, as every year. Teams are reshaping their rosters partially because they know that the draft is going to enable them to make certain changes. So you have teams that clearly want to build through the draft. We're talking about Ted Thompson and, and other guys who clearly still have the occasional free agent, but they want their team to be 88 to 95% guys they've drafted and developed. And then there are other teams that clearly, I don't want to say they don't care, because they already care, but they are less committed to building almost entirely through the draft. When you look at, Chuck, when you look at teams' philosophies and the draft is why that's coming, what have you noticed in terms of trend analysis or in terms of team tendencies or whatever that makes you think that certain teams get it, for lack of a way of putting it, in terms of talent acquisition and putting talent in place? And are there things you see that make you feel that some teams don't, quote, unquote, get it? Well, we, we have those teams every year, and you, you can – the. The worst ex- or the best example is uh, the Eagles' dream team. I mean, that's probably the best example anyone can have where, these, where they went nothing in free agency and you saw the team basically implode on itself. 
Um, and then you do have the Packers team that that builds primarily through the draft. So I'm right, right. And then you have the Patriots who are sort of a I'm gonna say the fifty fifty, but they're 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 fairly heavily invested in the draft, but they are not draft heavy. I mean, collectively. Right, right. They're very picky. They're picky. That's the way to put it. <laughs> That's the way to put it. I mean, I mean, um, there. I, I believe uh, each draft prospect. I believe their scouting report is at least at least fifteen pages. I think there's no right. scouting report on anybody that's not fifteen pages, as far as I know. Yeah. Well, you know that comes from you know whose son Bill Belichick is, right? I mean, that's Steve Belichick's kid. If you've read Steve Belichick's book, you understand it's the art of scouting. Yeah, scouting the exactly. opponent. Absolutely. Exactly. So knowing how he grew up, you you understand that from the beginning of his earliest days as a you know peon, basically, um, as a, you know sort of working his way up to the coaching ranks. I'm sorry, I'm, I got to be. I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but he's always, even when you know nobody cared about what he thought about player evaluation back you know when he started out with the Colts a bazillion years ago. He always put a lot of stock in in-depth player evaluation, even when, like I said, nobody really cared about what he thought. And when he got to the point where finally people cared about what he thought, he was he had very fully formed ideas about talent and evaluating it, which is different. Not every coach approaches talent evaluation as if they had been a scout for many years. And though he wasn't a guy who was on the road as a scout for many years, he's Steve Belichick's son. So he, it's almost like he got it by, you know, genetic osmosis. And so he hasn't always been right about every single thing, but he's very definitive in what he likes and doesn't like. He has a style. He has a type, whatever term you want to use. So, so getting back to what we were just saying. So, Chuck, when you look at certain teams, if you're sort of ranking, here's my top five teams where I think, quote, unquote, get it in terms of the evaluation process and, you know, who – how to fit the right players in the right right place and things like that. Who are, who are they by your top five? They get it, team. And then we'll talk. Well, I'll bring in um, Jim to talk about maybe the bottom five after that. Uh, sorry, I was on mute. I mean, you just look at the teams that are that are out there every year. I mean, yeah, Ozzy Newsom from Baltimore. I mean, sure. I, they they turn out great drafts every year. They they bring in great. Free, uh, undrafted free agents every year. Uh, Green Bay, um, definitely Baltimore and Green Bay. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh doesn't sign a whole lot of free agents. They, they signed uh, Danzel Williams today, but Pittsburgh, you do you don't see going crazy. Um, and that's my basically my top three. Um, top top five is kind of hard because I mean everybody top else kind of spies up to that. And then, <laughs> then like and probably New England. Sure. Well, let me ask you your opinion of what you think. What, what do you think of the job Ryan Grigson's done since he's been there in Indianapolis? I mean, obviously people have been taking shots at him for the, you know, for the Trent Richardson situation, but even with that on his record, how do you feel how he's done, about how he's done? Well, I mean, we're going to have to see how how this year's free agency uh, crop goes into next year. Um, I, I'm not too – not too keen on signing those older free agents. I'm surprised they let Reggie Wayne go because they're, they're, they've been signing older free agents. Um, they still have a bunch of holes to fill, so it's 
the jury's still out, but I mean, I, I think Andrew Luck needs more weapons back there. That's just my opinion. Sure. Um, play, as anybody can see, they were plagued by drops all year long. I mean, T.Y. Hilton can't do it himself. Moncrief really has to step it up next year. Um, like, like I said, they do need more weapons. I hope they focus on offense and maybe add a, a safety here or there. But, yeah, I'm not really keen on what they've done so far. But the uh, the Frank Gore situation, that was kind of laughable. But, I mean, I guess the Eagles came out on top of that one. I guess I'm not quite – that's open for debate. <laughs> sure. Okay. And, Jim, who would you put on the, the naughty list, in essence? Who would you say were the teams that have the least grasp, maybe, of how the process should be worked in terms of draft and you know, talent acquisition as a whole? Mm. I mean, that's, that's tough to say because there's a lot of – like, there's teams who don't get the tape right, and there's teams who don't get the metrics right. Does that make right. sense? Like, yeah. teams who yeah. just kind of mess around with, with the metrics too much. Like, what, what comes to mind with me is, you know, like the Falcons draft last year. Um, you know, they got Jake Matthews, which was great. Uh, you know, good, solid, you know. I mean, what other pick are they going to make? Uh, but then, you know, they get Hagman. And after doing my production and my age stuff on Hageman, it's not looking too good for him. So the force plate might have said he's a great athlete. But uh, in terms of what his projection might be in the future, I've kind of downgraded it to something that's not so good. Uh, and then you look at a couple of the other players they got. You know, they got the safety slash cornerback from Wisconsin who was a really good athlete but not much else. And then you have, of course, you you have the uh, Notre Dame linebacker who uh, was a great athlete but also wasn't that productive either. So they seem to be looking for athletes, you know, but not like looking at the production and the age stuff, uh, which I think they're going to be disappointed about. In fact, the Falcons overall, they've gotten a lot of really old football players. I don't know if you know this, Bill, but they've got a lot of players at times that they drafted in the first round. Like the defensive tackle who retired uh, on Hard Knocks, uh, he was like 24 years old when he came there, and um, which what is concerning, you know, <laughs> when your defensive tackle is 24 years old, uh, you kind of wonder about why it got why it took so long for him to get there, but also you worry about you know how much you know how much more football is there to unlock which I'm not saying it's not possible for him to get a lot better, but it doesn't happen as often with guys that are that age. Um, the Bears are one of those teams. Um, they've had their hits with metrics, but they've also had their misses. Because, uh. <laughs> because they kind of haven't been able to integrate the the fit with the metrics. Like Shane McClellan is a big example of this. Uh, you know, from a athletic standpoint, he's actually pretty solid. It's just they didn't exactly know what to do with him or how he even fits in that. You know what I mean? Like, so it's – he definitely is, yep. is a tremendous yep. you know, athlete, but it's just they have no idea what to do with him. They're not integrating the athleticism with what they can do in the field. Now, Alshon Jeffries obviously a hit, and he was a great testing, you know, wide receiver, which was awesome. Uh, but then you go to – you know, 2013, they hit on Kyle Long, which was kind of one of those everybody hated the pick, and he turned out well. But then they got Don Bostic, who's a great athlete, production metrics not great. 
uh, Christine Green. He's another guy who's 24 years old. Uh, and also kind of production metrics are a little eh. So it's been hit or miss with the with the Bears in terms of their – so they, they have a – they're doing a plan, is the best way to put it. But right. they haven't figured it out. And obviously, <laughs> when you don't figure it out fast enough in the NFL, you're out. So it's it's, it's sort of – it's like that. And uh, the Eagles. Eagles, Chip Kelly's Eagles. Um, yes, Chip Kelly's Eagles. Chip Kelly's Eagles specifically. Uh, you know, the Marcus Smith pick, uh, you know, <laughs> really? I, I just, you know, I'm just. Uh, he, uh, he just came out and said that was how he speak. He threw his hands in the air. He said, that wasn't mine. That wasn't mine. Yeah, it's easy to say that after the fact. It's, it's always easy to say that after the fact. <laughs> exactly. But even if that's true, and, you know, a lot of people I've been reading and, and all this stuff is that they're becoming more metrically minded, which is why they're making all these moves like crazy. And it makes sense. Like, I understand, like, with the move for DeMarco Murray and the move to get uh, Ryan Matthews, those guys all had really good uh, speed scores uh, for both of them. So um, I can kind of see what they're trying to do. They're trying to get speed. Uh, very quickly. I don't know. Do you guys hear that? Like feedback? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on. Are you somebody? Yeah, like, let me, let me, hold on. Let me check to see if I can see everything. Hold on. Oh. 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 Well, how about that? Okay, and we're back. Okay. And and we're back. <laughs> well, anyway, so the Eagles. They they obviously are, have been more interested in speed scores and stuff like that, which is what. Uh, like, if you look at LaShawn McCoy's athletic testing and you look at, at DeMarco Murray and uh, Ryan Matthews, there's a clear difference in their athleticism traits. And then you look at a bunch of their other moves where it was a similar sort of pattern. So they seem to be really getting crazy into, we need to get the best athletes, we need to get the best this, that, that sort of thing. And uh, I don't think that'll work out for them that well because of stuff like production metrics, but it was just kind of interesting that, that that's what they're that's what they're trying to do now. They're trying to they're trying to go all crazy, and and the draft has been. I mean, it's. A, I mean, I like Jordan Matthews. I mean, I definitely think that that was. A, I mean, in the second round, that was a good pick, uh, at least in my opinion, because he's definitely a solid wide receiver, possession type. Uh, but the rest of that, I mean, Josh Huff and you know all the other Oregon players. I mean, I'm. I don't know. I just never saw it with those guys. And Josh Huff is another guy tested really well as an athlete, but didn't really. Was it exact? His athleticism didn't match his tape. Is a better way to put it. Nope. A lot of different types of players, and um, you know, I just don't know what Chip Kelly's Eagles are going to do. But it's going to be exciting if it, if it fails or if it succeeds. Either way, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. And of course, the Bradford trade—they were talking a lot about how their analytics said that he's the guy, uh, which again, it just smells of. Uh, you know, I remember you talking to Bill about the Cowboys, and they had that cornerback who barely played at all, and all this other stuff. And he hit all these numbers, and they just like, this is the guy. Like, he didn't play at all. His tape's not great, but this is the guy. He hits all the that's like numbers. Seems like that's they have done a study. They've done a study of all of the Pro Bowl cornerbacks for like twelve years or whatever. And this kid named Rod Hill from East Kentucky was boom perfect, exact same right, right leg length and arm length and hand size and speed and height and weight. His tape was meh, but 
We can right. teach him football, right? We can teach him football. Right. So <laughs> I think that hey, Sam Bradford is Chip Kelly's version of that. I hate to say that, but for them to say that they traded for him and they got him because he did all these analytical numbers makes me go, oh, gosh. Like, I'm sorry. I, I, I And, you know, Bradford has definitely had a bad rap, but even when he was healthy, I was not like, oh, oh, amazing. You know, like I was never enthralled by him or anything like that. You, you so, weren't, he, he didn't wow you. That was the problem. You're, you're, nope. Other than the year that he had with Shermer after that, he didn't wow you after that. Then you had the two, the two, the two injuries and he was done. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, he didn't wow you, but you look at uh, some of the other rookies of the time and he just wasn't as bad. You know, was he as bad as Jason Hawker? Yeah. Was he as bad as Geno Smith? Was he as bad as Blake Gabbard? I mean, no. You, you looked at him. Kyle Orton, though. That's the thing, though. My well, that's okay. I mean, when well, you look at the, the tragic state of quarterbacks right now, you take a guy and you just say, can I win with him? Now, at the stage Bradford's at, he can still get better. Does he? Who knows? But, I mean, the key is, can I win with him? Now, I, I've watched a limited amount of Rams tape. I'll fully admit it. But what I have seen, especially when um, Bradford's healthy, is you have a guy you can win with. You have a guy who's not a complete fool, a guy who isn't going to continuously put the ball in harm's way. And when you have a, a certain team, now, obviously, the Eagles would have to play good on defense. But when you have a certain team, and I like the Rams better with them anyway, but when you have a certain team that, that doesn't need a ton from them, I think you might be okay. Yeah, I think he can do what Nick Foles did. I mean, which is squash, you know, squash and a game, game all that. But yeah, yeah, do just, just don't make the big mistake, you know, yeah. uh, make Sam, some plays down the field. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, with, with, Sam, the just, back, with the running back, with the running back, he has no reason to throw the ball more than 20 times a game. As long as his two backs stay healthy, he shouldn't have to throw the ball more than 20 times a game, right? He's got three and backs, he can do that. four backs. Yeah, so he can do five, that. Five, five backs, six backs. <laughs> he got a lot of running backs. <laughs> <laughs> They can run the little diamond formation that um, Josh Hoffman and Bob Stoops ran at Oklahoma um, with DeMarco Scholes and Matthews. Uh, and Matthews, Sam Bradford in the middle. Um, that I think that will work. I mean, legitimately, I'm not even joking, but that will work. <laughs> like, they can run diamond formation um, with those guys, and it will work. I mean, yeah, you, can run, you can run wing T with these Eagles. You know, you can just yeah. – just, just get them all out there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can you, you can run a little wildcat with these guys. He can do a lot of stuff. I mean, he's got he did a lot of things with Mark last year. I mean, Mark looked pretty a lot better than he was in New York. I mean, he, Mark was efficient in New York, but I mean, there's I mean, the Dallas game on Thanksgiving, Mark was running. I mean, he had 74 rushing yards. You know, I mean, that's not. I mean, I I, I watch it every time Mark Sanchez still got SC. Uh, athletic, yeah, but not <laughs> – didn't expect that. You know, read option stuff. That was weird. But Chip does it, man. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's mad, mad, man. Um, <laughs> mad scientist. But, no, I mean, I, I like the Sam Bradford move in a way. It's just, like, they gave up. Like, the the pick was weird to me. Like, I don't know. But yeah, that. yeah, they, they gave <laughs> the Rams better value. And so the whole time I'm just thinking, like, if it costs that much – to get Bradford, I mean, what do you have against Foles? Now, if you don't have anyone and you make the trade cool, but if you have Foles, what do you have against him to where you you need Bradford, who to me isn't much better? His thing was holding on to the ball. He said Bradford gets the ball out quicker. I think that was the main gripe of the situation, that Foles holds the ball too long and Bradford gets it out quicker. that's That's what I took from it. Yeah, I mean, right. and, you, and you just said, "Hey, I'm 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 not going to coach that out of him." 
I'm just going <laughs> to – I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're an offensive guy and you want to talk about an offensive thing, you, you, can, you can coach – you can coach the ball out of a quarterback a little bit, you know, and so a little bit. Yeah, that's not, not a lot. Really when you think about where Foles is, when you think about where Foles is in his development and how much experience he has, he can, he can get better at that. You know, it's not, you know, permanently engraved on him. Nick Foles likes to hold the ball for four seconds. You know, like. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the I it just the, the the I mean, I know Nick Foles had a collarbone in the hand and stuff, but I mean, Sam's injuries are just rough, man. I I, I wish the best for him. I love Sam Bradford. I love him yeah, coming yeah. out. I know Musgrave was OC, like Chuck mentioned, in St. Louis, and the Eagle Scout. Um, for I think I forgot who tweeted it. it was a Sparks guy, but he was saying that he talked to an Eagle Scout and he said uh, Sam Bradford's the best quarterback he's seen um, come out of college since. Uh, Aikman. So I mean that uh-huh. that with Chip Kelly wanting Sam and the, I guess one of their main scouts saying that about Sam and then you know him being with the old OC. I mean that was just a good combination for Chip to make that move. So I, you know, if it's gonna work, it's gonna be with Chip. <laughs> you know, um, Sam could be and he could turn back into what he's supposed to be, which is a Pro Bowl quarterback. So we'll see. I mean I don't know. They, like I said, they they got a good running game and a pretty solid offensive line. Um, and it gets the poor system, so they'll help them out. And plus, yeah, I'm more, know, I'm more concerned about their defense than anything. I mean, I think that offense is going to take care of itself. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, man, I mean, I wouldn't want Mark to be a starter, but he's a good spot starter at this point. And, I mean, that's why Chip, you know, they signed him back, and they're paying him $8 million to be the back of quarterback. So I think they'll be okay. Even, you know, I mean, they got, I think they got four quarterbacks on the roster. So, yeah, I think they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to Matt Barkley. I, I, I'm never gonna give up on Matt, man. I'm sorry. He's, I, he's I know, to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never. Gonna, I know I'll, I'll die before it probably turns out to what I want him to be, but I'll never give up on him. I can't you know, see I think, Matt Barkley. Put me on the record for it. Write it down. Record my voice. I hate Matt Barkley. He is Danny Warfel. <laughs> I see Danny Warfel. Oh man. Well, well I mean, now I'm I like, like you in, in two like areas. He's He's more mentally and physically tough than Werfel, and he's got a stronger arm. He doesn't have a cannon, but his arm's stronger than Werfel. He can make an 18-yard comeback in the NFL. Werfel couldn't quite get get it there. No, he doesn't get it there with smoke coming off it, but he gets it no. there. He's like Spartan kind of though, Bill. Are you sure he's that tough? No, he's he's tough, man. I I, I he's tough. He's tough. I have photos. He took right? a pretty good. Know. He took he's a tough. pretty good beating at USC, and he yeah. just hung in there. I mean, I don't know if you. Yeah. Saw a lot of USC games, but go go was, go back. Sorry, Bill. He, I was, say, he was there go, for the worst of USC's offensive line play since probably Rob Johnson. Maybe. I mean, it's a long time since USC's line was that bad. I mean, he was there at the mid year of their line since well, since obviously prior to Pete Carroll. You have to go back to like the Ted, the worst of the Ted Tolner era, probably. I knew he was, that kind of line. he was seventeen and went. His first game was at the Horseshoe at 17 years old, and he got beat up. They won the game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean that was what yep. probably was like. It's really hot, and their defense was amazing. Jim Trestle was there. 17-year-old went to the Horseshoe, got sacked five times in the first three quarters and just was ripping in the fourth, and I was like, this kid's tough. You know, he's tough. I know he's tough. You know, I know he's a golden boy. You know, he's the blonde hair and everything, but <laughs> he likes to he likes to stand, yeah. I get it, but he's right. <laughs> but in that, in that game alone, at 17, these are things that Werfel couldn't do his fifth or sixth year in the NFL. 
I saw a lot of both guys. I saw Warfel's entire I saw Warfel's entire career at Florida, and he was a product of the system in a way that that Barkley was not. Right, but yeah, I mean, Matt's got some. Fun. I mean, I think they. I forgot who their fourth quarterback decided to quarterback. If I can't think, it's a the run quarterback type of guy. But uh, either way, I mean, they, they, got, they had a bunch of quarterbacks there when he got there. Brandon Hance was part of the the competition still. Rocky, gosh, really? I think he might have still been there. He was like a fifth year, I think, and then Rocky something who transferred oh, Rocky, out. Rocky like Hines, yeah, Rocky Hines. Thank you, there. thank yeah. you. They had um, Aaron. Was Ford Mitch Mustaine there. there at the time or no? Not at the time. He I had, think he was, uh, was finally gone. Mustaine was gone by then. No, he came the year after. Actually, um, yeah, Aaron Corp was Aaron Corp was there. That's who he beat out. Corp, Corp. thank you. That's the yeah. other guy that that was like Aaron Corp. The other, other Orange County kid was Aaron Corp. The Richmond Spider. <laughs> yeah, he missed yeah. up at Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, I mean, going. I just want to say about the fan is just I just I really want the guy to stay healthy, man. Twenty-seven. Um, I think it'll be twenty-eight December or something like that. But I just. I want to – when a guy – I don't even want to consider him a buzz because he's just never had that shot. You know, it's just that his body – It's not that he hasn't had a shot. It's that he hasn't been able to fully take advantage of it. But at some point, with the old football saying, the most important ability you have is availability. If you, oh, yeah. You can't help the club in the tub, baby. At some point, you've got to play a whole season. It's, you've got to. Corona, I, think, I think he gets moved on draft day. It's just my opinion. If Chip is Chip is sending everybody else out, I think he gets moved for a conditional draft pick for next year. That that's I'm my sure, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you can move that. him. I'm sure he'd like is... to do that. <laughs> I don't know well, if there's is there a market. I, mean, I keep hearing that this breath yeah, market man. for Sam Bradford. But I, there's a market is, though. There is yeah, there's a market. But, but my point is, <laughs> they still need a guy. So you move Bradford, then what? I mean, is it to get Mariota? I mean, if you're the Titans, you trade out a two for for Bradford, and you don't just take your chance with whoever falls to you. No, I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, no, I if you're the Jets, think, do you do it? No, I don't think. Wiz, like, I don't who, think. Who Wiz, does it? Wiz, who, who does Wiz it? Not who gonna, takes Wiz the Wiz bait? Wiz isn't gonna do all that for Sam Bradford. They just don't, they're not even a good match to me. I mean, Sam needs to be with a guy. I mean, kid, kid doesn't care how nice Sam Bradford is or anything like that. You know, because Sam's like. You know, lovable guy. You know, he's he's awesome. You play golf with Fat Bradford. You know, you have a beer. Yes, you would. But you about that. You go on vacations with Sam Bradford. Absolutely. Honestly, honestly, from what I've heard of every single player in India, he's probably he is. He's an extremely likable and nice young man. That is true. He is salt of the earth. You'd want your daughter to date him. I mean, all that stuff. All the cliches. Yes, you would go pick him up from the airport. He would pick you up from the airport. All that stuff. Boy. Yeah, he he bought Bob Stoops dinner his freshman year. Yes, he, he cooked him dinner. I won't say bought him dinner. That might not be right. Illegal. That might be. That illegal. might be okay. You uh, might be able to do that. Uh, that might be kind of dirty. Yeah. <laughs> he cooked. He cooked him dinner though. That's what I heard. It was a nice story. A little little nineteen year old Sam Bradford cooking Bob Stoops dinner. You know, Chef Bradford. But yes, Wizards doesn't Bradford. care about that stuff. So I mean, I don't no. know. Yeah. You better not care about that stuff. Hey, Tim Tebow's awesome too as a human being, but. At some point, you've got to find a guy who can start a season, play through the season, and, hey, if you make the postseason, play him that too. At some point, you are a bust if you can't play football on the football field 
consistently. No matter how talented you are, you're still a bust if you can't play because you're always hurt. That's, it, it really, you're a bust with an asterisk or bust with a good excuse or reason or whatever, but he won't be the first guy to be a – it's funny. People talk about Mike Mamula as a bust. Go back and look at Mike Mamula's numbers. Until he got hurt, he was one of the more productive factors. And only people sort of forget, and they sort of talk about the whole warrior thing. He actually was a pretty productive player until he got hurt. And that's when he became a quote-unquote bust. So, he was. That's funny that you said that because that's like right around the time I started getting into like workout. Like, cause I, I was, I think, I was fifteen, fourteen, fifteen years old when he had that monster workout. And yep. the big thing was, okay, Warren Sapp. Well, Warren Sapp tested positive for marijuana. We all know that story. And the Eagles passed on Sapp. He took Mamula, and right. Mamula was always that guy that almost had the sack. He had a lot of pressures, but he almost had that sack. And yeah, he he was very. People say he was a bust, but he, if you compare his workout to his stats in the NFL, they kind of was a bust. But he was not. It's kind of a toss up. But he he was successful. As look at his first three. Look at his first three seasons. Look at his first. Look at his first three seasons. Look at his first. He had. He was a very productive player for three seasons, and he got hurt, and he couldn't get healthy again uh, after that. And you know, with 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 Bradford, we didn't get three good seasons first. I mean, he started getting hurt pretty much right out of the box. And, I mean, once again, we're going with the old scouting axioms, but hurt guys stay hurt. I mean, that unfortunately tends to be the trend. Now, there are exceptions, like the Hall of Famer, you know, Anthony Munoz was a guy that had two bad knees coming out of UCLA, and people laughed when he was drafted where he was, like, oh, my God, he's constantly hurt. How can you do this? And, of course, luckily, you know, he was less injury-prone in the NFL than he was with the Kalina. That is, of course, not usually how that doesn't happen that often. No. So, Terry Allen is a somewhat similar story. Got had bad knees at Clemson, then tore his knee up again as a pro, and then got healthy and had a good career. Then tore his knee up and came back and then had one more good year. But that's not usually how it turns out. Mostly when a guy starts getting hurt consistently, that's a guy that consistently continues to get hurt. You rarely see a guy start out his career hurt constantly for four or five years and then. At 27 or 28, boom, turns it around on a dime, doesn't stop getting hurt. That's like a three percentile chance kind of thing <laughs> to bet it on. It's going to be hard. He's got the smoothies, though. Chip's got the smoothies. Oh, that's right. Chip's got Nobody's the smoothies. Nobody's ever had the smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's been... I almost forgot about the smoothies. Well, now, what were we worried about? Yeah. I, I mean, the comment. Uh, to Rube from uh, CSN Philly, I said, Chip better have a smoothie from Planet Krypton to deal with that ACL that Brad <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's a good one. That's tweetable. <laughs> that's pretty good, yes. That is they, pretty good. They're saying this is the healthiest he's looked since, you know, the start. Since the last time he got hurt, career. yes. Exactly. Well, no, since the healthy. start of his career. He, feel, he feels the best. I mean, you got to feel the best he's ever felt in his life. You know, um, well, at least since it's uh, rookie season of 10, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see. If, if he's even on the team, like Chuck said, uh, he might get traded uh, on draft day. Yeah, I mean, it's not impossible, but I, I think some of I this... don't see it happening. And plus, I mean, Wizenhunt, well, the team of the Titans... Barkley, I said Barkley. draft day, not Bradford. Oh, well, Barkley. Oh, Barkley? Yeah, that my... Oh, okay, Barkley. Yeah, uh, I could see uh, uh I could see Mr. uh his his second dad, Pete Carroll, 
<laughs> um, maybe. Go yeah, I, I don't think rapper's going anywhere. I mean, they're really pushing his jerseys. Unless they're doing a an elaborate job of trying to sell him to the public and sell him to the rest of the league that they're they're keeping him, I don't think he's going anywhere because everything I'm hearing, they're trying to restructure his contract and may, maybe possibly extend him. And they're pushing his jersey sales online and everything. I don't think he's going anywhere. I mean, much to my dismay, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he said this thing. <laughs> Um, here's what I will say about Sam Bradford. Like I said, there's a lot to be said about it. He showed flashes of certain things when he was at Oklahoma. But he also showed flashes of things that concerned me even back then. And I, I know this is going to sound funny, but there's a way to get hit, and I hate to put it that way, but there is. There's a way to get hit. And some guys haven't, either they've been taught it, or they seem to have sort of an instinctive understanding of how to get hit. You're you know, right. And, yep, that. yep. And there's some guys who don't know how to get hit. They're great athletes, or this, or that, the other. But when they get hit, they manage to go down consistently in a way that maximizes their chance for injury. And so, for whatever reason, some guys just they they tense up, they turn the wrong direction, they they do everything wrong basically in terms of how to go down to the ground when someone is hitting you, and how to absorb the blow. Some guys know how to roll with them. It's like, you know, that box. I'm not going to be able to box. But there's a way to, quote, unquote, roll with the punch. So you take some of the sting out of it. You know, you sort of give a little bit and twist your body in the direction of the punch. Some guys resist it. They stiffen up. They kind of lean into it. And they get the full force of whatever, all the G's and whatever health and energy that's coming in. They take it all. Sam Bradford is on that second list of guys. He seems to always get the maximum impact of every every tackle. He seems to always maximize. When he knows he seems to not understand there's a way. You're a big strong kid. But you you don't need to be fighting every hit. You need to be going with some of those, most of those in fact. You're a quarterback guy. You know, you're a big strong guy, whatever. I think now he's starting well we'll see I guess. But if you look at even going back to Oklahoma, remember the hit that that first sort of started the chain of events against, I believe it was BYU, if memory serves it correctly, um, when he first dinged at the AC joint. He sees the guy. I can see it in his eyes that he sees the guy because it's, it's not a very well-disguised blitz. And you're thinking, okay, he's going to elude this guy. He's going to dump the ball off. He's going to roll up and do the Peyton Manning, roll up in a ball and sort of go with, nope, none of the above. <laughs> you know, he, he kind of pump fakes and then half turns his body the wrong way, you know, not this way, not the, oh, let me roll with this. No, the, let me power through it, or I don't know what his thought process was. And the guy gets him right under the throwing arm, and like a, you know, like a, like a great wrestling takedown. Like his feet come up off the ground. It's like, dude, you're doing this all wrong. You, that's not how you get hit. And he just goes, you could see, I mean, it was an ugly thing. When he hits the ground, you could see, like, his body gave in a way that's not good when he hit the ground. And, you know, he didn't. He got up with the whole dead arm, the classic QB dead arm get up where that one arm is like, <laughs> and I said to myself, yep, that's maybe a separation, maybe a dislocation. So that was an AC joint. But you could tell right away, like, oh, yeah, he's not, He's not running back out on the field anytime soon. And then consistently, you've seen this guy go down 
like car crash, like, you know, oh, yeah. that's not how you do it. And I don't know if it's something you can learn at 27, but I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping, I don't, I don't, I'm not against this guy, but he has consistently gotten hit wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I'm on board with that. I wouldn't bet on it. If I had to put my house on it, I'm not betting on Sam Bradford to come back and be a top quarterback. <laughs> so I guess I'm with you at the end of the day. I mean, I, I just want to, I mean, you know, like I said, he, he's so likable, I want to root for him. But at the end of the he's day, I'm super not, likable. I'm, I'm not putting my job on the line for him. <laughs> well, I, I, I wish a likable factor went and came with the knee. But I, obviously, we, we can't judge it like that. So, like the the when he when he first came when they first came over and they announced the trade, at first I thought, okay, great, because what I heard was, oh, the Eagles and Rams have swapped picks. The Eagles are now at ten. Okay, well that makes sense. And the more and more came out because it was poorly reported in the first place because about first, twenty yeah. different stories trickled out. And when it finally everything came out, every Eagles fan slapped themselves in the forehead. You heard it worldwide. Because it just didn't make any sense. Because everybody knows that the kid can't blow his nose without blowing his knee out. So it, it, it's, I, I still think Chip Kelly takes the quarterback during the draft. I just don't know where. Um, I don't know. I don't know who it could be. Like it could be a, one of three people. But, but why? But but why? there's four guys he likes a lot. I mean, obviously Marcus Bryant Bennett. That you recruited yep. Oregon too, and then yep. Vajar, Vajar, he like, I mean, but to me, I mean, if you're gonna make this trade for this guy, then then he's the guy, or at least he's a piece you're gonna use to go and get your guy. You know I just don't, what? I don't see the the value in a scenario in having Nixon both these doing guys. now. Isn't he on someone's practice squad somewhere or something? And what the heck? Who? I'm sure Jeremiah Masoli can get some time off from the. No, home no, 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 no. I mean, Terrell <laughs> Pryor's throwing the ball somewhere. <laughs> Terrell Pryor's throwing somewhere, you know. Friars just got signed by the Chiefs, though, so they like him a lot. Um, I, Dennis Dixon, yeah, oh, he's on the uh, he's on the card last time I checked. There we go. There we yeah. go. Which I don't. It's weird because you know, uh, you just get just get let him go on the Eagles too. You know, he doesn't need to be on the Cardinals. It's not gonna work. It's never gonna work. <laughs> it doesn't feel right to me that he's on the Cardinals. Collect them all. <laughs> don't go halfway with it, Chip. Do it. Do it up. Do it up right. Collect them all. Get them all. I'm just saying, if you want to get a guy, Thomas has a football leg. Yeah, just, just wait on, wait on a, wait on a Brent Hundley. You know, I mean, he's a Pac-12 guy, right? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. He likes Hundley a lot. He he actually likes Hundley a, a very lot. He recruited him strongly when he came out. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he remembers these guys when he had to recruit them and he was in their houses and stuff. He actually, yeah, he went to a visit uh, at Brett's house in Chandler, Arizona, so that was the guy he's really close with. So that could be a possibility. Like I said, obviously, Marcus and Brian and and um, Cody Vajaro as well, he likes. Yeah! Uh, so yeah, so. I mean, it's a late oh, round day three guy, but. I can't Another wait. guy with so injury. He gets to unveil his all quarterback offensive set. <laughs> Basically. Oh god! Oh god! Oh, I'm not ready. <laughs> I, I am not here for that, guys. I am. I'm just not here for that. I'm sorry. And Casey Matthews is still knocking around the league somewhere, right? He is. Where? He's a, he's a free agent. Oh, is okay. He's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. 
Sure. I mean, there's all kinds of Oregon guys in this draft, too. So, I mean, and yeah. they, need a, they, need some, they need that D-line help, you know. So, Mark Armstead's there. And, uh, he's got Tony Washington, Dior Mathis. Yeah, all I, kinds I've mocked Washington almost every mock draft I've done. Washington has appeared in it. In, in either the fifth or the sixth round to the Eagles. There so, you go. <laughs> what surprised me. Ifo wouldn't surprise. Actually, realistically, Ifo would make a lot of sense because he's going to drop, obviously, because he tore the ACL. He likes torn ACLs, so it's okay. He um, does. And, he loves <laughs> Get enough of him. Yeah. And Ifo, and and you know, they need, they need some corners, you know, um, right there. Yeah, especially after the Maxwell signing, yeah. I like Maxwell though, but they're gonna have to. They gotta face Romo and Eli. They throw fifty times a game. Those guys, and then I don't. You know, I guess RG three, if he's upright, he can throw that many times too, or, or Cousins, whoever they have as backup. But I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, know what the deal is. Like, to be honest, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't Washington. I mean, I just want to see. It, it, lastly, on Bradford, I just want to see if that this market for him is that high. Like, I, I don't believe. People are talking about first round picks. I, I don't. I don't buy it. I you, you've got to be uh, out your mind. You you have to be I, no, out your they, mind. They were talking you, you about the, Brown, the Browns' second one. It was a night. Is it nineteen or twenty? Are they at twenty? With the second thing they're talking about. I think it's nineteen. Yeah. I think it's nineteen. Yeah, they were talking about you know Bradford. I was like, come on, man. You gotta be kidding. I don't care how healthy this guy is. If, if I see it, I might quit my job if I see somebody get a first round pick. I mean, I just don't, I don't. I don't know how you can be a GM, like your job, like your job, and then do that, and, and expect to keep your job. I just, I'm sorry, it's just too rich for my blood. I don't think that's realistic, though. I think maybe uh, I heard a couple of teams in the second round. Um, that's still crazy, but I mean, that's a lot more realistic. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. How about someone just to identify a single team that would give up a number one, a first-rounder for Bradford? Because I don't see it. I just don't know why you do it. I just – I mean, who's uh, really worth the number one now to begin with? And and, and how do they stack up against Bradford? Think about that. You give it up like – you got to give up like somebody like Drew Brees or something like that for a first-round pick. That's it. Exactly. Like, elite le- like, you know, elite-level guy, not Sam Bradford. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because how so, do you see that trade? Yeah. The whole situation now, let's, let's – okay, let's do this. I'll, I'll go around the whole room. Tim, if Sam Bradford were a quarterback prospect in this draft, where would he rank in your quarterback prospect ranking? No one away one. <laughs> you mean okay, but do you mean right now, or do you mean when he was coming out of? Uh, well, let's okay. Let's pretend we don't know Oklahoma. that he can't stay healthy ever at all. Let's go back to the sort of fresh, somewhat fresh and crisp Sam Bradford that you would have been getting rolling off the showroom, you know, back five years ago. Where well, knowing like him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, well, knowing how the NFL does their stuff right now, he might be the number one pick again. Right. You know? Exactly. Possibly. That's the only thing that gives any credence to the stuff we're hearing. But it isn't back then, but again, back then, we're not talking about, like, we're not talking about now, we're talking about back then. Because the, the main thing that Bradford would have is, you know, one, he wasn't accused of rape when he was at Oklahoma. <laughs> He didn't True. have he didn't show crab legs. 
uh, <laughs> you know, he didn't do that I can't stuff. fathom. Right. He didn't do any of that stuff when he was at Oklahoma, which, you know, it's some serious stuff. I mean, the first thing's really serious. The second stuff is just kind of, like, worrisome because he's a quarterback. He's not, like, a running back or, you know, something like that. The quarterback. So, you know, that's one thing that perhaps would have again. And with Mariota, Honestly, they're like the same guy in a lot of ways. I mean, of course, Bradford was a little bit bigger, but, you know, they played in very spread-heavy offenses. And, uh, you know, of course, Mario was just a little bit faster and stuff like that. But they're pretty much the same. A lot, I mean, they're, a lot they're, faster. they're Alex a lot faster. Smith. Yeah, Alex Smith, Bradford, <laughs> Marietta. They're all – they're peas in the same pod, quarterback prospects. They, they're just – Almost too, like you know, I hate to say it, but it's just too too clean. Like there's just there's not enough dirt on them, you know. I don't know how to explain it. Like you, you just kind of want to know. Like with Winston, I know what the flaws are. It's obvious what the flaws are, but with with Bradford, and Smith, and Mariota, you can't really picture them, you know, wearing a leather jacket. You know, I don't know how to explain it. Like, that's, 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 <laughs> you know, oh, unless it was like a designer leather jacket or something, you know, either style. But that's that's just the only thing which the, that teams would be kind of like, you know, I don't know. It'd be tough. It'd be tough to figure out Marietta or Brown. What, I mean, what, Mar- you're saying, what, what you're saying is you're, you're talking about guys who can't imagine ever having been in a fist fight. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. There you go. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> I mean, Albright has a leather jacket, but he doesn't look good with it on. But, you know, I mean, he definitely owns one. So, I'll ask, I'll ask the same question to you, Montel. Let's let's pretend we don't know that Sam Bradford is apparently darn near permanently injured. If you if we got the rolling off the showroom, you know, still have the new quarterback smell, person of Sam Bradford, where would you have ranked him in this quarterback class? Uh, he'd be my own away number one. I mean, it's just uh, it's just going to be it. And in this year especially, teams, you might see some aggressive trading to go up and get them. I think that's just how confident people will be in them, especially if it looks like he could stay healthy. Um, I know he played in a spread-like system, but when you look at the flaws these quarterbacks have, you know, people have questions about Mariota, the system he played in. You know, they struggle to think about how that translates at the next level. You look at Jameis Winston, you know, can you trust him? Can you not trust him? Like I said before, you know, I – I feel like he's an intelligent guy. You know, I've seen I've seen some very impressive interviews by him. But if I, by the way, if you guys have a couple free minutes, check out that interview with that Steve Mariucci does with him. His recall yep. is magnificent, yep. magnificent. Yep. Um, but anyway, but, he, but, but he's done yeah. harder stuff than that since he was a during his redshirt year with with Jumbo with Jumbo Jumbo's the Jumbo Jimbo. Um, I mean, literally in his redshirt year, he was doing harder stuff than that. Jimbo. One thing you have to say about Jimbo, you can say a lot of things about Jimbo Fisher, but he does not list quarterbacks on the mental side. They may have other issues, but they know offense, at least in concepts and theories, and they leave him. They may have other problems. They may have other things where they struggle, mechanical things <laughs> and whatever, but, but at least they understand offensive concepts. He's a great teacher of that stuff. Yeah, and, and so that's what I was saying. It's like his recall was magnificent in that interview, and some of the things he can do is impressive. I mean, you kind of wonder what, what he's going to do off the field, you know, what his life like. Is this guy just, you know, a straight-up, uh, you know, pathological liar, or is this guy, you know, going to be – I mean, seriously, you know, he's either going to be a complete, 
you know, so uh, you know, a liar that, that that believes his own lies, you know, pathological. He's going to be one of those guys, so sociopath, or is he going to be a guy who, you know, just matures just ever so slightly to the point where it's okay and stays out of trouble, and they see you know you got a guy you can trust. But um, yeah, given Bradford's style of life, uh, given his character that people seem to eat up these days, uh, and the fact that he's 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 good enough um, in terms of physical capability, these guys. He'd be the low and away number one, and I think a day like today will be one where we either read a great deal about some trades or someone maybe constructing an RG3-style trade to go up and get him. I think that's how much he'd be coveted in this draft line. Okay. Same question to you, Donovan. If we still have the if, – if Bradford was just rolling up a lot, still has new car, his new QB smell, where would he rank in your QB rank? I think it would be – He'd be number two behind Marcus Mariota. They'd be neck and neck, though. It'd be, it'd be like, you know, all the neck and neck guys, the Leaf Manning, the whoever, you know, uh, whoever. You know, you go back. You've been around for a while, though, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, know, you, know about the, like the you know about the neck and neck and neck and neck when you had Marino and Elway and Blackledge. Yeah. yeah, right. Sure. They would be, I guess, kind of like, I don't know. They'd be closer than uh, RG3 and Luck, but those guys are pretty close, kind of. But, I mean, they'd be closer than that. But then, you know, like, James would be like my Ryan Tannehill, like the mid-round guy. So <laughs> that's where it'd be. Um, yeah. Oh, that's about yeah. it. I mean, Sam. Sam's one of the best college quarterbacks I've ever seen. Um, and I, I thought he was going to be – I thought he could be, you know, a, a, I don't want to say Hall of Fame. That's way too much. But, I mean, a perennial Pro Bowl type quarterback. I feel Rivers' career, not, not similar guys, but – over his career time. So, yeah, borderline Hall of Fame, I guess. I thought he could be that at match. And uh, obviously that's not going to happen anymore. But, uh, yeah, so I think a lot of Sam Bradford. But I still put Marcus slightly ahead of him because of athleticism. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could. it's funny because Jim mentioned Alex Smith and you mentioned Mariota. And sort of you, if you look at all three, if you stack the three guys up, you have, in terms of just pure intelligence, you've got Alex Smith, who's brilliant, you know, extremely smart. And most Bradford and Mary are certainly bright guys, but not quite Alex Smith level. Then you've got arm, where Alex Smith, people forget that pre-injury, he had a decent arm. Right in the same conversation with Alex Mariota. Maybe Mariota has a slight edge, and then obviously Bradford has a very strong arm, much more so than the other two. In terms of pure athletic ability, you've got Mariota at the top, Smith, not far behind. People, once again, forget just how athletic Alex Smith was coming out. And then you've got Bradford, who was a very good athlete. guy, won a slam dunk competition at the 2A level, I think, in the state of Oklahoma or where, wherever it was. I mean, very, not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, very, yeah very good. good. Very good. Great athlete. golfer. Great golfer. <laughs> and a great golfer, right, exactly. Yeah. Like Romo, a guy that could have been a professional golfer if he touched on golf. Uh, I don't know how how that translates to football necessarily, except sort of usually means guys who have good mechanics and repeatable mechanics, guys who develop a good golf lane, have a good sense of how their body is supposed to behave in certain positions. But Muscle, muscle guys, memory with golf. Yes, exactly. Right. If you can, once again, guys with good strokes, you know, usually golfers, usually good golfers usually have a really good idea of how their body needs to be positioned to be effective doing certain things. So I guess that's one part transferable. But the point is that you've got these Guys who are somewhat similar, and the big difference to me is snaps under center. Brett Bradford was usually in a 60-40 to 65-35 kind of range percentage of 
you know, now. Oh, it was close to 70, actually. Right, from, uh, right. Somewhere around that, yeah. From the stuff I did, it was pretty high. I was like, oh, and I was doing the stuff, but, yeah. Right, but it wasn't like five, you know, like not 5%, but five. For Mariota this last season, though, you know, snap under center. So he obviously didn't have as great a jump to make in terms of the traditional pocket and manipulating certain things and, you know, the pushing away and certain things you're going to have to do in terms of, you know, getting to the landmarks in a traditional offensive set. There's certain places the quarterback's supposed to be for the offensive line, first of all, to know what they're supposed to do. In that ride and decide system, the offensive line isn't worrying about protecting you in a traditional sense because the option threat itself protects you. There's an unblocked guy, and he's frozen in essence, so he can't because he's flying up at the quarterback. Quarterback simply, you know, lets the ball go in the belly of the running back, and now the guy, you know, peels off or should be peeling off the quarterback. So you don't worry about blocking that guy. That's not going to happen that much. I mean, he might they might run a little bit of that, but. That's not going to be the staple of anybody. Even Chip Kelly is not going to have to be the staple of their NFL offense. Their staple is not going to be right beside. I don't care who you're talking about. So you have to make a physical and mental jump. You're physically doing something different from what you're doing before. And also mentally, you're not just reading this one guy. You know, there's, there's that, that, that offense simplifies things tremendously for people and creates these huge, huge openings to throw the ball because you're keeping, first of all, you're going so fast that the defense has to stay the same pretty much. Hey, we're going to have to sit this off though. We can't be doing, we can't be disguising things. We can't be doing this. We can't be moving around. We're going to have to pretty much stay in cover three or cover two zone pretty much all the time. You know it. I know it. We know it. We can't disguise our, our defense. So that's one thing that makes it so much easier for a guy like Mariota. Then you add to that, like I said, the, the threat of option, a threat of run, prevents you from being able to really bring a lot of pressure. I mean, how many blitzes do you think that kid's seen his entire career? 20, maybe, in his entire collegiate career? I mean, he's probably seen a handful of blitzes. You know, most many teams don't blitz once against Oregon. And even really good teams, Ohio State, a handful of teams that really were good and felt like they matched up well athletically, but even they didn't blitz a lot. They put some, but it was like he was seeing blitzes. Somebody mentioned Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley saw more blitzes probably in the first four games of his career at USC. The greatest fight seen in his 41 games at Oregon. Probably the right? examples. Yeah, you're right. Stanford games, the three of those were the best examples of more, the most, most blitzes he's seen um, in his career. Was all three Stanford games, probably Ohio State. Right. And that's probably about it. I mean, those are probably the only teams that really tried to quit in this 41-game career, right? Yeah. So I would say Washington of not this year, but the last year with Justin Wilcox, he threw some blitzes in there, probably like 15. He threw a couple of blitzes at him, yeah. Yeah. They had a couple of safety and corner stuff. And, right. But once again, yeah. they weren't going to mess like, with it. He, yeah, Wilcox likes the blitz from the outside, so it was a lot of corner stuff. I know they blitzed with Peters, and then they had another corner there at the time. Yep. I can't think of his name, but yeah. Right. He, he threw a couple in there, right. But it's very different from, like I said, what a guy like Matt Barkley saw, right, where he saw real blitzes often. 
like I said, probably the first half of his collegiate career as a freshman, he'd seen probably more blitzes, like I said, than, than Marietta did in his entire collegiate career. So that's a mental and physical jump that you're making. The physical jump isn't because he's doing it with faster athletes, so a bigger athlete, so that's probably a little bit of it. It's mostly he's doing physically different things, taking on three-step, five-step, seven-step drop, and locating your receivers in a different way. And your receiver isn't as easy to find as he were. Where once again, where you, you're roaming, these guys are just running free. I mean, there's just ludicrous amount of space to throw the ball. And that's what you notice on his deep ball. He's not used to having to throw a ball that far and on a line because he didn't have to do it. He could basically throw almost like punts downfield and it was fine. If a guy had to slow down a little bit or whatever, it was fine. He had to readjust. It was fine because there wasn't nobody back there. You had sucked up the safety because the safety had to be there in run support because of the threat of the run. Or it was way too far back as well. Or was too yeah. far back. Right. Well, the other, right, exactly. Or was so afraid. It was either or. But it was always one-on-one coverage. Always. Yeah. You know? Yep. I mean, he technically, I mean, he's done some tight window throws, but it's like the safety's not adjusting because the safety's worried about, you know, you, you can just tell. I mean, that was the issue a lot. Is Defenses who go up against Oregon, they were just not comfortable at all. And if they weren't ready, they really weren't ready. <laughs> you know, they really were overcompensating for stuff because they were afraid of everything. <laughs> so, right, afraid of everything. <laughs> it, yeah. So, it, it, I mean, that's like with the Arizona game. You know, they played them really well the first time. The second time, they looked like they played scared. DBs play scared. Everybody plays scared. You know? That's a funny way to put it, but somewhat accurate. I, and I don't blame the players. I blame the coaches. I get the feeling that coaches pull in their horns, for lack of way of putting it, when they face teams like that. And they're thinking always, how do we not give up the big play, as opposed to how do we take the ball away? How do we make them make mistakes? Well, guess what? The NFL is going to be a different game, boys. You're not going to see too many guys saying, let's sit back and try not to get beat too badly. I mean, that's, that's, it's just not an NFL mindset that you see very often. Even the most conservative defensive coordinators are going to blitz this kid because he's a rookie quarterback, no matter how good he is. You know, if he's, if he's out there on the field, he's getting blitzed. I don't care who you are. They blitzed Elway as a rookie. They blitzed Unitas as a rookie. They whoever, Montana, they all got blitzed because you're a rookie. If you, or you, some of those guys even play as rookies. Let me, let me rephrase that. But, uh, but when you're new, even if you're not a rookie, they're blitzing you. They're going to test you. Let's see how this guy holds up to being blitzed and being hit and being this and being that. And they're going to disguise coverage. That They're not going to just sit in a soft zone. Even if you do put in some of that, that lead option, ride and decide, you know, zone. They've already figured it out. Yes. Know, right. So. Right. They already figured it out for the most part. I mean, for the most part. That, that get – you know, teams have bad days is what I would say. So sometimes defenses just have a bad day. But for the most sure. part, they pretty much figured out uh, what to do to, to limit that stuff. So, uh, yeah. most, especially most Russell teams, Wilson, you know. Right. Most teams run some version of a scrape exchange where they've got a good enough athlete. Most teams have a good enough athlete that they can bring up to 
slow one guy is forcing, one guy is slow playing in essence. And so the fourth man, who might be in man on line scrimmage, whatever, just takes the running back away. You know, don't think, don't read, don't whatever, just get the running back. You know, let's just simplify this. And this faith exchange player who could be anything from a linebacker to sometimes a safety, even depending on how you're 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 playing it, takes takes away, you know, the ability of the quarterback to to take off and run. And now if there's a third part like a bubble screen or whatever, you, you try to get out of hands as quickly as possible and then whoever it is at the side of that just tries to blow that up. And as long as Yeah, they gotta tackle. tackle. Yeah. Right. I was gonna say that's who that comes out. As long as you tackle really tacklers with the NFL I mean I mean I hate to bring it to the NFL but there's not a lot of good tacklers anymore it's but not, no it's yeah. not like it used to be. It's not nineteen seventy seven anymore, kids, let me tell you that. Um you know when I first started watching this game, you had some of the greatest tacklers in the history of the game. Yeah, you know, I, I got to be Buckus and Larry Wilson and Johnny Shell and Jack Lambert and Jack Ham and Mad Dog Mike Curtis. But, I mean, it was a different era in so many ways. And when people tackled you, they didn't just tackle you, they tackled you, but they also wanted you to, I mean, you know, Jack Tatum wanted you never to want to play football again. He was trying to end your career on every play, and he would tell you that. It wasn't like it was something like, oh, my bad, sorry, no, no, I'm trying to end you. I want you to never play again. Thank you for coming over here so I could tell you that. Yeah. Come here again, and I will put my forearm in the back of your neck so hard you think you're going to die. Exactly. But nowadays that's fine. But yeah, you, know, you can't do that anymore. Ejection. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. The, the teams that can <laughs> still tackle. There are teams who still can tackle, though. Now Seahawks, overall, really good tackling team, you know. That's partially why they won the Super Bowl is because they were really good at going, oh, bubble screen? All right, you're going down. Sorry. <laughs> you know, you're not going to, you know, all that stuff you were doing the whole year, getting that bubble screen, taking it 20 yards, not, not happening. You know? But I, I don't know. It's just interesting to see what happens. But, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, see, see. we'll see what – Yeah. There, there are other teams besides Oregon and college and Philadelphia and the NFL, believe it or not. Yes. Um, so make sure we touch upon a couple of them. Uh, yeah, is this like the Ben Natan show or something? Like, what's going on? It was a weird. It's a weird. We should call this the Ben Natan tribute show. I'll have to uh, have to post that later. But, we got we got to get him on, man. He's like a nervous wreck on Twitter. I got he's got to stop. He's got to calm down, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, people, if you're out there, if you're near, and he's in New York, and he's in New York of all places, so you know oh he ain't got friends. Oh, oh, oh God! Wow. Poor Ben. If, if you're near, <laughs> why are you sad? Why are sad, Ben? Oh, I'm a Philadelphia Eagle fan. That ain't gonna work in New York. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is an outreach moment on the show. If you're near Ben Natan, if you know Ben Natan. First of all, tell him to call me, and we'll talk this out. But, um, you know, put your arm around him, um, stroke his nose, give him warm milk, whatever it is. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get Ben through this. As a nation, let's get Ben Natan through this time. Yeah, let's, let's all be supportive of Ben in these tough times. Let's all be supportive of Ben. I, I'm, it, I'm with that. Yeah. It, it really must be a trying time. Like, I don't... Well, sure I do as a Bears fan. I mean, I'm sure we've all had a moment where we don't know what what our team is thinking. He's, but, okay, but man. he's, he's, he's on a, another level right now. 
He'll be okay. He's, he'll, you know, they just got Vernon Adams and Eugene. He'll oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there, it's all better. He's still salty over the house again. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ben. I don't know if you're listening to <laughs> somewhere out there. But I'm, I'm salty too, though. I'm like a – he calls me an honorary Oregon fan, which I don't really like because I'm a USC fan. I can't be honorary Pac-10, Pac-12 fan. But I just like the style. I like their jerseys. I like flair. You know, that's what I like. Yeah. They have all well, – they all, their team's all California kids anyway. So, they're like – they're the mini USC, not, not the other way around. But uh, anyway, <laughs> there are many UFC. All I mean, I don't think I don't think they agree to that thought of it. I don't yeah, think I that's the same. That's, that's not disrespectful at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, their teams all California kids, but okay. I mean, it's not... <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. No, I see where you're going with it, Donovan. I'm just saying that, that go ahead and submit that in writing to the people at Oregon and see how far it goes. No, I, no, I, I like think... the, my I like my Oregon connections. I've been good with them so far. They like me. Um, so I don't want to mess that up. We can talk about right. Oregon State, you know, Corvallis. <laughs> I don't think anybody at Corvallis is going to meet me in Temecula or anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think anyone in Oregon State even know what that is. <laughs> they don't. They don't. <laughs> But I, I just wanted to make sure we did mention that there are other teams in college football other than uh, other than Oregon, and there are other teams in pro football other than Philadelphia. So, first of all, another update from guys who have said Sage Harold, who is the uncle of Eli Harold, had sorry nephew. Maybe we're set. He's being nephew. Uh, even though he's young, even though he's uh, older, he's actually a little bit older. He's actually the nephew of Eli Harold. Eli, despite that he's younger, is actually the uncle. Had a very good pro day. I don't know how many people may have may have noticed, but the 40 times I've seen were all in the low to mid four sixes. Uh, he looked good in the linebacker drills, even though he's played most of his collegiate career with his hand in the dirt. Uh, he uh, also did well in short shuttle. If I can find a short shuttle time I have. But essentially, he was a guy who can play through for outside linebacker, which is really what his pro day was sort of all about. Uh, whenever you're a guy who's an, an undersized DN, what people, what do you want to know? Can you stand up? Can you, can you look good in space? Can you drop? Can you flip your head? All that stuff. The answer was yes. Pretty much unanimously with all the, the scouts I've talked to regarding his pro day. So St. Harold is one of those guys that's sort of on the draftable bubble. But if he ends up being an undrafted free agent, he's going to go quickly. There'll be I think it'll be a nice little bidding war for him. And, you know, the Eli Harold connection doesn't hurt. He comes from a football family. I played with one of his cousins at Green Run High School, Maurice Harold is in the Green Run High School uh, football hall of fame. But the the thing about him, like I said, is that much like Eli, he's a guy that has some natural pass rush ability, whatever team would call it, a guy that understands turning the corner and hitting the quarterback. Could he use some time? Yes. I mean, he's a guy that's clearly going to need time to sort of grow and develop. And if you're looking for sort of a comparison, though he's not quite as thickly built yet, at least, now he's got some room to put on more weight, he is somewhat like the Recently retired, I guess, um, or whatever, Jason Worrell. But he's similar in, in many ways to a guy like Jason Worrell. 
uh, who has that ability to shorten the corner. And like, he knows how to climb a guy's shoulder and then get to the quarterback. There's, I know I've talked about this before, especially with the LSU guys. There's something about knowing how to finish, how to actually end up the play on top of the quarterback, either with a sack or a quarterback hit, that some guys seem to get. And some guys, no matter how athletic they are, and long and quick twitch and whatever, just don't seem to understand how to do that. There's something to that. I've been around this long enough to realize some guys don't understand how to consistently end up hitting quarterbacks. No matter how, I mean, we talked about Deion Jordan and, you know, all those various LSU kids with all the links and all the whatever else. But for whatever reason, very few of those guys seem to actually understand how to actually get to the quarterback. For whatever reason. And people, you know, first people say, well, it's a scheme, and they're told to contain. And I get that to a certain extent. But once again, to use the ancient coach, uh, coaching and scouting axiom, there's a difference between come here and sick them. And some guys just don't seem to understand the difference between come here and sick them. Uh, Don, was it you that was a big Deion Jordan guy coming out? Uh, yep. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, still, I, still, I still believe he's only 23. I believe. He's young. He's still young. <laughs> now, I'm not saying he's dead or anything. I'm not saying he's done. He's just a special team. Oh. oh. No, I mean, no, no, no. I mean, he's literally playing special teams. I don't mean, like, that's all he can do. I just mean, like, that's that's what he does, you know, like, right now. Like, like can he develop, you know, to starter? Sure. Sure, you know, but he's playing special teams right now. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he is. You're right. You're factual, you know. <laughs> I mean, there could be more to this guy, you know. Maybe in a year, you know, like whoa, you know, most yeah, of them. Not according to my metrics, but go on. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he was you know, always a lot of people weird. Are making, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, that was me. Say, he was always weird on tape. Well, not on tape. He was weird on tape, but he was also weird in number wise because he was really a outside linebacker guy who – and the other funny – like, he had more total tackles than he had solo tackles, which is always odd a lot. Like, significantly different, like, percentages. Like, 5% solo tackles on the team, and yet he had, like, 12% total tackles. It was weird. So, he was a weird – and, of course, he was never really an edge guy. I don't know where that came from. You know, 100%. Uh, you know, and as an athlete, he was okay, but he wasn't, like, special, special athlete. That's why when those sports science guys are doing a little thing, I'm like, okay, all right, all right. I don't know. ESPN Sports Science should have that whole little show. I was questioning their science, but um, I I don't know what – I mean, they, if I'm the Dolphins, unfortunately, I'd say cut them and then go to Philadelphia. So I hate to bring up Philadelphia again, but I think Chip Kelly's the only guy that would really – or he might go to the, Bel- uh, the Patriots. I mean, because Bill Belichick, again, that's exactly the type of linebacker that he, like, has dreams about, you know, at yeah. night. Is that type of guy. Well, well, okay. Should be. Uh, he played good I mean, at the end of the season. Like, I mean, not good, but, I mean, he started getting better. I think he had, like, 13 tackles in two games, something like that, or 12. Uh, yeah, people – Last three people games, are so. making 
comparisons between him and Randy Gregory, which I find to be very interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, and I, you know, I wanted to bring something to you guys' attention. Uh, I watched a little more Greg, Gregory tape, Randy Gregory tape, and you know, I'm not going to get into projections, but he has. When, when you watch him play, you get frustrated with his hand usage, or at least I did. But one thing you notice is he's 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 heavy-handed, you know. So he never really decides to, you know, kind of put those paws on you. But when he does, <laughs> like uh, those offensive linemen don't like it, man. Like he's knocked some guys back. He's kind of clocked them a little bit, moved them out the way. I mean, he's not. I'm not saying this guy's a monster or anything, but he's kind of like that that really shy, tentative bear, you know, that's just not that doesn't really know he's a bear, you know. So see, he took that. Sports science dummy on ESPN, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's never happened before. And this was I didn't I didn't read that report until after I watched this new tape, but it makes sense because he's heavy handed. Like it looks like on tape he's not doing a whole lot. His technique doesn't wow you, but it's it's okay. And and he packs a punch. Like I mean, some of these guys, like I said, when he does a little rip move, his little spin move, whatever, or his swim move, you know, he hits and it it hurts. <laughs> you know, like, uh, people don't like that very much. And, and I know it hasn't led to, you know, any type of uh, uh, massive production, but he's got some solid physical traits that, you know, a team's just going to have to harness. But uh, I think I think that's yeah. what, what mainly they're looking at is because right, right now, I mean, if you look everywhere, I mean, even I said it too, is he's relying more on athletic ability then, because the the technique he's really far behind in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't yeah. I don't like I don't like the fact that he to me he tends to di- to disappear. Oh during, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah no, the Michigan State game you don't see the guy at all. Yeah. So I mean the athletic ability is there. I mean it's I can see the Deion Jordan comparison just because of the athletic ability and and the, the their size is comparable to each other. But I mean Gre- Gregory has was never has not been. My number one edge rusher at all. Through the no, he's not mine either. Process. I'm just trying to gauge exactly what this guy is worth, right? Because essentially, if the narrative is true at this point, people, you know, there's a scenario where he falls out of the first, right? So I'm just saying that maybe this guy is a guy who's maybe not number one, but maybe a four, maybe a five edge rusher um, in this class. And, and maybe in some boards, he'll probably be a three. You know, and that's – I don't think that's terrible. It's not my board, but I wouldn't say it's terrible. So um, I was just saying that, you know, the first time I was like, yeah, not so good. Second time around, and that's that's a thing. Now, I try to watch tape two times around, and, and I've really, really liked what I've seen out of him in terms of just when when he, he decides to play and, and when he says, hey, I, I'm stronger than this guy. I can do it, you know. But um, he's got to learn a great deal about technique. He does, and he's – I don't know how he's going to do it, but it would help him to have a little bit more muscle. So well, I just uh, – well, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying in general it, it would uh, help his cause a lot. But for where he's at now and, and his body type, you know, he's he's very heavy-handed. I don't know what else I can say. It's, he doesn't look to be very strong, but he, he's he's strong. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't know what else I can say. So so let's, stay, let's stick with the sort of conversion guys, the – edge, whatever you call them, guys mm-hmm. who are either 3-4 outside linebackers or 4-3 defensive ends. We've mm-hmm. talked about why we rank guys and what things we look for. So, And, of course, Chuck wasn't here for that. So give us your top guys and what do you 
prize most in Edge Guy? Who's this first? Is this, is Chuck. This is Chuck. Oh, Chuck? Yes. Go ahead. You know, yeah, you know, company first. Oh, it's Tremaine. You broke up a little bit. Yes, um, I was saying, yeah, the guys that you – how do you rank your guys and, and who are your top guys? Yeah. Uh, this is it's it's still unchanged for me. Um, it's Sh- Shane Ray has been my number one for for the last four months. He, even though he got thrown out of the uh, thrown out of the uh, that the championship game and he's had to get a little bit of injury bugs. Shane Ray has been has been my number one. I mean that may be unpopular, but um, he's the technique is there as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he has, the the tools are there and. The one thing that you you can't do in metrics is the F, the, the high effort, high output guys. That's 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 important to me. I don't I don't see him taking any plays off. That's that's very important to me. And he doesn't. I didn't think he disappeared like Gregory did. Right. I mean that's that's just that's just my opinion. Sure. When you look at when you look at Ray, in terms of how he comes off the line of scrimmage and what he does, I mean you spoke about technique. I mean, do you really think this guy has the type of arsenal to to get past guys at the next level? I'm sorry, say that again. You broke up a little bit. Do you think this guy has the type of arsenal of pass rush moves to get by tackles at the NFL level? I think he does, but it's all going to depend on who gets him and where he lands up and, and what scheme he's in. Um, and a lot of guys are like, oh, you can put his hand on the ground. I, I'm not interested in seeing with his hand on the ground because I just don't think he can – take that kind of punishment. I, I just think he's a two-point stance, stand-up edge rusher. I don't like him with his hand in the ground. Um, but I, I, I add maybe another 10 pounds. Like, I think it, I think he can do it. I mean, I watched the film. I, I think it's there. But, I mean, does the rest of the league feel that way? And does the rest of the scouts are up there feel that way? Probably not because mm-hmm. everything I read, he's kind of – him and Gregory have fallen down while Fowler and Dupree – excuse me, not Fowler and Beasley ha- have shot up into the top five for almost everybody. I mean, and I understand why, but like I said, I'm just, I'm staying with, I'm staying true to my belief that I go by the tape. That's just because of what you're working out, how you're working out. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. And who, who are your guys after Ray? Like who are your two, three, four, five and all? Uh, well, uh, first is Ray, obviously. And then, um, then Fowler, then Gregory, then Dupree, then Beasley. Okay. Fowler, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you guys, I kind of had my fingers in my ears during the whole Forest State conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been a Forest State fan ever since uh, Charlie Ward and William Floyd and they went in from the one-yard line against Nebraska. So I think it was Nebraska. But I've been a Forest State fan since I was a kid, so I have kind of had my fingers in my ears, like, see, you're new evil. But... um. <laughs> I mean, I, Dante Fowler to me is, is, a, is like that wild card guy. Kind of how – I don't want to compare athleticism, but kind of how uh, Jim Johnson used Javon Curse in Philly. He, like, moved him around. You can put him anywhere. Um, I mean, it, I'm not sure if the length is there, but I, 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 can, see, I can see why Fowler is going to go higher. But the only thing that kind of bothers me is there's of – the, of all the guys that are in the top ten – only two of them have double-digit sacks. They got a t- they got tons of tackles for losses, but only two of them have double-digit sacks. Right. So that means that these guys are yeah they're athletes, they're pass rushers, but they still have a ways to go. 
I don't think anybody's really polished. If that makes any sense. hundred percent. I mean, I agree. The guys, yeah. the guys with the huge numbers, guys like Nate Orchard and, and Kikaha, people aren't sold on them because they aren't as twitchy or as flexible or whatever. I like Kikaha more than almost anybody, and I keep sure. I keep hoping that he ends up in Pittsburgh because I think a guy like Joey Porter would get a lot out of him. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. I, I have him going. In my last mock, I got him going to Pittsburgh in the third, so you, that's, that makes sense to me, too. Nice. Well, then, you know, you just made a friend there, Chuck. Um, I think <laughs> Joey Porter is going to basically become his spirit animal if that were to happen. And you, even though he's never going to be a super freak, superstar, whatever, look for eight and a half, eight, nine, seven and a half, nine, eight, like for eight, nine, ten years, him to be a guy that's putting up an average of eight and a half to nine sacks on a regular basis. Especially if they, I mean, of course, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, Dick LeBeau is no longer there, so who knows? Maybe lots of things will change in Pittsburgh, but if they embrace sort of the old Blitzburg mentality to a certain extent, I think a guy like like uh, Hayaloli uh, Kakao would have a really Chad Brown-esque kind of impact from a statistical standpoint. And you are the best at comparisons, man. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's just the uh, he's like I'm just concerned with with the injury history and sure. the one thing is, is there's he kind of reminds me of of a Stanford defensive lineman because there's no there's no bend to him. Mm-hmm. He just, mm-hmm. there's that's the one issue I have too. Yeah, corner. he's not the most flexible in the world. And yeah, yeah and I, I like he got. Yeah, I like you guy. It's just when he runs, you know, the ACL injuries, you just wonder, you know. I, I hope he stays healthy. But when you see the tape and you compare him to other edge guys or, or linebackers, you know, I don't know if it's his injury or I don't know if it's like playing in the back of his mind. But if you see his tape, he takes these shorter, choppier steps when he's running. And, and it's, uh, even, you know, even it takes him a longer time to close the screen. Even pre-injury, he was a shorter, choppier step guy. But he, part of that's because – okay. Part of that's because, I mean, once again, he wasn't being asked to – he wasn't playing like Anthony Barr. He wasn't being asked to run sideline, sideline, run – they mostly wanted him going forward. You know, it wasn't like they were asking him to do a whole lot of ranging around, even pre-injury. Plus, just like they told him, just ask him to go forward. Right. That's what they wanted him to do. So he was never a guy that you saw flipping his hips and running around. Even pre-injury, he wasn't running around, like, all over the place. But the other thing is – Part of it is probably what you're taught, or I think was taught. If you are taking longer steps, even though you're covering a lot of ground, what happens if you get hit while you're taking a longer step? You go down. It's the same way. I mean, look at Marshawn Lynch. Have you noticed how short his strides are? Marshawn Lynch is taking 20-inch, 22-inch strides. He could take longer strides, probably, physically capable of doing it, but he's taking very short, choppy steps because that power, if you get hit, when both feet are on the ground as opposed to one foot being on the ground. So some of that's probably coached as well. If there's a chance that some tight end might wham block you, you want to have short choppy steps because if you've got one foot there, you're going to ass over tea kettle. So you don't see too many guys who understand that they might get blocked or cut or whatever taking long strides. It's not good for the company. It's not good for... It's not good for your technique to be taken to stride on a wide receiver running a, a, a go route. 
Well, well, for a guy that that moves the way he does, it it, it costs him a little bit because he's not able to cover you know as much space as quickly. That's why I brought it up. I understand the concept of you know not taking long strikes wherever you go, but he's just not as as quick as some of these guys, you know. Sure. Oh, I'm agreeing that he's not super athletic, but if you ask him to play basically the, the jack linebacker, where you're essentially, I mean, you may drop in the coverage, you know, a couple of times just to say we did it. Let's be honest. You're basically uh, so the Marcus Smith role, basically, right? Only better because he knows how to use his hands. The guy's got hands. Somebody's talking about, somebody's about hand usage. I mean, no offense to Randy Gregory and his hands, but the heaviest hands in this whole draft class belong to Mr. Kyle. I mean, he's got. Well, he's a technician. I, That's not fair, Bill. That's not fair. He's, he's well, a technician. He's a technician. I'm just saying. He, if you like hand usage, no offense, but that, that's not the guy to talk about. Randy Gregory's got. You know, he, he's got hands, but not like this. Yeah, Kyle like was this. a guy. He took, you know, wrestling, judo, um, high school, and all that. So, he, I mean, hand uses, I mean, that's his thing, you know. Yep, that is his thing. And yeah. he's got some room between him and everybody else when it comes to that. There, He's he here, and then number two is about here, behind him. And some of that can be taught, but frankly, why would you – why would you present this when you have to teach a guy how to use his hands when hand usage is – I hope you – hand usage is really important. We can't just say, oh, we'll teach him. I mean, how many times have people gotten in trouble saying we can teach him to do that? Not everybody can be taught to do that. Either have it or you don't. Sometimes, for the most part. When it comes to the way he uses his hands, he's already he, – that's two or three plays he's going to make per game that another guy won't make just because of that. Just because of that. Yeah. Plus, like Chuck was saying, he has that. You can't. He has that effort, man. He has that heart. You know that yeah, you, just, you got. Uh, you got to have uh, playing uh, in the uh, trenches. Uh, you talking about effort. You talking about effort. I mean, yeah. once again, his effort. I mean, yeah. Is he injury concerned? Yes. Stiffish? Yes. But effort. I mean, Shane Ray isn't quite there with him when it comes to yes. You know, I'm gonna die if it takes this. <laughs> but he wasn't doing as much as Shane Ray was doing on the field, 100%. I mean, it's just in terms of getting to the play all the time. So, I mean, he definitely has really good effort. A lot of guys in this draft have some really good effort, but I wouldn't say that True. he has more effort than everybody else. No, yeah, but nobody has more effort than him is what I think he was trying to say. That's what I'm saying. Nobody's got yeah. – this guy is – even with his team – I mean, what we all talked about, look at a guy when your team's getting blown out. Look at your team, my guy, your team's getting brutalized. He was playing super hard, even when his team was like, oh, man, we're getting killed. You didn't see him ever, ever let up. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, plus he, the transition he made to the, the buck, 3-4 um, and yep. time, whatever, yep. that was a big deal, too, with Pete. Uh, Kiewikowski, uh, the defensive coordinator, with Justin Wilcox was doing was totally different. And I don't think Justin got as much out of him. Um, which is kind of it, – it's, it's similar because, you know, Wilcox is at Boise and then, you know, that staff came from Boise. So it's similar. But what Justin was using was just different. If you go back and watch that, that earlier tape, I believe, um, they used them better is what I'm trying to say. This yep. year. And plus he's just – he was healthy. Yeah, the, the, he had a new doctor um, fix up his knee the second time. Um, I like – I can't think of his name, but he's like a really, really one of the most uh, – he's one of the most preferred doctors in uh, – the Pacific Northwest, I know, on the West Coast. Um, 
he did surgery on uh, DeForest Buckner as well. Another Hawaii guy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an extra yeah. class, but yeah, but yeah. Um, I like that. I, I like. I like him. I like him. I think he's the. Uh, yeah, I mean, Steelers would be that'd be a perfect situation. I think he'd get him the second round, late second, mid second. That's his value. Maybe third, I guess. Like I think you got to take him in the third, man. I mean, if he was, yeah. if he was as is healthy, because yeah. But because of the injury, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third, perfect. Yeah, that's perfect value. You get him in the mid third. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I want to throw out a few more guys that had really, really great days, and some of these things matter more or less than I think. But Jordan James, who never really became a full time, never became a guy as a running back at UCLA, but he had a fantastic day. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals really liked him, talked to him a lot. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up in Cincinnati, but he posted a 44-and-a-half-inch vertical. He had a broad jump of 10-11. He was clocked in the somewhere between about 4-4-3 and 4-3-7, you know, on the high-low end in his 40. Caught the ball fairly well as well. Uh, the only knock on him was, again, production, not really there. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that you, you don't know if you're going to get more than, once again, a special teamer out of him, but he's clearly a tremendous athlete. Um, a guy that I've talked about and is on my all-underappreciated team, Neil Sterling from Monmouth, another big H-back-ish, whatever term you want to use, type guy, ran in the low four, low to mid four sixes at a 35-inch vertical, looked really good in the position drill and was worked out sort of as a tight end and wide receiver a little bit. He's going to be like sort of a move tight end type. I think he's ways in the 230s now, if my memory serves. Fans of Austin Hill, um, though he's not 100% healthy, I mean, like, he's not the Austin Hill of a couple of years ago, I'll put it that way, but he managed to be timed in the 454 to 4.59 range. He had a 417 uh, short shuttle, a three count of 672, a uh, long shuttle of 1151, which is you know, outstanding. And he caught the ball extremely well. Um, he showed fairly decent quickness and body control. He measured it at 6'2 and 1 eighth of an inch, 214 pounds. And it, for those who remember when he was healthy, at one time he looked like a future first-round draft pick. Somebody would get him probably more around the fifth or sixth, and they might have found, you know, a guy that has a chance to become sort of an Antonio Freeman type, if you remember that guy from Green Bay back in the day. He has a chance to be that really good, you know, sort of, the receiver on the other side from your, you know, Tory Holt, Donald Driver, whoever it is, he's on the other side. He, he could be a really good compliment to that guy. We're talking about Austin Hill. Yeah. Yep. yep. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I remember the first time you ever had me on the show. That's what we talked about. Yeah, that was when he was healthy. Yeah, we both were about like, him back in those days. We were just yeah. Like, he just had a bad, uh, yeah, the injury and then Caleb Jones transferring. I mean, he took his job. But he, Caleb yep. Jones is what Austin Hill is, was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, no, he's still in yeah. college, but that kid is insane for next year's class. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and they, they, have, they have a lot of receivers there. So he just got caught up in the, you know, the mix, you know, with Rich Rod. Rich Rod's just uh, whoever, next man up type of guy. <laughs> And he likes speed, and also he was not fast. So he, he probably should have transferred, to be honest, but I understand why he stayed when he had to stay there, you know, finish it out. For those who are fans of small school guys, there was a bit of a controversy at Tennessee State's Pro Day. Deontay Sanders, who I think is going to be most likely undrafted, but he's going to be one of those hot names in the undrafted free agency period, what I call the eighth round, 
unfortunately, was not allowed to take part in the Jersey um, State Pro Day, which actually made a lot of scouts angry because he was, he was the other half of the reason they were there. A lot of them were there to see Robert Myers, who actually was the combine, and he worked out but didn't do anything other than, you know, positional drills. But Deontay Sanders is a guy that people are excited to see what might happen. He's trying to now get into either uh, Bethune-Cookman. He's a Florida kid. Uh, Central Florida or Florida State's pro day. And if he gets a chance to do that, scouts playing a chance to see him work out. But people are expecting big things from him. He's a guy that, if you watch him on tape, he, he looks quick. He looks like he has that really good, what they call quick and close, quick feet. I don't know about his long speed, which is obviously, once again, why pro days matter, at least in part, because you get a chance to see how guys, you know, accelerate throughout that longer, you know, space than you usually see in a normal football situation. But, He's a guy that a lot of scouts like. And like I said, they were, a lot of them are kind of upset that Tennessee State has a, a rule that if a guy is not taking care of his academic business, they won't let him work out a pro day. And I kind of applaud oh. that. Like, oh. Is that why he couldn't perform at the pro day? Yep. His oh, grades were not his, oh, his I was looking him. I like him. You got me on him uh, in the beginning of the season. Yep. He was on one year at all whatever he, team. You're a great, oh, great team you put up. Yep. Yeah, but <laughs> I really like him like too. Him. But he he did not take care of his business in this last uh-huh. academic session, so they were like, "Nope." And like I said, uh-huh. I mean, as a like as a parent and as a you know adult person, <laughs> I, I applaud them for it. But as a football guy, I'm like, "Oh, like you, oh." So I'm torn. I would <laughs> love to have <laughs> to have had him worked out, but I have to sort of tip my hat to the school for saying, "Hey." You know, if you don't take care of your business, you don't – that's not – no. You know, you don't get to do that. So, yeah. It's like a, it's, Michael Dyer like has the same, same thing. Right. I like Sorry. the message it sends. Uh, it kind of, you know, pisses me off a little bit, but I like the message it sends because it says to guys, hey, you know, we don't care if you're graduating. We don't care if you're at the end of your career or whatever it is. If you, if you decide to coast – on your whole senioritis thing, then, you know, no, no pro day for you. But um, he did measure. So that's the one thing he did too. Uh, measuring at five, eight and three quarters from 85 pounds. So let him do that. And we're expecting him when he runs to probably run in the high four fours, the low four fives. He's the kind of guy that's probably going to be a, a slot corner at the next level. And he played some free safety as well. For a guy that's his size, he's very tough a very good tackler and strong. Um, he's been as heavy as 200, maybe slightly over 200 pounds he's been playing safety. Uh, he ran some trouble at Florida, had been pretty much on the straight and narrow once he got to um, – No, what, did he transfer or was he thrown out? A little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit of both. Um, he was kicked off the team, and then there was – I think there was a – Right around the time that there was a change over in the staff, there was talk that we might let him return, and I guess there was some hesitation, and he wasn't sure what they wanted and whatever. And finally, he said, "You know, I, I don't have time to wait for this. I, you know, <laughs> time's a wasting. If you aren't 100 percent sure, I'm going to go ahead and go go through with the transfer." But yeah, he did definitely get kicked off the team, and they said that you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, we'll talk about you know reinstating you, and he. My understanding is that at some point they sort of softened on some of that, and he was like, well, are you sure? And they're like, well, and then he was like, okay, no, I'm, I can't, you know. Because 
deadlines in place. You know, if you don't do certain things by a certain date, you miss the entire year of eligibility, and, you know, that's not something guys want to see happen. That's, you know, that's not good. <laughs> I guess what I'm, what I'm saying. Um, there's a lot of excitement about certain guys as a smaller tool guys. He's one of the guys that people are excited about. He's going to be a guy that's a legitimate chance of being drafted if he has a great uh, workout when he finds his, his chance to work out. And even if he has a so-so workout, he's probably still not drafted, a priority undrafted free agent. So that's the guy I wanted to make sure I make mention of. And there was like this controversy at the Tennessee State Pro Day, and the scouts were like, uh, yeah, like, like the sound that Donovan made. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean? This, this is probably the, the most controversy I've heard of, like, of pro days in like the longest time. Like if you, you, you take that and this thing that happened with uh, with Jackson State where they just cut the kids oh, off. That yeah. was that was preposterous. That's, I that that's just there's no excuse for that. I mean, I, ridiculous, ridiculous. First of yeah. all, just because a guy just because a guy doesn't break four or five doesn't mean he can't play football. But beyond that, these kids have been working for years to get to this. These guys can invite the combine. This is this is their moment. They've been working for this for years, and you you don't owe them a lot, but you owe them their chance. And it just says this sends the wrong message. First of all, it sends the wrong message. First of all, that it says you don't care, which I guess they didn't, and it says that we don't value you. Like not only we don't know, not only do we not know what you are, we don't want to know what you are as a football player. That's the message it sends. That's pretty much. Yeah, I, I don't some of them have. I hate to say it, but that's what some guys have. Yeah, I don't know. It just yeah. This uh, this has been. I was gonna say this has been. Chuck was right. I've never seen so much controversy for pro days ever. In my life, yeah. I mean, especially what you guys just mentioned, and then Michael Dyer's situation with Bobby Trino, right. which is right. a uh, Bobby Trino is just uh, I want. He's a, a he's a great he's coach. He's a great coach. He's a piece of work. Gosh, man, like I don't know how baseball fans do it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that situation was they're weird. Brian, they're just Brian, used to it. Yeah, it's uh, and then the Jake Keith was four pro days, and then like. <laughs> Uh, I don't understand this. Uh, Brian Bennett got like locked out of Oregon for a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was supposed—I don't know. Like, he didn't get locked out, but he—he he missed his flight allegedly, and he was kind of late. But I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know if that's that's not confirmed for sure. But that was, you know, he posted on Instagram like him in the airport, but it was like. Literally, like leading up to Oregon Pro Day, but like it wasn't his fault. He was late. That's what it is. Apparently, it wasn't his fault. Right. So okay. But LAX, LAX is tough, man. It's a tough airport. So LAX is a tough airport. I've been, sure. been there. Been sure, there. When, right. I to, when I went out to the NFLPA game, I had 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 my LAX experience. I I know what you're saying. Yeah. Still, still. Not bad. Phoenix, a, though. Phoenix airport's pretty bad, but. I mean, LA is definitely. I mean, because it's so big, you know. It, it is large. Around it's rough. Far. I mean, I, I live. I hated Atlanta I mean, when I was there. Atlanta, yeah. Oh, Hartsfield. Yeah, Hartsfield. Hartsfield. That's the airport. I, you know, I'm obviously I live in Georgia, so I mean, that the airports are ridiculous, man, and they're expanding. Connection. So. Dude, if you gotta take a tram to the next terminal, I'm done. I'm I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a little. You know, I had like a. It was like an athletic event getting to your connecting flight. <laughs> Like, okay, 
it's like a biathlon. First, you do this, then you got to do this, then get on one of these, then slide down the, you know, the zip line. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I understand. It's but, it's tough. <laughs> these are young men and all that stuff. But still, you know, it's Derek Landish, right? There's all these rumors flying around about what happened with him. And but getting back to small school guys, because some of the guys that I'm excited about had really good days actually. Samford, uh, which has usually has guys that I like. Uh, they had a guy I really like last year, a kickoff return, uh, slot type guy. And this year they have Travis Lee, who's a corner who uh, averaged out to about four or five flat on most of the scouts' watches. Had a 32-inch vertical, 10-4 broad. Um, the Rams spent time with him. He had dinner with the Saints, and he has private workouts together with the Jets Steelers. Uh, obviously, UAB, sadly, um, is a deceased program at this point, but a couple of guys had good days there. Um, Jamarcus Nelson, J.J. Nelson didn't run again, why would he? But he looked good catching the ball. Kennard Backman, who uh, measured at 6'3 and 5'8 and 238, which is what's H-back. He's had a West Saxon kind of day at the office, ran 4'5'7 on some watches. Some people had him on like 4'6'3. Uh, 35 and a half is vert, 9'9 and abroad. Uh, he was originally recruited to UAB as a basketball player. And you guessed it, Nick Cesario, the president of pers- director of personnel of the, of the Patriots, was there. Uh, they love, you know, tight indie kind of guy, and uh, helped him on the workouts there. He worked out. Uh, he also scheduled uh, workouts with the Vikings, Colts, and Eagles. Uh, to Christy Tart, um, you know. Just net net people. He didn't do anything. I mean, literally nothing. Not even positional drills. But he is going to do his own special tart day um, on March the 30th. So put that on your calendar. Um, let's see. Zach Hodges had some tightness and stiffness in his upper body, so he didn't do the bench. Uh, had a little bit of a shoulder, but he did the. Um, funny because some teams apparently taking him all the way off their board. Uh, apparently, you know, despite like he's a Harvard kid, people say he's an interview. Well, not the interview. Apparently, he interviewed. He had a strong personality. I guess is what I'm saying. And he wasn't one of those yes sir, no sir, what did you say sir kind of kids. Is what I think you understand. And so not everybody likes that. He's really very assertive, tough-minded guy. And you think the question isn't very smart to say that? I don't think that's a very intelligent question. And uh, like I said, people apparently don't like that. So. Supposedly, some teams have taken Hodges all the way off their board. That that's that sounds like to me that he's that person that's book and math smart, but if you drop him in the middle of a bad city block, he'll probably crap his pants because he's not street smart. And that's not well, a guy that you want fighting for your life on Sunday on a football field. Well, we'll that's, see. I mean, that's kind of what mostly. I think mostly what I'm hearing is he doesn't suffer fools gladly. Uh huh. <laughs> He's, he's very prideful. He's, I think he's actually a very tough guy. So tough that he might get himself in trouble because he's not. There's a certain kind of act you have to put on in a job interview, whether it be for an NFL job or a job at Home Depot. And when you walk in there with, uh, you know, I mean, he's a Harvard guy. He's a guy that has worked hard at, on and off the football field to get where he is, both academically and athletically. And if, when people sort of float these goats, I, mean, I don't know how much you know about this. I mean, you probably know this. I mean, sometimes they ask questions that are just there to sort of poke at you. I mean, they aren't football questions. They aren't, 
even really personality questions. They're sort of can I get a ride? Yeah, yeah, the they're like they're like personality questions. I mean, yeah. I guess to some extent. Yeah, yeah I guess to some extent. And his so when was the first time is, you did drugs, Bill? <laughs> right, those kind of questions. When did you lose your virginity? Was it when you were 16, or were you one of those 19-year-old guys? Yeah, exactly. One of the one of those trap questions where you know either one or the other, you know. So when did you try weed for the first time? <laughs> you know, not if you did or whether you did. It's okay. So it was high school. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he will say, I don't think that's. I mean, there's no other job in America where they can ask you these questions on your job interview. Quite frankly. No. So you're saying that when he when he heard that question, he basically was saying, uh, "I think that's an inappropriate question to ask." Right. So he said things like that. He's a, and that's not professional. A, right. And he's he's not wrong, but people don't like it. So there seems it's supposed to be taking them all the way up their board. Um, yeah, and it's a shame because in a normal job interview, um, you can't ask this question. You just said it. Like no, it's, uh, it was, it, it's illegal. Was, like you yeah. you know, in terms of uh, equal opportunity, it's it's illegal to ask those types of questions. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Even so, even even in baseball, you can't ask. I mean, uh, compared to other major sports, basketball is kind of similar to football. They don't ask that many questions. They only ask you like a few questions. But baseball, yeah, basketball's pretty questions. liberal. Basketball's been really liberal with their rules, it, and yeah, it can be. But, some of those, well, some with of their personalities and lifestyles. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Some some of the European players have to answer those type of questions more so mm-hmm. than Americans, just because mm-hmm. it's the international thing. It's a little mm-hmm. different, but yeah. Baseball, you can't, though. You cannot ask people stuff like that. <laughs> right. Right. They treat it more like, you know, a job. Um, mm-hmm. Who else? Oh, not really a small school, but people sort of ignore the Mac. So I guess I can almost throw them in there. Casey Pierce had a very good day. Another H-backish. Tight end kind of guy, six three and a half, That's, 44. It's so underrated. Like I, I'm in love with him. He's and a really like, good player. The Smith Round area, I'm totally in love with that guy. Totally in love with that guy. Man crush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is good, this is a good year if you want undersized tight ends, quite frankly. If you're in the smallest tight ends, this is a really good year. If you like full-size tight ends, this is a really bad year. But if you like small mm-hmm. tight ends, this is a really good year. I'm still in love. I'm still in love with Gator Hoskins. I'm still in love with Gator oh, Hoskins. He's like, oh, he's, oh, he's Chuck, Hoskins. Chuck, I'm gonna now. That's it. I'm gonna hug you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my guys. That's really one of my. Oh, okay. Well, move on. Uh, Casey Pierce had a really good day. He did a thirty-six and a half inch vertical. He had a nine-ten broad, nineteen bench, uh, bench rep, short show of four four two two. He had a three cone, depending upon who you ask, between about six eight three and six eight seven. So to put that in comparison or in whatever, that would put him up there with Blake Bell, of all people, who led all the tight ends with the comp sign in the uh, in the three cone. And he was timed between four six nine and four seven four by most of the people who had him on the on the forty. Um, Rich Angulo, the Ravens tight end coach, was the person that worked him out and talked to him quite a bit. The Eagles also have decided to bring him up for a private workout. Uh, I, Montana, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but how do you guys feel about Blake Bell? I, I, it's, I don't see football instinct. I see a giant athlete. I see like, I see a beast of a kid, but I don't see instincts. I see an athlete. I don't see instincts. Kind of like Montgomery from Stanford. 
an athlete playing yeah. wide receiver. I wide just, receiver. I, well, yeah, I mean, he was a quarterback just a year ago. So, so absolutely, you know, right. like, there's going to be some awful moments. Here's my question. He still doesn't look at it. He still doesn't look at it. And guess what, Chuck? I think he needs a fourth position. I think if he can put on 35 pounds and be a left tackle, he has an NFL career that might go 10 seasons. 10 seasons. If he's asked to be a blocking tight end, or I mean, he doesn't run routes very well. Even though he's a good athlete, um, he's got decent hands. Um, he's a he's a surprisingly good blocker. I will say that for a guy who, like you pointed out, was a quarterback not very long ago. But he doesn't do any one thing so well that you're like, oh, I got to have that. Um, I think the most production he had when he was lined up in the backfield, because you knew he yeah. was going to get touches. I think that was right. the most. He actually looked like a, he played like a football player instead of an athlete playing football. Right, but you can't. I mean, there's no play. You don't have a. It's not in college. You can have 120 dudes suited up if you want to. There's, you can't do that at the NFL. You can't have a guy that that's his role. So he's got to do more than that to stay on an NFL roster. And like I said, to me, if you can get this guy to be a 304-pound guy with, you know, the kind of athletic ability or close to the athletic ability he shows now, he might become well, a guy. He's got to get stronger, though. I mean, if well, you're... If you're saying, I mean, I understand, you know, he, he could definitely gain weight, but is he going to be, because as a tight end, he definitely, you know, he had a good, I mean, you know, he, he had a good short shell free cone for a guy, for a tight end, but, you know, the vertical was kind of eh, and speed was kind of right. eh, yep. you know. Yep. So, why I, 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 I if he can get bigger, like I said, I think, I mean, because unless you have to try to make it to a five technique on defense, I mean, but if he has to get 50 back. pounds, I mean, he's 252 pounds right now. But if he's going to, I mean, be a tackle, I mean, to be a guard, he'd have to put 50 pounds on. For tackles, you know, you want a little bit more than 300, usually. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, you want like 315, you know, 320 is a really right. good size tackle. But um, I don't know. He's no Lane Johnson, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. He's no lanes out yet. The, old, the classic quarterback to left tackle conversion that we see out of the Oklahoma camp. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we don't know what he is, quite frankly. I mean, he, no. he, he doesn't show enough at tight end that you're saying, oh, man, at least to me, you're saying, oh, man, this but, guy's going to be really good. But in this draft class. In this draft class. <laughs> exactly. That's the issue. I mean, I've heard him as a fourth-rounder, top 100 guy, and, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because I want football in the NFL. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe it's because I like good football players in my top 100, and I don't just put people in there because of position, but I just – it's not that he's a bad football player. It's just I could think of all these other positions with players who I think could but actually – But he's not, a, he's not a really good football player. Becoming he's a successful player. Right. I mean, he may not be bad, but he's not good. But moving on, Montana. Um, Montana, of course, Zach Wegeman is probably the most well-known guy. I wish our guy, Josh Zimmer, who's played uh, against him, where we're here. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
My buddy uh, Josh was at the the pro day over in Montana. Yeah. Told me all about how Wags is back. Tell, yeah. tell, tell him to bring him, bring him, bring his behind on because I wish you were here. But uh, <laughs> he obviously knows him quite well. He mm-hmm. did linebacker and D line drills. Uh, didn't run again, but he had very good positional workouts. Met with the uh, Chargers and San Francisco. Um, also, by Tutonga Sky had a, a really good day at the office as well. Um, probably a priority on veteran agent, uh, Trevon Van, a guy who's playing with a special teamer uh, as a punt returner. Van had a very good pro day. Very yeah, three, good pro day. 33 mm-hmm. in Burt, uh 16 mm-hmm. reps on the bench, 6783 cone, 408 short shuttle. Time between and, and they ran in the four fours. Yeah, four four eight to four five five, depending on who you talk to. Um, mm-hmm. Well, again, he's more quick than I mean, he's fast, but he's more quick than fast. He did just fine. Sure. Um, a Austrian punter by the name of Reeves Felton, who is from Carroll College, a uh, NAIA school in Montana, got him, got a chance to go there and was originally going to Iowa State on a scholarship. Then he had visa problems. He's Australian. He missed the landing up Carroll. He averaged 40.7 yards per punt last season. He had three punts of over 50 yards and a long of 70 yards. Big guy, 6'3", 233 pounds, and he just basically put on a, a show. Uh, like some of the Australian rules guys or Austrian guys who came from footy, as they call it in Australia, he has the ability to punt on the run, to punt, you know, sort of stationary, and to place the ball pretty much wherever he wants to. He can put a forward and backward spin on the ball, which is, I mean, I don't know how guys do it, but whatever. I guess like guys are really good at pool. Um, he can basically make a ball sort of go to the side, back up, roll forward, and he's going to be a guy that will be signed after the draft pretty quickly. Um, Takai weighed in at 305, did 27 reps on the bench, and ran the low five um, range, and was basically like a poor man's Stephen Paya for those who are looking for it comparison for him. Uh, let's see. Who are other guys worthy of mention who haven't had enough mention? Uh, let's see. Um, then uh, Chris Bonner had one of his pro days already. Oh, right. Right, 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 right. So he's working out also at, um, was he at CSU's pro day? No, it was uh, Colorado. His, right, Colorado's pro day. That's what it was, right. He, and San Diego State uh, next State. week. Right, that's right, that's right. Well, first of all, he's, for those who aren't aware, he's very, very tall. He's he's uh, he's probably the tallest quarterback in this entire draft class. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's great. And, I mean, I'm not, not to plug my own interview or anything, but, I mean, if you read that or if you just followed Ben Albright, I mean, He's a yep. really good kid. He, he's, he's, yep. he's, I don't know how, he's literally a kid that just got missed on. It's not like he was bad right. in, in high school or bad at Grossmont JC when he was there in San Diego. He just got missed on. I don't know how, but all his stats are always good. And he it happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> you know, so it just happens. Um, but, hey, you know, he ended up at Pueblo, and he made the best of it. Now, you know, yeah, he's the biggest guy. In this class, he's probably got one of the strongest arms, if not the strongest. So, um, it's in the yeah. top two or three at the lowest, yeah. He's yeah, three. yeah, I mean. Right. He and and, and, um, and Bryce and Jameis probably are. Yep. 
exactly. Yeah, yeah Petty, yeah. Jameis, and he are in that race together for the for the strongest arms this class. Um, Did you – Brandon Bridge? Brandon yeah, Bridge. Yeah, Brandon Bridge. Yes, yeah. like right, but he, he's got. But see, he's so wild. He, he's 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 the Rick Rick Vaughn basically of of quarterbacks this year. He's gonna yeah. fire, but no idea where it's going. No idea where it's going. He's wild thing, man. He really is. <laughs> yeah, Chris is more. Yeah, refined, <laughs> better. Yeah, better. Well, folk, yeah. better technician. Yeah, whatever. Every better technique. Really. Better <laughs> idea of what to do and how to do it, yes, on all levels. Um, at Gardner-Webb, another school that always has these one or two guys every year, um, even though they, they test it outside in sort of windy, rainy, slippery conditions, uh, Penny Cook ran a 4 by 4 even though he was running in some tough conditions, and some people had to be a little bit faster than that. He measured in at uh, 6 feet and 3 eight, 208 pounds, a 32-inch vertical, a broad of 10 feet, and he's got long arms, 34-and-a-half-inch arms, and he's got 10 and 3 eighths inch hands. So he's got very large hands. And uh, he's a guy that, once again, will contribute on special teams and a guy that could become a sort of position-type guy down the road. Uh, Marcus Hardison, unfortunately, was hurt, so he was invited to the combine. was able to work out at the Pro Day Arizona State, measuring at 16 and a quarter. Uh, 305 pounds, had a 4.92 and a 49, 4.92 to 4.95 in his 40s. Some people said they had him in the high 4.8, so most people had him in the, in the, in the low 4.9. He had a 117-yard split. His short shuttle was a 4.68 and he had a 7.293 cone, and everyone seemed to agree that he looked very good. He seemed to be trim in terms of his just you know, body type. He didn't seem to have a lot of extra weight, you know, stuff that you don't want to carry, and he moved very, very well. So that's a guy that, you know, I think his name will be called somewhere probably right in that sort of middle, meaty part of the, the draft itself, and I can see him having a nice long career. I don't know if there are any, are there any Harrison fans with us. Marcus Harrison, yeah, I like Marcus Harrison. Yeah. Arizona State. That whole pro day was good. Arizona State. Yeah. I like, yeah. I like, I like uh, Demar- Demarius Randall. I've been on forever. Like two years, right. and he's finally catching some right. steam, which I love. But yeah, I just can't give him love now. Yeah, yeah, he's in some love. He's good. He's a solid guy. I mean, um, but yeah, all those guys are pretty solid. I mean, always Jalen Star, but yeah, Marcus Harrison's great. Um, guy, I don't know. He's weird. Like I, I don't have a round on him yet. I'm not. I haven't touched on my defensive players quite yet. I touched on him. I haven't finished. But I don't. Where Where would you guys put? Where do you guys think he'll fall? You know, not where you think he is. Where do you think he'll fall? Like fifth round? That's what I'm thinking. Fifth, sixth. Yeah, I mean, I think he might even go as early as late fourth, but I'll I'll open it up. Where do people think he goes? Um, I mean, he could go anywhere, you know, from fourth round or less or lower. Yeah, I'd say fourth. You know, if if, if there's a spread, I'd bet fourth. Is, is the question Hardison? Is that, is that the question? Yeah, we're talking about Marcus Hardison. Yeah, I have um, the Dallas at the bottom of the third. Oh, that's pretty Yeah, high. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, like I said, that's, to me that seems like the ceiling for him, and the floor feels like about a round to a round and a half later would be like, to me, be the floor for him. 
And uh, pardon my interruption, guys. Um, I'm going to step off here and uh, feed my fat body, and I'm starving here. Um, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure speaking with all of you, and I would love to do this again. It was a lot of fun. I, I really, really enjoyed it. All right, then, um, until next time, gentlemen, you have a good weekend, and uh, ha happy scouting, and happy okay. happy analyzing. Oh, oh, Chuck, Chuck, before you run, tell people where you can find and follow your work, sir. Uh, nowhere. I don't put it out. Oh. <laughs> I do not put well, it that, out. That keeps it simple. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm trying to – I'm already working for – I'm already interning for an IFL team, Billings, and I have an interview next week, so I'm trying not to put my word out. <laughs> I'm not the NDT scouting kid, uh, Kyle, what's his name? I don't put my stuff out there like that. That's just me. Gotcha. I got so, you. So, I mean, I'm trying to get a job in the industry, so I try not to put my stuff out there. I it's, just, it's just me. Well, then, if people just would like to find you out there on Twitter, how would they do so? Uh, Chuck Stuller, Jr., and you can probably find me via your page as well. Perfect. Okay. I like it. Man of mystery. Chuck Stiller, baby. Ladies, uh, gentlemen, all those. Uh, are you single? Since they're saying ladies, are there, are there, are there, is there a chance there might be a, a young woman <laughs> if, you were, if you love no. guys who love Sorry, ladies? guys. No chance. He's not single. <laughs> there oh. you go. Oh, oh, man. Man, what? That might have been the best thing ever to happen on the show. <laughs> That is the best thing that's ever happened. Guest appearances. The greatest of all time. You can't watch. That's the greatest of all time. Chuck's going to work for Chip. He's a Chip Kelly guy, man. I can already tell. He's going to work for Chip. Uh, if, if Bradford's the quarterback, I'm not working for Chip. <laughs> you get smooth, smoothies, though. You get smoothies. Oh, man. It's draft cuffing season, ladies and gentlemen. Apparently, oh, we just had our first, official, our first draft official scout cuffing right here on the show. God, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. I will. I. This is why I do what I do, ladies and gentlemen. For moments like that, <laughs> you can't buy that. You can't deal that. That has to happen organically. That, that, that was like hard, HBO Hard Knocks live, real drama. You, you can't buy that type of stuff. You really no. can't. Oh, you, you have a, <laughs> both of you have a standing invitation to return any time. <laughs> uh, oh, beautiful work. Oh, I love this stuff. <laughs> so, Bad news, ladies. Um, if you love me and who loves tape, you'll stick one of the other guys on the show, I guess is what I'm saying. You have to choose from another one of our available gentlemen. Uh, Mattel, are you available? Uh-oh. Oh, uh, I'm out there. You know, I'm playing the field, Bill. You know, bachelor, uh, you know. Can you guys single, uh, my list? Yeah, I, I, I know a couple ladies, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not official, though, you know, so... <laughs> You know, anytime. I'm, I'm, I'm out here. I'm out here. I'm got it. It's a Hardy party. It's about the Hardy party, for real. Yeah, it's all about the party, man. <laughs> okay. Man. I love it. Oh, I, oh I, man. I, it, took, it took me a moment to recover from that. Just so, oh, that was good stuff. Oh. Man, my, my, my girls I talked to won't even let me go to Georgia Tech's Pro Days. 
But uh, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> nothing to see here. Nothing to see here, like you say. <laughs> nothing to see. Literally, well, see, nothing. Robin, you need you need to find yourself ladies that love tape. You know, ladies who love men who love tape is what you need to find. Hmm. Well, you know what? I got I, I, my other this is for a brilliantly evil date that people a brilliantly effective dating service idea. Now I have. <laughs> I probably have a multi-million dollar idea. <laughs> oh. Good. Because oh, Tinder, Tinder's not getting it done. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, dra- dra- draft it. Harmony, founded by Bill Carroll. Yeah, exactly. dra- draft <laughs> Harmony. <laughs> we, ask, we, ask, we ask questions that get to the heart of the right kind of lady for the man who loves tape. Like, for instance, when you are trying to figure out if a guy is more of a man or cover corner, ladies, <laughs> what kind of things do you look for in a guy's short shuttle? Right. <laughs> you you got it, man. You know me, Bill, so you can you, you can put what I like. Oh, okay. I, could you like find you, you, I could fix you up. Look, look, this is a, like this cocaine is usage? Oh, oh, man. Oh, oh, oh. It was one guy. It was one time, you know. It was it was Colier. That's it. Jim is like on this flight. I don't know. This is taking a left turn. This show um, is taking two left turns at this point. Uh, let's see if I can wrap this shit. Oh, oh, man. man. Yeah, my show has run briefly off the rails. Let me see if I can get this back on track. Well, Louisville so, Pro Day. Yes, let's talk Louisville Pro Day. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that happened. A lot, people, a lot of people are really excited about uh, Devontae Parker. And there's a small but vocal Devontae Parker as number one wide receiver movement. It has not gained a lot of speed, but it exists. It's like the Jordan uh, Matthews movement last year, kind of. Like the Jordan Matthews movement last year. It's like a hipster, hipster movement, you know? That's actually a really good example of it, if you think about it. Uh, it's very similar in the way the movement has formed, it, begun. And, and I don't mean to call it microscopic. It's just that, you know, Matthews is a guy who did a lot of really good little things. Parker's a guy who kind of does a lot of yeah. interesting little things. Yeah. As well. They're about the same size. They're about same size. the same speed. It's <laughs> actually a very interesting. I wonder if the same people on draft Twitter who loved one love both. I wonder if they're the same people. I have to go back and check. It's, I don't know that. I don't know because, uh, you know, Jeff, last draft, obviously, he was a huge Odell Beckham Jr. fan. Uh, this draft class, Devontae Parker is his top wide receiver. So it's kind of. I don't know, I, and I, I, it just depends. Like, <laughs> just depends. But yeah, he's he's. Uh, it's not as obvious. Like last, like all the Mike Evans fans obviously were really big into punches and stuff. You know, uh, <laughs> right? Obviously, yeah. you know, like Josh Norris. You know, another story over here. You know, Dorian Beckham and stuff like that. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Parker does a lot of interesting little things and stuff like that. Did get it? I didn't hear anything about the short show, the three count. It wasn't reported. I really want to know that <laughs> because. Yep. I just want to. I just kind of want to make sure that, you know, he has a quick that he showed on tape, stuff like that. But overall, I mean, he's definitely going to be a really decent wide receiver at the next level. I just – upside 
hate to be the upside guy, but he's just uh, like Matthews. There was a lot of questions about um, can he win every situation? Right. Yeah. Well, people people were all very worried about Matthews' speed, and he ran four four six. They were like, well, but he's not really four four six. That's not his real speed. That's not his playing speed. And you know, I mean, I understand what people mean by that. There was even, I guess, some truth to it. You don't see him pulling away from a lot of people. Right. Well, he had issues with separation. And that was the big man separation, really. Uh, Whenever he had to cover a guy man-on-man, even at the senior bowl, man, he he had issues getting off people. So um, if it was a zone situation or if it was, you know, a situation where he had a little bit of space with a guy, he could could get open that way. It's just that if he had a guy man-on-man, you know, it, it yeah, wasn't you don't, in, you don't well. feel good about him being able to get away from, you know, like a, a throw Ravens like really, or, yeah, yeah, like, or, or even Janoris Jenkins. I mean, anybody who's yeah. really got quick hips and feet, you feel a little queasy almost about the idea of him being able to right. lose them. Uh, exactly. You worry about that. Yeah, but Parker, he tested, I mean, as a, as a, from the, from what he's done, he tested okay the type of wide receiver that he could ultimately become. Um, it's just a matter of the church of the three cone to determine if he's, you know, if he's more, I hate to say Jerry Rice, but I actually got Jerry Rice's numbers and stuff. So I'm not going to tell you guys what they are, but I actually got them. <laughs> they were a lot better. But just to make a comparison or not, because I remember a lot of people compared Blackie Parker to Jerry Rice, and I'm not concerned with Jerry Rice at all, because Jerry Rice is a freaking beast. But yes. they're similar in a lot of things, you know, from a wide receiver standpoint. So I'm not, like, saying that's the comparison. You know, people brought up Braylon Edwards, uh, you know, people like that. That's the type of wide receiver, athletically speaking, that Parker could potentially be if he has a good three-count short show. But I haven't heard anything, so I don't know if he does or not. Yeah. Bill, can I can I hop in and ask you and James a question for us? I guess myself. Please do. It's just just about just about uh Dyer. Like, what do you think about him getting held out of the per day? And what do you think he'll test wise? I guess that's more for James. Like, what numbers do you have on him? Um, or and then oh. like, what do you think? Of, what do you? He's still he's going to a pro day. Just he got held out of that one. He's going to the Arkansas State, I believe, or Ar- Arkansas, one of those two. Somewhere in Arkansas. <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think it's a, kind of a bad move on uh, Coach uh, Petrino's part to hold him well, out. But what do you guys think about it? Well, Dyer went to the Combine, right? He was at the Combine? I, I believe he was. Um, yeah, yeah, he was. He was. And he, yeah. he, you know, he ran four five eight thirty four 34, 10 broad, which is a decent numbers um, for his size. Um most of the running backs just kind of sit in the rough four four anyways. I mean, the only guy who did was Trey Williams. And other than a few splash plays here and there, he didn't really do much particularly this. But uh, I think he's going to testify. He just has a short shuttle the three cone. So, All right. Which, well, and then the short guess... shuttle in the three cone really, it, it, like, you know, again, you don't have to have a really good short shuttle in the three cone if you're really powerful and really fast. But it's nice to have it. It's almost. It's not overrated. It's not overrated. I I don't want to say it's overrated, but 
it's just kind of like the 40 in that people have gotten away from the 40 and hate the 40. So they latch onto the three cone is like the end all be all. The most important metric is really all the numbers matter, but you know, it's just with him. I mean, he tested decently as an athlete and stuff like that. Uh, my question is, is, is he going to be a committee back or is he just going to be uh you know, can he be a starting back or is he just going to be a committee back? My right. only question. Yeah. Can he be 2010 Auburn or is he going to be now dire basically <laughs> is what you're yeah. asking. Um, yeah, I guess for, I guess for Bill and Montel is like, I guess you can take it back on that too. And then what? It, especially for Bill because he, you know, just, he knows coaching really well. Like, what do you think about Petrina holding him out of the uh, per day? Because it literally like he did it that day. Like that's why I think it's bad. Like he could have told the guy like before, you know, like why did you change your mind the last minute? <laughs> yeah, that that part stinks. Even if you support the idea of him pulling him out or holding him out. The, the, the fact that apparently nobody knew that was going to happen stinks. It's unprofessional. Period. Sabbath show, totally, you know. Totally agree. It's to basically go, hey, I'm Petrino. I'm doing this to you. You know. Yeah, right. Macho, macho business, as I like to call it. <laughs> Basically, man, I just don't see why. I don't know. I mean, I know yeah. why. It was because of his grades. You know, he was academically ineligible uh, for that Georgia game. Um, yep. You know, that's why. With the reasoning behind it's okay. It's kind of like the, the Deontay Sanders. But, you know, I get, I'm sure they told Deontay before, not the day of, when you're showing up every day <laughs> ready to run and do all these drills. Oh, yeah, you, I don't really want you to do these things, you know. You can be here. That's it. He, he measured. I mean, we know Michael Dyer is 24 years old. We know how tall, how big he is. You know what I mean? Like he's been there. He's been at like four schools, so it's not like we're surprised that he's still five nine. You know, <laughs> two twelve or whatever. Well, five foot eight actually, but five eight, yeah, five eight. Yeah. But I don't know. I agree with you though. Both of you guys on his numbers. I didn't know his numbers. That's why I wanted to ask James that, and then I, oh. just to, maybe I, I thought I was. I was tripping or something. Something's wrong with me, but I guess it's just nobody really likes Petrino that <laughs> as a person. As a person, he's he's got a certain what is it? Uh, he has a particular set of skills. He's very good at maximizing certain guys' talent. One of those guys was Brian Brom, who was the guy that was he was throwing passes at the pro day. Yeah, uh, it was good. He's he, he's always looked good in those situations. He's got a really good arm, <laughs> yeah. smart guy. Could he be a backup quarterback in the NFL till he's forty? Yes, he could actually. And what, you know, wasn't there that whole family dynamic though with Brom? I don't know. I he comes from quarterback and family. Jeff Brom, yes, right. Yeah, yeah. They're, all really, they're all really. They're all weird. They're all yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm very aware of the, the various Broms. I watched all of them play. And like I said, he's a guy who's capable of being an NFL backup for, you know, 12, 15 years. I mean, he could play as an NFL backup for a long, long time. He can learn teams quickly. He's a guy who's been breaking down, you know, one kind of guy who's been breaking down tape since he was nine probably. You know, his father is a very well-known coach and a 
you know, I don't want to say legend. Well, legend, maybe I don't know. Whether he's going to use it in legend or not, but a very well-known, well-established football mind and presence in the state of Kentucky. And uh, Yeah, I, w- I would say he's a legend <laughs> for high school yeah, football. I think, yeah, I think the term legend might not be too big. So you, I try to be careful about putting on terms like legend, but he's a Kentucky high school yeah. football legend. Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably could be said. Yeah, man. Yeah, there was, I his, his sister was like a. When did she was like she didn't she she I think she was a college she had two scholarships for like volleyball and softball so their whole family yep. is just very <laughs> big family yeah All they have it but not it if you know what I mean you know like <laughs> they don't they never made it really but they they're all doing sports stuff you know football stuff they're all doing coaching. sports stuff exactly so yeah. it all depends on how what you consider success but they've all managed to have. Yeah, careers sport. in sports, yeah. and they'll always have careers in sports as long as they want to have them because they're Brahms. In the state of Kentucky, that name is still magic. Yeah, and Jeff looking like a you know one of those young hot coaches coming up at West Kentucky too. So he might be a head coach at a, at Kentucky if uh, they don't win enough games this year. Might move up. <laughs> you know, if, uh, if the other if the other stoops. Since that's another family like that. <laughs> the other students can't get it done. No, but yeah, I mean, it's just, Brahms. Uh, I think he's on Winnipeg right now for yep. CFL. So yeah, that is correct. I try to keep up with CFL. It's like a new thing I'm trying to do. Well, Start watching it. Two years ago. <laughs> well, first of all, the CFL and I have the advantage, of course. Usually, the ESPN didn't didn't have NFL football, but they used to have a lot of CFL football. And so if you're watching football on ESPN, you're watching CFL football or college. And so this was fun stuff. So I got to see Warren Moon and Flutie and, you know, uh, Doug Battershill. I remember the little, little linebacker from McGill University, who I think is now in the CFL Hall of Fame. And I throw the ball all the time, basically. If you like watching people throw the ball virtually every down. The CFL is all about that. I got recently I saw your boy or our boy, my boy, I guess maybe my boy, somebody's boy, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell playing last year's Grey Cup. That's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> my my guy was the guy he played against, Zach Kalaris. Excuse me, Zach Kalaris. Yep. All right. so that was my boy then, actually, but yeah. I did. I got to watch him. Yeah. And uh, the only other thing at the Louisville party was uh, apparently Gerard Holloman uh, yep. didn't do so well. Mm, um, he's, not, he's not a super athlete. But, you know, yeah. If we didn't already know that, we, we now know that. Oh. oh well. he's, not Ed, he's not Ed Reed? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> he, is, uh, he is not Ed Reed. Some of the birdies told me on Twitter that he was uh, Ed Reed. Just saying, the middle of the season. Oh, no. I know no. what birdie you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I know. And we no, there, there's a couple. It not, it's, it's not just that one. It's, just, it's, a, it's a couple. I guess they saw that tweet. But, yeah. yeah. A couple. If you Ed, Google Ed Gerard Holloman, uh, like if you Google Gerard Holloman, the first picture that comes up is Ed Reed. So. Yep. <laughs> it is. Sure he's not Ed Reed? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know they, if both, he is or not. they both got goatees too, so I don't know. It might be him. 
Can't tackle though. That's the only thing. Can't tackle. Oh. Although no. I heard there was like a shoulder thing or something. I don't know. Supposedly. Yeah. I heard that too. Supposedly but there was a shoulder. I, th- I think he was playing the, uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to get hurt. You know, thing like I think it was a shoulder, but you, you, and there's guys that play through stuff like that. You know, go tackle your safety. <laughs> go your defender. Go tackle somebody. You know, um, I love his ball hogging skills. Like, yeah, but I mean, he's Trey Boston pretty much. Bigger. Yep. Yeah, but better than he's... Trey Boston though. I mean, he's better he's than like, Trey Boston. He's a better Trey Boston. Trey Boston but he's not. He's closer to Trey Boston. Interceptions. Like, like Trey Boss would see interceptions happening and then not act upon it. That's one of my biggest right. issues with Trey Boss. He's like – Kurt Holloman, he saw he's closer, he this, does it. He's closer to Trey Boss than Ed Reed, right? So, I mean – Yeah. You know, Although, I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have Ed Reed's testing numbers. That's the only thing. I wish I did, but, yeah. Um, I have Ed Reed's numbers. He ran a 4-5-1 and a 4-5-3 in the 240s. He had a 35-inch vert. I don't know if I have his broad or his pre-cone, but um, he did 17 reps on the bench. That may be all I have on him. I may have to double-double check. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I do have plus, I do that have was back when um, – the only thing I was going to do is I actually did a talk to Mark Chart or some other guy to try to uh, – Get some, dig up some Miami Pro Day info. There's a lot of good, really good players that came out of Miami during that time period. You know what I mean, Bill? Yeah. You know, guys like Reggie uh, Wayne and, you know, other sort of guys as well, you know? Like Ed Reed. Yep, some guys. You know, Andre Johnson wasn't too bad. Uh, yep. Frank no, Lewis, the Colts, you know. which is not fair, but. Hey, you know, that offensive line kind of even stuff out. <laughs> Lewis McGahee, um, Shockey, and yeah, those were, yeah, those were running tight ends, actually, because mm-hmm. they, had, they had a period there where every tight end that started, and some of you in their second string, like Dead for Gaps, would get drafted. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like they they were some of no, the first yeah. tight ends would get drafted. <laughs> well, yeah, they had. Um, I mean, they had Chucky. They had well, Greg Olson was later, um, but then they also had um, Winslow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Blake Ailes got drafted in the seventh round, right? Or I think he was drafted free agent or something like that. But he was at Miami. Yeah, that's later, yeah. but I mean, he was you know he's at SC and then he went to Miami. Like I said, Dedrick Epps, man. Their second string tight end got drafted. Dedrick Epps got drafted. <laughs> like, well, isn't it like the whole Stanford thing, you know, or Notre Dame thing kind of, where, I don't know, it just seems like the NFL at times, whenever there's a well and they get their thirst quenched, they kind of go back to it over and over again. You know, just to hope that the school is what makes them good. I don't know. Like there's something in the water that yeah. that made all these Notre Dame tight ends kind of great, or I don't know. There hasn't been too many great Notre Dame tight ends, at least you know recently. There's been ones in the past, of course, but um, I don't know. But yeah, Louisville pro day, you know, and, 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 and Oklahoma had their pro day, and the two. I don't want to say they're overrated tackles, but they didn't have really great days. Um, 
Of course, Dory Green Beckham did his thing. Um, Oklahoma's was impressive to me uh, as well. That that was a that was a solid. That was one of the best Fridays so far. I think. Yeah, the tackle struggled for sure, but um, and then you know a lot of the guys were just out of the combine, so they didn't do a lot of those drills. But impressed by uh, obviously DGB and then, uh, Julian Wilson ran a better time. Still not as fast as I thought he was, but he ran better. So that was good to see. Um, right. Move. I guess he's a safety now. I don't. I mean, you can kind of put him wherever. He's just an athlete right now. Um, that happens to be in the mold of defensive back. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't really know what he is. But uh, he's fast, and he can jump high, and <laughs> he's 6'2". So, I mean, <laughs> he's going to be interesting. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I like uh, – what's the kid's name? Uh, the uh, – gosh, I cannot think of his name. Um, Thomas Thompson, is that the tackle? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tyrus yeah, I think yeah. He, he, yeah, he had a bad day. I, I was starting to like him, and then he had that pro day. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not basing everything on pro days, but I didn't like him to begin with, but I just started kind of warming up to him because a few guys told me to watch his tape, and I'm just not sold on him, either of them, really. I mean, the other, more of a other guard. Guys, I mean, it's more of a guard. Both of those, I mean, no offense to them, but they all kind of come off more guard prospects because um, they're a little yeah. lower – um, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. And plus, I yeah. mean, if you saw Big Beasley go up against Tyrus Thompson, you would not want Tyrus Thompson playing left tackle ever in, in your life. If no, you know, what you saw, which I mean, Big Beasley is going to be a kind of a common occurrence. You know, so, you know. so yeah, yeah. Um, it's just I don't know. It's, it's just, yeah, their fullback had a really good day. Aaron Ripowski, perfect name, right yeah. for a big. Big little, full, you know, I gotta give the fullback some love, man. <laughs> he had a really good day, actually. Um, you know, he's finally healthy, um, and you know, he's undersized guy. I mean, he's a tight end. He's a pure old school type of tight end. I, I hope he'll find a place in the league somewhere. Only a few teams are gonna actually, I guess, give him legit look since he's a throwback. He's not an age back type of guy. He's just a pure fullback. So, be interesting to see what he can do. And they, he, you know, Blake Bell kind of messed with them just because. If Blake wasn't playing tight end, he would they could have used him more as that age back role, but they already had Tyler McNamara and then they moved Blake to tight end and kinda of messed him up. But he did a good job at the pro day. Right. That's mm. true. Um Dominique Brown uh was timed in the mid up of four fives. Um so it's uh you know, obviously those who like him will continue to like him. Um, Eli Rogers had a good day at the office. Uh, of course, um, Gaines and Parker did not run again. They stood on their all their combine numbers. Yeah. That. I'm telling you about it. He didn't do anything. He just did right. position drills. Um, right. They did. It makes me a little salty. It's like, what are you hiding, Parker? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be that guy, but I'm just, what are you hiding? But uh, did the, I didn't hear anything about um, the guard and the tackle, um, you know, Miller and um, what was the other guy? Brown, yeah. Um, did they do any stuff at that party that you heard or no? Well, they did work out. Let me see if I've got numbers or anything. Um, numbers are always somewhat... <clears throat> 
question mark because you don't have no numbers are official for Pro Day. But, uh, there's nothing as official numbers for a Pro Day. It's usually just try to get a average or you know whatever a spread or whatever term you want to use from. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, you you I think Bill, you mentioned Jordan James, right, from UCLA. Yep, yep. He yeah, really he, that, yeah, I was gonna say uh, that whole pro day was good. Besides <laughs> the one guy, like of course, Ellis McCarthy. He, I don't know. He's he's. I said last week he's gonna fall. Like it's, he's falling. He's it's done. Like he, it, it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good, man. Um. I mean, he just sit on his combine numbers. It's not as bad. It's just the interviews went bad. What I heard, like he was kind of like Zach Hodges in a way, but like not Harvard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he didn't have that excuse. He's just like he's really. I, I don't think he's a bad kid, but like you guys said, um, I think Montel said you have to kind of put on any interview, Home Depot or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, NFL, you gotta fake it. You gotta fake You got Ellis yeah. McCarthy's a straight up type of cat, man. He's just like they're wide in his practice. I overslept. My alarm didn't go off. I don't know. <laughs> Like, my iPhone was dead. He's just that type of guy. He's going to answer like that. That's how he is. And he, you can't tell teams that. I mean, and then you're just like, I don't know. He just, he, he's he's in shape, which was great. He, he's lost weight. Um, but he just doesn't look as athletic. Um, right, right. You know, as, as I guess initially people thought. Um, yeah. And, you know, now he's. Offensive line, possibly. He did some drills there. Yeah, which is I mean, weird, weird, but, you know, it, okay. Yeah, well, he played both in high school, which actually wasn't that long ago for him. Um, So it was like three years ago. But, uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if he's offensive lineman. I mean, I heard he'd be a top guard if he switched. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's really late to switch on. Yeah, I mean, you can't just It's a little beat. late. And yeah, who would that be meaner? He doesn't have a. He needs to develop a mean streak. You know, like I don't see. Depends on the tape. Depends on the tape. Colorado tape. He had a mean streak. You know, it comes and goes. It comes. It comes and goes. He's the type of guy that he didn't do a lot of stuff. You have to piss him off for him to get mad. He doesn't just have that mean streak. You have to. I wonder what that Colorado center did to him. I wonder. I don't know what he did, but he looked. I know what game you're talking about. He looked like a top twenty pick to me in that game. Because there's some games he looks like a seventh round pick, and it's just like I looked at him. I'm just saying, you know, for everything I've heard about him on campus, it's just he's a, he's an interesting guy. But like I said, he's very uh, direct, probably too direct, probably too <laughs> just nonchalant with his answers, you know. Because that that's a true story. I'm not making the iPhone stuff up. I mean that they did ask him why he was practicing the iPhone. He's, you know, I mean, it happens. He's like, doesn't everybody's like, I mean, come on. It's like, everybody shows up late once in a while, right? Ah, you know, it's not funny to them, though. It's not like, this isn't, you know. And it's just surprising because Jim Moore is an NFL coach. Um, he has Noel Zoni, who has NFL Well, Taylor, he, right. was, he was an NFL coach. That's, that's the, right, right. He was, but he, he was. was. Much of his staff. Much of his staff either played or is coached in the NFL. There's a lot exactly. of NFL years on that staff. Exactly. They should be preparing you for I mean, there's only so much you can do. You can't be in an interview with the guys. Just, you know, Ellis is just too laid back. You know, there's too much. 
Oh, you can't be answering questions like that. But I just, so, I'm just, I don't know. He's, so, he's falling off is what I'm saying. So, so, so you're saying that when he's like, well, Alice, you know, we know you were out of shape during such and such, you know, that, you know, the year before you weighed, blah, blah, blah. He'd be like, damn, fish tacos are awesome. You know, is that what his answer would be? You know, Pretty much, yeah. Okay. He's like, I mean, yeah, because he was like 21 pounds overweight uh, like two yeah. years ago, and then he lost yeah. it all, and it's just, you know, he's 20 years old, you know, so he's young, he's 21, probably 21, but, uh, I mean, you can't, yeah, fish tacos, not a good answer. You know, you just got to. That's also know why he, he declared, because, I mean, that's, I don't know, he's another one of those guys where he declared, and I was just kind of like, what? Yeah, I was there. And you know, James, you know how much I like Ellis, but even I was like, man, really? Like, you could have came back. That defense is loaded, man, with Eddie Vander does and Miles Jack and the whole secondary. Oh, exactly. That Anthony Jefferson. He's the he's the comeback and then show me something guy. Yeah, you yeah. could have been that guy next year on that he defense. Could have been I mean, probably in the middle. He could have been a top twenty pick easily next year with a good year. Yeah. Yeah, for but sure. Can he and get a good year if his iPod loses power, Bill? That's the question. <laughs> <sighs> okay. No, well, I, I want to I like him. I want to like him. I mean, I do like him, but I just, he's falling off. He's all I'm um, Ohio State had some guys come back who were, um, you know, guys who were previous grads who, including some 2013 and some other guys, who uh, actually had good days at Ohio State's Pro Day. So some of the guys from the from previous teams, including Marcus Hall, who uh, briefly was a cult uh, in 2014, but he ran very well and showed caught the ball extremely well. Uh, Troy Smith, as as been reported widely, uh, was a guy throwing the ball. He made a lot of really good catches. Uh, Devin Smith and Evan Spencer had really good games. Smith didn't rerun, but Spencer did. It was tied in the four fours, had a 10-4 uh, broad jump, and a guy that probably has at least turned himself into a um, uh, probably an free agent type. Uh, Jeff Stewartman, uh, still coming off an angle that's not 100%, but supposedly ran a, uh, some pretty good times and, you know, wild I'm getting some sort of wildly different reports about what times he ran. But everyone seems to agree that he had a 10-foot draw jump. Uh, Daryl Baldwin uh, was a guy that ran a pretty good 40-time with the offensive lineman, fastest of the offensive lineman there at RFS Pro Day. Nine-foot broad, 30 reps at the bench. Um, let's see. I don't know who else had a good day there. Well, Michael Bennett. Oh, right, Michael Bennett, Steve Miller. He had a pretty good day. Yep. Uh, Curtis Grant, uh, linebacker, who has a meeting lined up with the Vikings, uh, had a 10-5 broad jump, which was probably the best of the day. Uh, Durant Grant stood on his uh, his, uh, his, uh, numbers from Indianapolis with the exception of the broad jump, where he improved. This I don't see very often. An 11-inch improvement uh, from 9-6 to 10-5. That's surprising. I've seen guys improve two, three, four, maybe even five inches. I can't remember the last time I saw a guy improve 11 inches. Well, he uh, must have not done it right, you know. That's considerable. <laughs> that's considerable. Yeah. I don't see 11-inch improvements 
so I don't know what that was about. But, uh, but yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, I know we've discussed Michael Bennett a little bit. Uh, I don't hear any more first-round talk, which I used to hear about him. Crazy. Uh, to think that. Um, he's, I mean, that's, pro, I don't know, I'm conflicted about him. Um, kind of because of the pro day, but also because of the tape. Uh, the pro day, he had a really good, uh, you know, really good vertical project. He's actually the eighth most powerful um, defensive tackle in the last uh, 15 years. Um, he's right below. He's right above Halote Nata and DJ oh. Raji. Um, yeah, yeah. And the people who are above him are guys like, you know, Albert Hainsworth and, you know, Chris Baker. But um, he's – I mean, the production's always been my only major issue with him is he – I mean, in terms of all the stuff that I do, you know, market share – solo tackles and stuff like that, and also solo tackles and stuff like that. He was not in a very – he was in a spot where I you could project him as a starting defensive tackle, you know, like a Red Bryant who just got cut, you know, or Jay Ratliff who had like a couple good years at the Cowboys, but not anything spectacular. Or even B.J. Raji who, you know, had a couple good years and then I don't know what happened. <laughs> but um, he's – like, that's the only worry is, like, you know, there's always a threshold with metrics. And the thing is, he actually did hit the really bad threshold. So, oh. um, like, like, like legitimately, like, I'm not, like, you know, going, oh, no, no. Like, legitimately, he hit a really bad threshold of production metrics. So, my main worry is just, I don't know. I Like, and he does flash a lot of stuff, um, which is, you know, I mean, you see it on tape. Uh, he's. If he ends up in the NFL, he's going to be sort of an under-tackle, you know, 4-3 under, possible nose-tackle type. Um, but I just don't – I just don't think he's ever going to be a really special player, you know. Um, but then again, a lot of the tackles in this class, I don't think they're going to be that. So um, it's tough to really project him, I guess, because I don't – obviously he has the athletic ability, and I would – that he might rise, even though people aren't talking about him. People don't realize how good of a pro day he actually has, because it's a pretty good pro day for him to do that. But I just don't know where he goes. Yeah. Ohio State's pro day went under the radar for them to be, you know, national champions in one of the <laughs> biggest schools. So, well, I mean, their best players are in college, though. So, I mean, Joey Bosa is probably right. going to go number one next year. Um, I mean, three quarters. Maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that. I don't know. I, I've heard Joey Bosa's uh, great. I was watching some early stuff, yeah. and there was, there was a few things where I was like, okay, all right, we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see baby Watt can, what he can do next year. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it, it did go on the radar, but I like Bennett. He's, 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 he's going to be probably a guy that can start for you, um, good rotation guy, but you don't want him just to be the anchor. You know what I mean? You don't want to do anything like that. Um, but I think if he, you know, gets on the team, uh, I think he'll go second round, maybe early third. There's some guys. There's there Southern Miss guys in one catch and scene, and they're really similar to me. Uh, Nunez, 
Oh, like yeah, say, everyone's sure. everyone's talking yeah. about him right now, but they're they're kind of similar. But he's yep. ca- he's the one Very catching similar. steam. Yeah, he's the one catching steam right now. I mean, his parade was great too. And I honestly, I I got to watch more of him. Southern Miss games didn't find him too much. Always on TV, but oh, uh, tape, the tape. Go, I, all right, if you go to Alabama versus Southern Miss on YouTube, yeah. you'll find a game. Um, I've seen watch. that. I've seen that one. Seen that one. Okay. Yeah, that's the only one I have seen though. So <laughs> I got a couple. Like I mean, I got I got about four Southern Miss games on my you know my DVR, but I don't um I don't have any way of sending them to you, Donovan. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if I can make a trip out to Fresno. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I am. I what what for those who are wondering? For those who are wondering, there's now a little. If you've got a USB out on your DVR, there is a little drive that you can buy nowadays. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. We can actually suck stuff off of your. Uh, we'll talk off air. But yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'll talk more off air about that. But, uh, yes, the, the thing about Southern Miss, and I, I have a couple of games of Southern Miss I just recently watched. Uh, I'm not saying they're being badly coached. I don't want to say that. But there's a, a lack of coherent philosophy on both sides of the ball, to me, at Southern Miss. Like, a, if you go back to the the old days, the Coach Bowers days when Brett Favre was there. They had a very coherent, they were like a fun, out there, try stuff team. They were a good and football team, you know. They were a good football team, and they were also like a <laughs> brave football team. Like they did stuff. Right, right. You know, they did some pretty, I mean, they beat Alabama. Uh, yep. Well, they actually you know, played, you know, lots, lots of SEC teams. Yes. You know, I mean, they still play. I mean, they still play SEC teams, but it's just that they're viewed as cupcake on the schedule. (laughs) Like that's how they're like back then. It wasn't like seen as cupcake. It was more seen as like, yeah, this is gonna be a legitimate football game. You know. Yeah, they were were not. They were far from a cupcake in those days. And like I said, Coach Bowers did it with, you know, mostly two and well. The term two and three star may even use one of but nowadays what we call two and three star kids. I mean, Brett Favre was not a five star recruit. You know, he came from an option offense in high school, and people thought him more. I mean, there are lots of schools coming after, including SEC schools, but they were recruiting him as a safety. Insert Mac Brown joke here. Uh, he was not seen as a serious quarterback prospect by most quote unquote recruiting analysts, whatever term you want to use in those days. So, you know. I, very few people can claim to have seen Brett Favre coming in terms of what he went from being in his uh, high school career to what he ended up becoming, you know, as a collegiate, let alone with, you know, becoming as a pro, uh, which, like I said, I, I don't think anybody would be in good conscience say this all that coming. I, I watched this guy, you know, who wasn't even supposed to play in that Alabama game. Um, you know, he there's a car accident and he loses part of his intestines. I mean, it's just crazy. Brett Favre's career is, it's kind of thing if you wrote it as a movie, people would probably reject it as too unbelievable. But he loses all this weight, drags himself, checks him out of the hospital. You know, he's not, people aren't wanting, people aren't wanting to play that year. Forget game one of the season. People are wanting to play that year. He plays the first game of the season. 
crazy. Uh, and he's, you know, his his anal swarm is hanging off him. He's 188 pounds or something. He's a type of beefy kid in those days. Um, Brett was not one of those guys that like killed himself in off-season conditioning early in his career, especially not his college career. So for him to look that thin, it was shocking because he was like a kind of a beefy kid. He was a, you know, he's a guy that played most definitely lighter than he was mo- much of his college career because he was a, you know, like I said, you saw him in his college years. You see him by the way. He was kind of a, he's a good athlete. He's a really good athlete. He was a four six something guy despite the fact he was carrying fifteen or so pounds of bad weight. Yeah, but um, yeah, beer weight, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, but I mean, but he, um, but yeah, he went out there and and you know, I'm not say he beat Alabama single handedly because he did. That was a good team. They played well, but he made a lot of jaw dropping plays for a guy that should have probably still been in the hospital. And that's when I first began to sort of circle. It's like why can't I have this Brett Favre? Kid? <laughs> you know? uh, what, what happened to Dylan, man? Why can't he give him like one percent? <laughs> it's you know it's funny you should ask that about Dylan Farb. That's a guy that should have probably played at a lower level, and he'd be tearing it up. Um, not everybody. It doesn't mean you can't play at the FBS level, but not everybody should play at the FBS level. That guy should be at an FCS or a Division II school, lighten it up, and he would be. If he'd gone to McNeese State or someplace like that, you know, it'd be a whole different story. But getting to um, James Madison, or if get, uh, they've got a couple of guys who are going to play. I was just talking about Sage, and Sage um, was timed at between 4.64 and 4.67, had a 31 average vertical, a 9.3 broad jump, a 4.69 short shuttle, and a 7.5 three cone, did twin win bitch reps, and looks pretty good in all of the. He did both some defensive end and linebacker stuff, and obviously looked. I think they're pretty good. Showed, um, you know, ability to change direction, things like that. The Marlowe, um, who was at the combine, uh, is probably one of the better safety prospects in all of FCS. Stood on his speed numbers. He did do a vertical, 33 average vertical, 96 broad. It did a positional workout. And like I said, stood on all these other numbers from the, uh, the combine. It's funny, and I've watched a fair amount of JMU games. I don't, you know, dislike Marlowe, but to me, I thought he was the second best pro prospect on that team. I always thought Sage was the better prospect, but they're both guys I think deserve attention. Uh, your friend and mine, Mr. Garrett Saffron, was measured at uh, six feet seven eighths of an inch, two hundred pounds. He ran four seven eight on his two forty yard dashes at a thirty six and a half inch vertical, ten seven broad jump. Ran the short shuttle in four two two. I have a six eight five three cone and his yeah, three or four throws go high, but after that he was probably dead on in terms of accuracy after those first two throws. And yeah. he had a solid day. Yep, and had really good zip. I mean really good zip. And his his boy, his favorite receiver, uh, DeAndre Carter had a good day as well. And DeAndre's both those guys are guys that I think will stick on somebody's team somewhere, as I've said before, and I'll say it again. Garrett Saffron's better than all but about eight or so quarterbacks in this draft, <laughs> in my humble opinion, and I'm shocked we, that he doesn't get more love. Bill, I need you in the debate I got going with a certain person. I'll tell you all the person on Twitter, but uh, we got – I actually talked to some Cal players about him, 
And they actually, you know, they're like, he's a pretty good quarterback, you know. I mean, obviously, they stay, they're in the Pac-12, you know, and North especially, they faced a lot of good quarterbacks. But, they see yeah, they, quarterback, yes. I mean, yeah, they said, they said he looked like, I mean, he fit in, you know. Actually, yep. one Cal DB said that he was better than Tyler Miles from Washington, yep. <laughs> if that means anything. Um, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, I mean, he's, more consistent. he's not as big, but he's a more consistently accurate passer by yeah. far. Right. They just said that they knew, I mean, it was it was kind of easy just because, I mean, obviously, you know, Sacramento State, Cal and Cal, Cal is different, but it, it was it was easier. But they said he could have, you know, you could plug him in into those type of offenses. But the debate is just, uh, Grant Hedrick versus Garrett Stafford. Um, that's the debate I'm having. Because I don't think they're that – I don't see the big difference. I mean, I'd probably take oh. Grant Hedrick over Garrett Stafford, but it's not you know, like much. Probably, I'd probably go the other direction, but it's close. I agree. Um, they're very similar guys. In fact, I'd like to – I wonder what Hedrick's workout numbers were. I bet they're very close together. I bet they measured as close to the same height and weight back. I haven't – yeah, I was going to say, I have his, uh, his height and weight and 40. I don't have the rest of the stuff, but he's uh, he's the same height as me. He's 5'11 and 7'8. <laughs> his hands are only like 8 and uh, 8 inches. And uh, 191. But Garrett's a little bigger than him. Yeah, yeah, Garrett's a little bit bigger. He, w- the weight really is kind of. What, what was uh, Garrett Saffron's weight? 200, 200 on the half. Say that one more time. He was 200 on the nose. Oh, 200 on the nose. Okay, yeah. So he's got about uh, seven pounds on him. I think, yeah, Grant was, was 193. Okay. I mean, obviously, Saffron's not the biggest guy in the world, but, you know, he's a little bigger than Philip Sims. And, not Philip Sims. I mean, I'm wrong, Sims. Um, a little bigger than... Well, um, I mean, Blake, yeah. Blake. Well, Blake, I mean, he's the same size as... Um, his name uh play for Texas A&M uh oh that's yeah <laughs> what what are we getting well, <laughs> shorter person um his name uh <laughs> yeah. oh actually he was seven pounds heavier though so Manziel had seven pounds on um Grayson no I like Grayson I you know I saw the tape again with him against Cal and everything and um uh, definitely can throw the football really well. Um, had some inconsistencies. I mean, his pro day basically went like his uh, the Cal game, kind of. Because the Cal game, he, he kind of had some bad throws here and there, and then he finally got into rhythm and um, recovered. But um, I don't know. In this quarterback class, I mean, it just seems like you played at a big school. If you didn't play at a big school, people are just apprehensive of you unless you're like, tall or, you know, have a big arm. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, Grant and Garrett are are similar, man. They're they're really similar, actually, what they do. Um, Grant played at a bigger school, obviously. Um, And, you know, played with a lot of, you know, better talent. I mean, let's just cut the chase. Me and J.S. and all types of guys. Um, Burroughs and Matt Miller and stuff like that, so. Yeah, I mean, but if I stuck, I'm saying they'd have similar stats if I switched them. You know what I mean? Like I said, I think Grant's a little bit better on uh, the run, um, throwing the ball outside of the pocket. It's a little bit. Right. But other than that, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that, yeah. And what was Garrett's uh, 40 times? 478. He ran two uh, 478s. 
Yeah, Grant Hendricks is four seven six. Wow. Yeah, they're very similar. Yeah, they are. I'm, you know, I'm convinced that that you know Jarrett's gonna find his way into somebody's camp, and like I said, I, I think that if he's in the right situation, you know, uh, teams where they don't freak out too much over you not being six foot four or six foot five, or whatever. But they all do. You know, well, most do. The Saints don't seem to care too much about it, and obviously, they got over it in in Seattle. And even though, you know, Andy Reid has a fairly tall starter now, look at the backups. I mean, they're all shorter guys. So yeah, you got Murray, and he got no, uh, Kansas, Kansas City starter backups there. Pryor and Bray, though. They're both oh, that's six. right. That's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> they have to yeah, Andy Reid is in a tall, like, you know, early Andy Reid was into the six yeah. foot two West Coast quarterback types like Dominic McNabb, et cetera. Now, Nick Foles was like, what, six foot five, six foot six? Yeah. Uh, five, and then Tyler Bray, right? right? right. Six that's foot. Right. He's up to Jeff Garcia's and the Dominic McNabb, and Garcia's not six. Two. I don't know what he's listed at, but he's like, well, he's probably like six foot one or six foot. Yeah, like sixteen, slightly, like sixteen three eight up there. He's not even six one. So Andrew Reid has evolved. I don't know why. Yeah, but yeah, he's got yeah he's got Murray. Murray's small, but yeah, those. Daniel and um, Aaron Murray. So I guess they have decided to go tall. Oh, yeah, they got two small guys and two <laughs> two uh, two really big guys. Um, and then I guess Alex is he's the least tall too. So not as tall as Troy Pryor and Tyler Bray, but tall. Ooh, that's But Reed likes variety. I guess he wants the extreme. He does. He does like variety. Interesting. <laughs> Well, we know but, Bill's favorite player, Tyler Bray, so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could just chalk it up to immaturity or something, but definitely but not one of the more impressive interviews I had in the combine. Not one of the more impressive. I, I couldn't help but walk away thinking, you know, wow, this is not the guy I would want leading my team out I guess Bill doesn't like his quarterback throwing pennies off balconies on spring break. You know, not or, what he likes. Or, right, or, or throwing people under the bus when, you know, you ask about <laughs> things that happen during the season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like I said, you know, maybe he'll grow out of it, maybe he'll mature. I hope so, man. He just tore his ACL, though, man. It's not looking too good. Oh, boy. Like, he tore his ACL Messing around in practice, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you're barely on the roster. Like, why are you punting? Like, you're not punting. They have cold clips for that. Like, <laughs> ACL punting? Yeah, really? he tore Yeah. He he said he was, like, legitly, like, I can punt. Like, look. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, still, I don't care. Like, he might can. I don't know. Maybe he can punt. But he tore the ACL. And now right. they just signed Terrell Pryor. So. He's fighting for his job next year. Why you know? 
or not, why would you? I don't know. He's still immature, Bill, is what I'm trying to say. And I like Colin Bray. Like, I liked him coming out. He was, one of my, he was, my top, he was in my top five quarterback when he came out in Tennessee. But, he's, uh, he's, not, he's not winning me over with these things that he's doing. <laughs> I'm not warming up. <laughs> so, who's 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 you guys looking forward to going before next week? Yeah, I I am excited about a couple of the the upcoming ones. Obviously, I think, and I tend to be more excited, you know, not for the guys that we've already seen that much of and, you know, they were at the combine or whatever, but the guys that either they weren't at the combine or weren't healthy or things like that, I'm always excited to see what happens with the guys who weren't, you know, guys who saw do everything and all that stuff. Those are the guys I'm always excited about, the guys that we, you know, we we didn't get a chance to see them. Like I said, maybe they weren't 100%. Whatever may have been going on, we're only now, you know, seeing them uh, fully. So a few other other guys worthy of mute uh, that we haven't yet discussed. Um, are they big time Devin Funches fans? Be my any lovers of Funches here? Don't look towards me. Okay, well, <laughs> he he apparently he apparently improved tremendously uh, from his. Combine 40, which is one of those things that sort of is a, almost is a red flag with a yellow flag, at least to me, when a guy is that much faster. Well, as Michigan's pro day, they're notorious for being, you know, friendly. Friendly. They have some friendly, friendly timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're ever in need of, if you desperately need to run a good time, and, you know, there are certain schools, you know, Syracuse, Florida, Michigan, where you may want to to have your pro day if you really need, you've got to have a good time. But that it, it's all riding on that one. When I goes from you know four seven flat to four four eight, I do tend to wonder. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you ran four six four or even four five eight. Yeah, it was just like, solid, but not amazing. And um, he had a four-five-five short jump, which is the more concerning thing, um, at least for yeah, I, me. I know somebody who tried to do a four-five-seven in the short shuttle. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Because um, that changes him from a, you know, from a, a possession receiver that can move to a possession receiver that can't really. Which on tape he wasn't really the most. You know, in terms of his hip flexibility and stuff like that. Ramon Taylor had a good uh, pro day at Michigan. Yep. Don't like don't like his tape, but (laughs) 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 well, yeah, it's sort of a funny thing. Um, You would like to have both. You'd like to have a guy who's got. The fans of uh, Devontae Davis should be pleased. He had a very good day at the office at UNLV's pro day. 
I was happy about that. I'm a big fan. Have been for, for a while. Yep. Hamstrings worry me, man. That's the second time he's hurt it, though. Yeah. Um, I, third time, actually, if you want to go back to 2011, but it's, it's. I think he's going to be one of those hammy guys. You know, only if my hammy treated me right, I would have a longer career. Um, sadly, he reminds me a lot of Braylon Edwards, actually. Um, I just don't. His hamstring worries me, but I mean, yeah, he had a good day. He ran really good. Right, but you you can't you can't not worry when a guy is because the thing is, hammies, as you pointed out, I mean, once you have a hamstring problem, you tend to have another hamstring problem. Like it's usually. The question is, is how long until something happens again. And sometimes guys learn more about nutrition and conditioning and yoga, whatever the heck it is, and they just sort of get away from it. But a lot of guys, you know, they sort of fall into a pattern of, hey, look, he's back. And then he's sort of tentative at first, and then finally he's like, oh, yeah, I'm good, I'm back. And, you know, First time he breaks that off on a long one or whatever, then ah, the sniper got him again. He's down. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, it, good, good day overall. But yeah, hamstring worries me. Frank Clark from Michigan. He, at all. I don't. Clark. Why didn't he do everything? Like I'm still kind of worrying about that. We're all worried like, about Frank Clark. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I'm gonna be worrying about him. I mean, I, I don't really like Frank Clark too much, but I know a lot of people do. Um, I really do. I mean, I, he's, he's always been kind of like okay to me. But, um, you know, a lot of people do like yeah. especially For me to, the mission. If you take the risk that you're asking me to take, he'd have to be a better player. I mean, I was gonna, that for me is what it is. He needs to be awesome for me to say, okay, at some point I might be getting a 3 a.m. phone call about this guy. But <laughs> such an amazing talent that I'm willing to take that phone call. He's not such an amazing talent that I'm willing to get awakened in the middle of the night to find out what he's done. No. He was probably, without any characteristics, fifth-round pick? Fifth-round, fifth yeah, fifth-round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere in that, yeah, fifth-six sounds about, about fair. Yeah, and uh, and uh, you know who's going to draft him? I think I know who's going to draft him. <laughs> who, who's going to draft him? I think it's going to be the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, well, that's an awesome selection for them. Good luck. Prince Shimbo. Yeah, Prince Shimbo. Uh, last year. Maybe. Oh, it's a team with Prince Shimbo. Oh, Prince Shimbo. That, that was the first oh. time Dimitrov ever. That was the first time Dimitrov ever drafted somebody like that. Yeah, yeah, that was his one yeah. time departing. Yeah, he doesn't. Whole, I, I like yeah. guys I can trust. Thing. No, he doesn't do that. I, I guess. That, yeah, that was. It's kind of awkward with him too. He's, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it was the exact same thing. He probably will get drafted. By <laughs> he's got. He's awkward. It's like, why would you? That's the guy you're gonna take the risk on, Prince Shimbo. It's like Frank Clark. That's the guy. And that's I the guy. Wrong, you know, he, hey, athletically speaking, Frank Clark had a really good combine. He did. I forgot he was. He was at the combine for guy. That's why he didn't. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. he did. He had a pretty yeah, good combine. I, I just. I think he had a good combine, yeah, but I don't know. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't have him. Right. But his pace, he's not, he's not an unstoppable production machine on tape for me to. Yeah, he's not that. He's not really that at all. But but, uh, a lot of the guys in this class aren't really that 100%. So, I mean, 
there's not a ton right. of like relentless production machines, I guess. But when you combine, when you combine those two things, the uh, not seeing <laughs> a relentless unstoppable production machine with the uh, okay, well, I'm going to be getting some. This guy's going to make my life more difficult. You know, I'm going to have to be worried. If I want to be worried about a guy, that guy better be amazing. Yeah, you got to be legit, man. Like, that's all there is to it. I mean, Frank Clark's not uh, up there. Well. And, you know, the, the Frank Clark supporters will say, you know, well, he had those good combine numbers and he, he got suspended and like, kicked off the team. It's like, yeah, he got kicked off the team, but that's not good. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like – and he only missed two games. It's not like he missed the whole season just by like, had good numbers. Like, he wasn't rusty. You know, it was a late thing that happened. You know, actually, uh, that coach, um, oh gosh, Brady uh, Hoke, he gave him a lot of chances. Yep. I mean, he's gotten in trouble a lot. I mean, he never had to transfer or go down or anything to another level. So, you know, I mean, I don't know much about Frank Clark off the field, and I know what he's gotten in trouble for, but I don't know much about him. I've never seen an interview with him, but I just know I really wouldn't draft him. It's not worth it. Um, undrafted for him, definitely, you know. Definitely. Put him in put him in a camp. For sure, but no. Can't waste draft picks on the guys. Yeah. So back to UNLV. I'll tell you it's a good day. Um Todd Hassan had a fantastic day in terms of the athletic testing. Ran as a four four seven ish, six ish. Um everyone had him under four five. Um what was People had him as about four four nine, and people had him staff as about four four six. Thirty seven average spurt, ten nine broad jump, four three five short shuttle, seven three five three cone. Seven three five per cone, yeah, that's where the issue kind of set up. But definitely solid overall and power. Yeah. Um, but like a cover kind of two, cover two kind of ish cornery kind of guy. I mean, a guy that you might not want as a man corner, but might be. And for, you know, in a place where we're starved for athletic safety types, there are people who might try to move them to the free safety. Maybe. If you want your safeties to, you know, move like that. Uh, um, I mean, cover two, I don't know. I don't know. You're but, talking about uh, uh, Taj? Taj? Yep, uh, Taj yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a really good day. I mean, I like Brett Boyko, too. He's a little stiff, of course. He's kind mm-hmm. of slowish, but yeah. I like him, though. I think he can move yeah. the guard and set off in the tackle. And he's one of my Canadian guys, man. He's good Canadians in the chat. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, no, I, mean, I like him. I like him at guard, actually, Brett Boyko. He's a big kid. Not a very strong kid for his size, but a big kid. Or fast or quick. No, he's not from But he's from Canada. Yeah, he's from Canada. <laughs> he got that. So he probably knows how to make poutine and, you know, back <laughs> uh, Oh, got, man. He said poutine. That's good. Good stuff. But, <laughs> but uh, Josh Shirley, another little sort of projection type from Stephen, in the 3 4 outside linebacker. Time to the mid 4 5. 38 and a half inch for 10 10 10 2 broad jump, 4 4 4 short shuttle, 7 4 4. That's one thing I'm a little, little concerning, 7 4 4 three cone. But he did 31 bench lifts, which, you know, 
put him above most of the offensive linemen at the combine. Yeah. And I hate to bring this up, but, I mean, 25 and above is the – is a good area, so yep. Um, and he went above that, which is good. It's not like you know he's Hall of Fame bound, but it is you know it's decent. No, he's not Hall of Fame bound. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do Jordan Sparkman. Um, you know who he? Because he was because he UNLV. So yeah, I have some of I have some of his numbers. He did not run a great um, forty. Mostly, As expected, but yeah. right, yeah, a little over five flat. Most people had him somewhere between about five two and five seven, but he has some good other numbers. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what I thought. Hmm. Who's uh? Anybody, you guys know the small school guys more than me. Anybody at uh, Idaho State or Montana State Pro Day I should be looking out for them on Monday? Montana State have a couple of guys I think should. They have some guys who might be draftable, but definitely some Friday and draft me. Idaho State really only has one, in my mind, one guy who I think has a legitimate shot to stick on an NFL roster. So let me grab George's numbers now. Full attention to that. Here we go. Uh, oops. Come on, you. Yep. So, oh um, yeah, I, what, yeah. Uh, next, uh, I was gonna say next week. I'm just looking at. I mean, like you're, you know, you're getting the guys from the, the big sky schools, but uh, I guess yep. uh, the two max schools, Toledo and Bowling Greens, that day. Um, I'm looking at Cal on uh, next day actually, just because of uh, uh, Chris Harper. Um, yep. The other Chris Harper, the young Chris. The other Chris Harper. Yeah. Then you know you got March eighteenth, kind of the day. Um, Georgia, BC, Baylor. You get to see Bryce Petty. Obviously, there we I'm go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's one of the most anticipated pro days. Not even because of Bryce. I mean, all all those guys. You know, um, Ridley and all. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be fun to watch that one. Um, Boise is that day. J.H.I.A. and Grant Hedrick and those guys, too. Um, and B.C. Matt Miller. And Matt Miller, yeah, Matt Miller. Matt Miller, they were they were at that Texas All-Star game. The one Jordan James, Grant Hedrick, Matt Miller were all in that game. Right. Wasn't terrible. Uh, yeah, because that's where I saw those measurables for Grant Hedrick. But, um, yeah, Matt Miller's going to impress some people. That's going to be... Michigan State for a day and Bob Tech, your your old stomping ground. Yeah, Virginia Tech's gonna be fun. Um, you'll probably see some once again somewhat distorted voice. <laughs> right. So, 
So just take about 600 of a second off of, or add, I should say, 600 of a second to all the times you see come out of video attack there. You see them okay. really fast. <coughs> okay, gotcha. That's, that's how they roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. I mean... Yeah, I mean, some schools just learn, like, oh, okay, well, that really is, that's, that 426 is really more like 438, you know, certain schools you just learn to expect some strangeness. Right. Well, Penn State's is next week, too, and that's an interesting one to me. Um, though they'll have a super top, top guy, I, I, Dion Barnes and Jesse James and Donovan Smith. Um, those three guys I can't wait to see, especially Jesse James, because he's kind of the, the riser of the tight end. Um, obviously, he's a humongous man, he's 6'7", 259 pounds. But, yeah. I mean, what was that tight end for Notre Dame last year? Um, what was that um, name? Yeah, my guy. Yeah, I, I'm drawing a blank right now. But, yeah, so, I yeah I that about. guy. I think there's yeah. a little bit of that to Jesse James. But we'll oh, see. you're talking about what's his name, who was related to the um, – Matthew's family. So the Matthews um, he's family. Like, yeah. yeah. He's he's from uh yeah, he's from Servite, uh Anaheim, California. I, I you know exactly he played with Cody Vajara. I cannot think of his name right now though, but I know all about him. Uh Troy yeah. Nicholas. My guy Troy Nicholas. Troy Nicholas. Yeah. yeah, there we go. There you go. That's that that's my top for Jesse James. Is that why I'm starting to like Jesse James so much? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you might even like him more if you had a if you had a Notre Dame, you know, stuff on. Or if you were somehow related to the Matthew family. Right, yeah. 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 Should have been a tackle, but I guess he was too pretty to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the he's got the man bun, so he can't do that, but uh he can tie it in for the Cardinals one day. They'll let him they'll let him fly. <laughs> A little but uh, Jesse James is I, uh, Troy Nicholas. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a pretty good comp. I mean, is Jesse James supposed to be a little bit faster than that? But um, we'll see. I guess I don't know his numbers or anything like that. But I'm going. I, I watch a lot of him. Well, I, I mean, they're very him. tall. I mean, I'm just saying they're very tall. They're white, um, <laughs> which is not like it's not a big deal. I'm just saying they're white. Uh, they yeah, played at similar colleges with similar legacies, kind of. Of course, Notre Dame's a little bit bigger than Penn State, but, you know, they got the Catholic thing going. Um, and they were not very productive. And oh, that as well. Um, and they're sort of big guys that people attach. I mean, Jesse James is driving up value because, I mean, he's the inline tight end that's like the – He's the only inline tight end that I really feel comfortable calling an inline tight end and possibly drafting, but it's not because of his catching ability. It's more so because of his blocking. Um, but who needs blockers in the NFL now, Bill? I mean, you know, like, like, is it really, you know, can you really make your name in the NFL as a blocking tight end? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. It's a little it's a little concerning, I guess, that you there's a few teams that still value very few teams that still but there are a few teams that still value blocking to a certain extent. Like Seattle. Seattle does and they basically were like, We don't care anymore. Come to us, Jimmy Grant. Yeah. So Oh I, wow, yeah. 
Yeah, that was kind of a, like, we love blocking and tight ends to we want to win Super Bowl. We don't really care about blocking anymore. <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to, I don't know where he's going to go. Probably probably higher than uh, he's supposed to because of his tight end class. But, um, you know, I did my tight ends. Yeah, I like him. You know, he, he's, he's solid. But he came out too early. I don't know why he came out. Um, I guess he saw the tight end class. Um, even though next year isn't that great either, but <laughs> from what I've seen so far. But I mean, I don't know. You know he's 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 a riser though. I've seen a lot of people uh, move him up um, over over the past month, and then he's got that pro day. Uh, I like Dion Barnes and Donovan Smith though. That's the guys I'm really looking at. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I want to see at Penn State. Uh, obviously, Missouri Montel mentioned that. And that's the same day. Shane Ray. Uh, Stanford's pretty is always nice to see. They run it really well. Yes, very professional. Yeah. San Diego State. Same day. Right, where Chris Bonner will be spending it. Yeah. He will. Um, at, uh, Adam Roberts. Yep. You there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's there be a couple other NFL types. Uh, Saint Louis State, you know, it's not exactly a powerhouse program. It's a solid program, and I think it's a program on the rise. I think Chuck Long, not Chuck Long, good lord, he's been gone forever. Rocky Log, uh, <laughs> who is the current coach, uh, Chuck Long was the coach there for a minute, but uh, Rocky Long, I think, definitely has that program headed in the right direction. Oh yeah, definitely. Temples is uh gonna be pretty solid too. Yes. That makes sense. Agreed. Definitely agree with that. I think there's gonna be some you know, like I said, some some fun and some interest and some uh stuff coming out of that. So uh yeah, Jordan measured in at six five and two eighty eight to get a nine seven Broad jump of 30 and a half inch vert. So, yeah, he's no longer quite the freak leaper he was when he was wider. Um, he had a 34 inch wingspan, 77 inch, 34 inch arm, 77 inch wingspan, 28 bench rep, and like I said, it was timed in the, the low five, slightly over five, but uh, low, low five. Okay. You know, so that's uh, another guy, I guess. <laughs> that's about it. Right. Um, right. Okay. Yeah, Monday's yeah. not. Yeah, it's Monday, yeah, March 16th. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of Donovan Smith, and this is my question to Bill, I guess, is, um, yeah. which is crazy to think, but if you're a run-blocking team, right, like the Panthers or – um, you know, a team that really likes to get at, you know, power, you know, power blocking down by something like that. Would so, you consider a guy like Diamond Smith in the first round, possibly? First, no, but second, yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, my, I get nervous about. I get you get nervous. I'm just saying, like, specifically the team, because, like, Eric Flowers in the first makes me go, uh, uh, 
I, I just think that a team like that might be feel better about a guy like Diamond Smith. Even though it would be terrible to take either one in the first, I'm saying yeah. stuff like this happens. So I'm just saying, is it, I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about. You're I'm right, it say. does happen. It, it should not happen, but you're right, it does happen. It does happen. Um, you're talking about Donovan Smith going in the uh, first round? Yeah, yeah late first, though. Oh. Like Panthers. Oh, yeah. I, I, I or, actually, I, yeah, I yeah. could see that. I could see it happening. Because we he, he has a he, particular yeah. set of skills. Yeah, he's he left early, but he's older already, and he started a lot of games. He's already started like thirty-two games. Um, right. he's like a four. I think he was a you know he's twenty-three, I believe. So yeah, he's he's a good size. And, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't have that athleticism. He's a little slower when it comes to recognizing things. But I mean, God, I don't know. He could be. I guess he can max out at like somebody like Max Starks or something like that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, he's, he's more smart. Starks. Yeah. All these guys are smart. And it's like the guard last year. You know, everybody didn't like. So I thought was kind of solid. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, thanks for Penn State. It's just Chris Hackenberg. Can you fix Chris Hackenberg? That's the question. That is the question. That is a good question. Um, what else to mention? Um, we talked about Green Beckham already a little bit. He, yeah, uh, we talked about him a lot, actually. I mean, we could keep yeah. talking about him, but no, we're gonna have to I don't think we're going to learn anything new from talking about him. No, we need to stop talking about Randy Gregory and Doro Green Beckham. As much as I like DGP, there's nothing much And here's the, here's the shocking thing. <laughs> the, the heavier of the two is the wide receiver. That's the thing I think is funny. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that is funny. Even though DGB is probably about to lose some weight, oh, he's not going to weigh 237 when he goes away. No, that's what like, they all said. That's what yeah, they all said, that they want him to lose weight. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, to me, I'm like, why? Just because, like, that's, I mean, for his, you know, frame and everything else like that, that's the size he really needs to be. So I say he's going to be more explosive if he drops weight. I'm like, well, not really. The you theory know? is that at 222, he'll be a 439 guy as opposed to, a, you know, 449 yeah. guy. But he's going to be weaker, though. That's only yeah. It wasn't gonna get that low. I was thinking like two thirty. Split it even. <laughs> he can't get back to two twenty two. He can, but I mean it shouldn't. Uh, he's, he's, I, just, I just think two thirty would be solid. Playing yeah, two thirty. He could keep that on because that would give him you know a little bit of power. If you drop some weight, he'll drop some power, and that's one thing that he's severely lacking. Is <laughs> you know being really. I mean, he's decent power, but he's not, like, you know, incredibly powerful. Yeah, that's a so. good range. 231 is what he was uh, when he came into Oklahoma. So, you know, he was testing there, doing some stuff at the uh, spring game. So, yeah. Yeah, that's – I guess that'll be interesting to see what happens with him going forward. Um, oh, okay, let's get Eastern Washington. And uh, Jake Rogers, man, Jake Rogers, yep. right? Yeah, I, I, I can, I, I like him. 
But it's always, once again, Eastern Washington is a program that is always, you know, multiple guys. They've got multiple pro prospects every year. You know, obviously guys like Kevin McDonald get a lot of the attention, but there's other guys. They, they've got players year in and year out at Eastern Washington. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, they just lost, uh, you know, maybe their most exciting player. For the, but, for the good for the good of his draft stock, you know. Right, right. That's true. why they did it, because he's going to go to Oregon. And I hope he's amazing, because he was amazing on date. But we'll see. But um, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's the big <laughs> thing, you know. He wants to play at Oregon. And I think, uh, although it's not the system he needs to be in, because that's the big thing is, you know, like I, you know, for the most part, he'll be able, he'll do well, but he'll have the same sort of, oh, he played well, but he was an Oregon system, you know, like he's gonna have a lot of that stuff. But right, hey, but right. hey, it's better than being a, a five foot ten FCS quarterback. Better to be <laughs> an FBS quarterback that's five foot ten. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> better be the other than. I hope he wins a job, man. Like I know he's a favorite, but Morgan Matlock and Jeff Walkie are right. there. You know they're good quarterbacks too. But Jeff Walkie has a heads up on everybody because he's been there long. Morgan's just a freshman, but I mean it's gonna be probably between him and Jeff Walkie. But I don't know. I hope he was because if he doesn't want a job, I'm gonna feel like really bad because I like that kid. He's from LA. Um, uh, he got under recruited. I mean he was he's from Pasadena. I mean literally like backyard of UCLA, and they didn't even touch him. But uh, you know he's an undersized guy, and he was—he's one of the best FCS quarterbacks ever. I mean, probably you know. I mean, look at his stats and stuff like that. He could have gone down in history as the best. Yeah, when you look uh, at the tape, it's like amazing. You know. Oh yeah, he tore it up. He's like just crazy. Yeah, but it, it'll be a—it'll be—it can be—it could go really bad, or it could go—you know—it could go perfect. You know, because they play um, Eastern Washington the first game of the season. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that could be like any maybe national championship team, you know, maybe. So this could be a good story for him. He's a good quarterback. He seems like a good kid. I saw his interview with Bruce Feldman today. So um, he's good. But they, they have a bunch of talent on E-Dub. They really do. That's an underrated program. Like, I know they get love now, but they're still underrated. <laughs> Like I said, I, I'm a little bummed from the, you know, Eastern Washington sort of small school, whatever, um, you know, point of view, but I'm excited for, for him. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see if big play VA obviously wins the job. But uh, getting back to Eastern Washington, obviously uh, Tevin McDonald is a guy that uh, decided he will save himself for the Fresno State Pro Day. Uh, so, Hopefully, we'll have on-the-spot reports from Fresno State. But, uh, well, the Fresno State Pro Day happened today. It actually. happened Thursday. Or today. Was it today or was it yesterday? happened today. Yes, it did. And uh, although I was not at the Pro Day, I actually had things to do, actually, uh, um, at lunchtime. Uh, but I had some people that were there, and uh, I didn't get much information out of them, though. That's the only thing. Um, they were... I don't know. Yeah, I sent the wrong people. The best way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's to, what you did. You know, the the you know when you well, talk to them and go, how'd it go? And they went, oh, 
they ran fast, and the one guy did. This one guy did well. Uh, oh, oh, who's the guy? Uh, I don't know, uh, but he he looked good. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh. Hey, your people, your people don't you, sound. Uh, you you might need to have some shakeups on your staff there, Jim. <laughs> but getting back to Eastern Washington, Jake Rogers did indeed have a very good day. Donovan's correct. Um, weighed in at 315 pounds with 6'5 and 3 quarters, 30 uh, and a half inch vertical, which is pretty good for a guy that size. About <coughs> 8 10 broad jump. <coughs> His three cone is a bit concerning. I can't remember last time I saw a three cone in the eight second range. Well, no, I, I guess I've seen it David, but not often. Uh, 804 and a short shovel of 481, 24 reps at 225, and 33 inch arm. Um, he's a guy that probably will find his spot as a right tackle. Um, he probably should try to get a little bit stronger, but he showed enough that some team will definitely bring him in early after the the end of the draft. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Georgia Tech was uh, solid today, by the way. I had some people there. Yes. Oh, I didn't make so, it. So, so tell us more about what your your people were able to report back to you, Donovan, and then we'll hit Oregon State a little bit and talk about, uh, I guess, West Virginia a little bit, and then we'll close this. So, about the show. And just Shaq Mason, <laughs> that's the guy. You know, he he did the snap that center, which a lot of people wanted wanted him to do. Um, was great at guard. He's just. He's one of the he, he's he's a riser, but it's for a good reason. A lot of these guys rise right now just because maybe their size or their school or something like that, or whatever the case may be. Uh, they're likable, but Shaq Mason's just some people didn't watch Georgia Tech. They're they're boring, to be honest. I mean, for some people, they don't like watching them during the season. Um, but you know, if you watch the tape now and go back and just really study Shaq Mason, I mean, he's definitely one of the better guards. Um, and he, he is a riser for a good reason. I, I like what he can do. I can I can hear you say that again. Yeah. So anybody yeah, else he, besides? Oh, uh, Sha- Oh, yeah. Besides Shaq, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, you know, um, Smelter and uh, Sinjin Davis. Uh, Smelter is <sighs> he's an interesting. Pro- it's just people he really hate you towards ACL. So. Right. You know, um, where is he going to go? Not sure. He's gotten banged up a lot. Um, he's got some flaws. He's really good. I like him. He's 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 going to be a steal. Um, he's got to stop body catching so much. But he's not new to football per se, but he had to come back and kind of remember it because he hadn't played since high school for two years ago because he was playing baseball. But, I mean, he's, he's kind of a body catcher. But, I mean, you know, besides the injuries, yeah, he's a guy that I want on my team. Um you know, he had to watch from the sidelines because of his injuries, but, uh, you know, talking to the guys out there, I guess he did a good job. And Quayshawn uh, Neely had a good day at the office as well. Um, his, his thing is just, I, you know, his trans. I don't know if he's going to make that transition, man. Like, I don't know if he could be a starter, you know, because I know a lot of George Tate fans, they really like him a lot. But I'm not sure. If he's, I think he's a backup. I'm not sure what you guys think, but I think Neely's a backup um, in this league. Isaiah Johnson, interesting guy. <laughs> um, at safety, he's 
he's got to be on a roster. This is a good Georgia Tech team um, last year, and this is probably the best talent they've had in a while. I know they had CJ, you know, Megatron, but his overall guys from top to bottom, I mean, Zach Lasky's good, um, fullback there. And even, you know, Sean Poole is one of the best punters. So, um, for what I hear, I mean, I don't really watch too much punting, but, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's a solid punter. Um, you know, so it, it was a good day overall for everybody, really. Um, just wish DeAndre could have worked out. And like I said, uh, Isaiah Johnson and uh, Lasky were the two that stand out besides Shaq Mason. But, I mean, Shaq Mason, really, uh, I mean, you could make an argument that he might be second or third guard taken at this point. Sure. I mean, he's a top 100 prospect at least in my mind, and I think a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah. Oh, and and, and last thing I mentioned about that is the Smelter said he would be ready for, uh, you know, the camp. See, he said he's almost there right now. He'll be doing some private workouts. Um, he's just not there yet. He's like a month away. It's like a month away. He, he really wanted to go out there and run. He didn't want to mess anything up, though. He don't want to mess any up again, so. He he's, he has he hasn't fallen too far, I don't think. Just because, you know, at the combine probably I'm not for sure on this, but I'm pretty sure he had the biggest hand. <laughs> I mean kinda kinda everybody was wild wild at that. Darren Waller too, I forgot to mention Darren Waller, sorry. Um, you know, that's the guy that's moving up too. I mean his combine was phenomenal. And uh, you know, of course he sat those numbers. He didn't really need to do much there. So, I mean, uh, some of the guys said on their numbers, it's okay. You know, DeAndre can run. But, yeah. Shaq Mason, though. I mean, that's a guy that I feel like I just didn't give him enough respect during the season. <laughs> you know, and I have to rewatch. I'm like, I watched Georgia Tech. It's just like, I guess I was seeing, uh, I missed something. But now I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, man, this guy's for real. He could be, I don't know where he's going to go. I think he's going to go in probably round three. Yeah, I think he's in the second, third range. I could see him as early as the late second, and at the latest, you know, mid to late third, I think he probably finds his way more towards the – I think he goes probably in the earlier part, early to middle part of the third. And yeah, or you, you – Oh. Okay. Oh, I was going to say, even at – quickly, even at center, you want to put him there instead of guard. Um, but, I mean, most guys can play both. I mean, he definitely can snap the ball really well. Show that today. And, uh, I mean, center and guards aren't too strong. Center is pretty good at top-heavy. I mean, I love Grisou, of course, and Cameron Irving's there. But, you know, Andy Gallic's there and stuff like that. But he can be in the mix for both those positions, either one. You mentioned, um, before we move on, you mentioned Zach Lasky. One, what does he become? I mean, what can he be at the next level? I couldn't quite hear you. Oh, Lassie, <laughs> what, what is that, Lassie? What can he be at the next level? Is he a running back? Is he a fullback? What, what he... It's tough. I think he, he's he's a fullback um, special teamer. I think he's a fullback special teamer. He's just, I don't know. I, I don't think he can be a running back. I know there's some tweeners, like Zach Zinner. I know there's Zach. I think he's a running back. But I don't know about Zach Lassie being a running back. I think he's more of a fullback special team type guy. He's a guy one of my teams. Just, I mean, even long snap, I think he said he was going to do, which is smart. You always talk about that to all these prospects on the show. And he already, I guess he's, he knows 
what's up with that? Because I, I could see him being a long snapper. He did some long snapping drills today. And that was smart of him. I mean, when you're a guy who, you know, plays a couple of positions and it's somewhat interesting, but you don't have an obvious NFL fit, having a special skill, however you want to describe that, can be a lifesaver in it. You're right. So, yeah, Sinjin Day's well, almost consensus, I guess, to say was at a 4-6-3. Yeah, four, um, uh, Smith had a 4-5-3, a sort of average. Johnson, 4-5-5. Lassie, 4-5-8. Mason, 4-8-9. You go, Jackson. Um, yeah, he took Kushad Neely uh, with a 3-5-5, oh, sorry, a 4-6-5, uh, uh, 40. Amongst the guys' verticals, uh, Neely had 35 and a half, which is the top. Lasky and Smith tied the 35. Johnson had a 34-inch shirt. Mason with a 32-inch shirt. Johnson with a 35 inch shirt. And Dave, with a sort of surprisingly low 31-inch vertical, uh, the top. Frauds were tied between Lasky and Johnson with 10 4 each. Smith had a 10 1. Uh, Neely and Dave both had a 9 8, and Mason had a 9 2. Uh, for the three cone, uh, Lasky had the best time at 6 9 4. Johnson had a 6 9 8. Dave had a 6 9 9. A 7 0 1 for Smith. Uh, John Neely had a 7 1 7. And Mason was a 7 5 6. Uh, oh, and and I want to throw a comp out there. Um, I I didn't make this comp. My my good friend, you know Kyle Tarrant, Bill. Um, yeah. You yeah. know he he made a comp today. He played with Eric Decker. They played together for thir- you know four years. Uh, he he said DeAndre Smith actually reminded him of Eric Decker a lot. Um, I I wouldn't have thought of that comp, but it kind of makes sense. Um, he said, obviously he said Eric Decker was better, but <laughs> that's his boy. But uh, you know he said he is in the same mold, um, which I kind of agree with. Yeah. Um, obviously Decker much more polished, but I can see some of the same components. And unfortunately, Decker had a Liz Frank injury that kept him from running. So I don't think I ever had an official party on Decker. I eyeballed Decker on tape and figured he was about a four five eight. Is that what you're thinking about with DeAndre? I think he might be a tad bit slower than Eric Decker though. Probably four six three. Oh, okay. Well then, yeah, if he's about a four six three, yeah, it's probably a must kind of you know, I'm gonna be sort of a guess there. Uh let's see. Oh, two other guys. Um let me see other Bill. Short shuttle, uh the top time was um Isaiah Johnson's four one three. Lasky was next with the four one seven. Four two four for Owen Smith. A four three three for Simpson Days and a four three four for John Neely and four five seven for Mason. Mason did not do the sixty yard shuttle. Not really a shock. Uh but the other guys did. Eleven two two for Owen Smith. Oh, sorry, eleven two for Lasky, eleven two two for Owen Smith, eleven seven for Isaiah Johnson, eleven Seven eight for Tijin Dave, eleven eight nine for Sean Neely, and last but certainly not least, the bench. 
Uh, 14 reps for Isaiah Johnson. 19 for Zach Glasgow. 20 for John Mealy. Uh, 22 for Simpson Day. 25 for Shaq. That's the numbers for your text program. And uh, I guess we can wrap with uh, Oregon State. One of the best performances actually was from a non uh once again a small school guy who was invited. Yeah, the Western uh the Western yeah. Oregon um Terrell Williams yeah. from West Park Catholic. Measured at six three and a half, two hundred and four pounds. This time between about four four two and four four four. Thirty nine and a half inch vert, ten seven broad jump, he had a four one one short shuttle, a pre cone of six five five. And that's a guy, frankly, I would draft, but he probably won't. Uh, some guy who's no better or about the same that, you know, will be drafted and he won't be, whatever. I'm over it, I guess. But uh, if you if you watch him on tape, and admittedly there's not a lot of Western Oregon tape out there, he is, I mean, you talked about your boy, Mr. Farmer. He's at least as advanced and probably slightly more advanced as Farmer. And uh Farmer what was what did Farmer measure when he weighed when he measured when he made weight and measured down there? What was his height and weight? George Farmer was uh gosh, I'm going on the top of my head. I believe it was six two, um two twenty one. Okay, so Farmer's thicker. Yeah, that's what I was. Farmer's thicker and, and not quite as tall. But if you're just looking for sort of a late-round project receiver to take a flyer on, to me, this guy's every bit the interesting, you know, who knows what it'll be, but let's take a shot kind of guy. I, this guy, I would, I would be just as interested in seeing what he might be as a guy like Farmer. Who is that? Who was the uh, name? Terrell Williams from uh, Western Oregon. From Western Oregon. Okay. You uh, haven't, he haven't, tested. Right. Okay, he tested very similar to uh, Aguilar, except Aguilar was faster. So. Yeah. Okay. Haven't but seen the, him, but I did hear he had a good pro day. Um, yeah. Are you saying he's similar to Farmer or the Aguilar? Uh, he, he he tested. Well, I guess he tested similarly to Aguilar, only taller, uh, six three and a half. Yeah, yeah, because he's six four, two o four. He had four four two. Probably actually the same speed. Um, it's just that Aguilar is a little uh, thicker, but uh, similar, um, you know, similar vertical and uh, and uh, stuff like that. Right. At least for power, power for his size, basically is what I'm was what I'm basically saying. I guess. If you're looking for, I, okay. If you're looking oh yeah. I was saying, if you're looking for an innocent comparison, he's somewhat similar to Terrence Williams, who's with the Cowboys. I mean, he's uh, in terms of okay. build, and probably, like I said, and, I'm, and actually a little faster, but he's a guy that I think I could think, I think he developed into that. He could eventually be a number two receiver, I think, in the NFL level, given time to develop and well-coached. So, gentlemen. Uh, tell people where they can find and follow your work. Uh, Mr. Donovan James, where can people find and follow you, sir? 
Um, yeah, you can find my work at uh, com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Dom James Sports. Um, yeah, I, I've got just did my eleventh even though I've done all types of rankings for every position on offense except tackles. I think I've done. Um, I'll have that out tomorrow, uh, tomorrow evening or Sunday evening. Um, I just did a Q and A awesome interview with uh, Chris Bonner from Colorado State Pueblo. That's up as well on the website. Um, thanks to Ben Albright, we started off on the wrong path when I first got into this, but we're good now. <laughs> he gave me a shout-out. <laughs> he uh, He's the one that got me on to Chris Bonner. Um, so he's had a great week with all his Adam Schefter stuff reporting. But, <laughs> no, I mean, that that interview was great. Find out a lot about Chris Bonner. Um, Find out a lot about Garrett Grayson, talking to his uh, high school coach, um, quarterback coach, also the coordinator today. So I have some something I'm doing with that. Uh, but I want to wait to Garrett Grayson's actual pro day, which isn't for two weeks because he didn't perform at the uh, CSU in this week. So, yeah, that's what I got going right now. And I'll have my other rankings out. Um, at Georgia Tech, I'll have player profiles on them. I'll work with Michael Collins, uh, James Fitzgerald over on uh, Yellow Jacked Up. Just not over there full time, just doing it for the NFL draft. So, yeah, I'll be busy, busy, busy. Just follow me on Twitter. Yep. Oh, one last note. Um, Steven Nelson, who I really like, had a pretty good day as well at Oregon uh, State's Pro Day. Uh, yep. He's been talking at fast as 4.49, and, you know, usually in the, the low, high 4.4s, but the low, low 4.5s. Yeah, uh, he's going to be a great player. Yeah, I, I really like him. I don't care about supporting, man. I don't care, man. Who cares yeah, about I like, supporting? I like Steven Nelson. He's great. He's actually uh, – we live really close. <laughs> I'll just see if I can get him in an interview or something like that because he lives like literally like 20 minutes away from me. He followed me on oh. Twitter and he's a, he's a he's a he's a Georgia kid. So him and Casey right. Harris went to high school together, I think, or same high school rather. But I don't know if they were together. But uh, yeah, um, I like Stephen Nelson. I like I like my corners strong and tight uh and tackle fight yes fight make plays yes I, I intercept like, football I like yeah i like all that stuff i i really do when i see him projected as a fourth rounder who knows where he goes i keep thinking he's gonna be better you're than crazy him. you're nuts it's like <laughs> Altron, it's like you remember an altron Werner, you know dropped really low you know I don't yeah know. like he's gonna That's be a nice. really good zone corner in the right system now he's not gonna be a man guy 100%. Nope. He can play, man. It's just there's certain guys, that, you know, he needs safety help and stuff like that. But yeah, that's, that's not, not his game. an but, ideal situation, though. But. Right. It's not the ideal situation. But overall, when you when you look at the other things, like the short tone, the three cone, and, you know, really decent speed for his size, decent power for his size. Over, I mean, you know, pretty decent size you know, for his stuff. Uh, and everything else, you watch the tape. I don't I – don't, I don't understand why people don't have this guy higher uh, uh people of course you know he's five foot ten but um that's kind of uh i don't know I, as again as a metrics guy the height stuff there was no difference in the height distribution so i don't understand that but you know whatever if you get if you get steven nelson in the fourth round uh wow yeah great he, you know, like, do, you, do you guys have him higher than uh, Ifo? 
Okay. Is it because of injury or just having hired? Both. Uh, I mean, it's because of injury. It's because of tape. You know, Epo's tape last year and this year was a little. Uh, he doesn't like. He's um. Like what's what we're looking for? He doesn't see every. His awareness is not always the best. To me, it would have been very close without the injury, but I think the slight edge will go to Nelson because he's a better tackler. And I think he has... Uh, I think he's going to bounce back from bad days better, which I think is really important if you get burned badly that you, you're still the same guy in the next play that you were before it. I'm not... Even before the injury, I thought Epo was a guy that seemed to... Not hang his head, but you can see him get a little discouraged sometimes when he's having a bad day. I guess what I'm saying. Um, one thing that concerns me about Nelson is he is he's handsy. You know, he's a guy that kind of got looked like a flag a lot very early in his career, but once he sort of figures out how to get away with what little he can get away with without getting flagged, uh, I think he'll, he'll straighten that out. I really I like him. I, I like him more than most people, and I, I like him more and more the more I see him. Well, I mean, I have him as I, I have him as first round or late first. Am I crazy? Man, I mean, he's not going to go in the first round, but that's that's where right. I have him. Yeah, I have a second round grade on him, and he probably won't go there either. Um, and last but not least, uh, Obum Guachim, who is one of those super raw. Terribly good, anything except being a really good athlete with, with a nice frame. I mean, he's six five and a quarter, two forty nine. He runs and jumps and all that stuff well, but he just needs, you know, he needs time and to be turned into something because um, you're just getting an a, a athlete basically in him. But he's a good one, a good athlete. And I like Sean Manning more than most, as everyone knows. Um, I still don't have him, you know, yep. top five quarterbacks. I have him just outside of the top five. And I still believe he could be a solid backup, backup. for many, many years. Yeah. yeah, yep, yep. Which, frankly, is what most of the uh, most of the grades I have, even the quarterbacks I like this year. Are, I mean, only there's only about four guys I feel like have starting in their future, but uh, this whole class. But I can see Manny as a really, really good backup for a long, long time. So, you know, I'm here, and of course, lots of people seem to be sort of migrating to him, you know, late. But <laughs> we'll see what, what comes of it as we do with every. Every year, we'll see what comes of, of this because we never know. You never know. Thank you, thank you, Jordan Palmer. Good job again. Good job, Jordan Palmer. <laughs> he looks really good at his screen. He has a, of the two guys, cornerbacking, you know, FBS schools in the state of Oregon. The one who had the better pro day was Sean Daniel. Now, he was. So I'm starting to think you like Oregon State more than uh, Oregon. You just seem like Corvallis over Eugene. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, because you got, you know, when I asked you a question about Mr. Uh, Park Armstead, somebody was very mad at you. I don't know who it was. It was just a random guy. He was like, I don't think this uh, guy likes Oregon players. So you got called out by Oregon fans. Because um, <laughs> you, you don't like Oregon players. There are Armstead. Oregon players <laughs> I have loved. I love Josh Bull. I love John Stewart coming out. I could not shut up about him when I was back on the staff service. I blabbed my mouth about him because I loved John Stewart. I've loved guys from that school. It's just not... It's the ones that are there right now are just kind of, you know, 
I think we all like DeForest Buckner a little bit more. Well, you guys probably like him a lot more than our, our Armstead. But I definitely thought he, if they both came out, and I, I always said, you know, DeForest is a better guy, but he doesn't get as much love as our Armstead. Yep. yep. I don't know why, but I have no idea, but I like Buckner much. And Buckner's on the field more often, too, which is go figure. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he works harder. You know, he's not a nut. I mean, I'm not calling Eric Ark a knucklehead. He's done some knucklehead things. <laughs> right. Well, when you're that tall, not everything gets to your brain all the time. You know what I mean? I don't know. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I was just I was just joking. I know you don't dislike Oregon players. Oh, Oregon yeah. Fans. We don't yeah, hate yeah. Oregon. Yeah, no, it was I just somebody did. I, somebody... I mean, I like Mariota. I like, you know, Efo in the proper context. I like Trey Hills kind of, you know. He's okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I know Bill likes the safety. Uh, dr- dr- oh, I can't think of the name. Dargan, like yeah, Dargan. Yeah, That's Dargan. probably, not, I'm not saying he's their best prospect. He's probably, of this, this little class, he's probably my favorite prospect. So. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's going to carve out a nice little career for himself as a guy who can back up both safety positions. And I think he might even be able to cover in the slot a little bit. I mean, it's hard to – because the way Oregon plays defense, it's hard to know certain things about <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, they, like their offense, their defense and offense have this in common. They disguise what guys are bad at really well. So, oh, yeah. Nick Aliotti was a genius at doing that, man. I mean, he's not there anymore, but it's still the exact same system he's running with Don Pelliam. So, I mean – and those are his recruits and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, Nick Aliotti is great at that. So, yeah, you're right. You kind of can't tell sometimes. Um, but, yeah, Dargan's good. Yeah. He like, doesn't get the love. No so love. Maybe that's why I like him so much. But uh, I do. I like him, and I think he's going to be a good pro for a long time. He'll contribute on special teams, and he could back up both safety spots, and I think he could eventually – you know, find his way on the field. I mean, he's starting. He's going to get my playing big nickel. I think, he, like I said, I, I don't know that he can cover in the slot. I just feel like he can. I wish their defense were slightly more professional at times so I could, you know, get those questions answered. But, you know, obviously their, their job is to not make it easy on me. Their job is to win games. Uh, Jim Coburn, um, tell people what you're up to. Uh, right now I'm still doing uh... – you know, pro day in data inputs, uh, working on arm length for wire receivers, working on arm length for a bunch of different positions, actually. And I'm also going to be potentially doing an article incorporating Mike Tyson and Lyle Collins, but I don't know how I'm going to pull that off, but I might end up doing that. Um, and then, yeah, and then you can find more work at All Purple Plus Source. Dot com and you can also follow me on Twitter at capital J little N little C little O little B little E little R little N one. Uh, yeah, that's uh, about it for the week. 
Excellent. Uh, I want to thank uh, Charles, a.k.a. Chuck Stiller, who was always, always fun. Uh, the party eventually outlasted Montel Hardy, but it's always a thrill to have him on as well. And gentlemen, um, we actually have a scheduling change. I'll be sending an update an email out for the, uh, for the show, so it probably will be an uh, afternoon as well as the morning show. Uh, send an email about that momentarily. Thank you all. Once again, for your time and your attention. We'll do it again in one week.